From downtown, this is Tim Kitsa from NBA Jam, and you're listening to Nintendo Main Podcast. Boom shakalaka! This week on Nintendo Main, it's that time of year. It's time to count down the top 10 best game of the year. Switch games. I spent a lot of time apart from the Switch this year, but I think I got some good ones here. Nintendo Main presents the number one game of the year list of the year. Yes. Oh yeah, that's always ours. Number one game of the year list of the year. Yeah, that's us. Most listened to here. Uh, welcome to Nintendo Main Podcast, episode three hundred and fifty-two. This is it. It is time. This is the episode that I always look for and uh, am nervous about every year, making sure everything comes together in the nice way. Thankfully, this year Nintendo released folders, and that actually really helped a lot. I could put every game that I got that I bought or got demos for on into one folder. So I could all kind of just like rearrange it as I went and just keep looking at my list and switching yep. from one thing to another. I was making my list all year long. First thing I did, one of the folders that I made, uh, first folders was was my game of the year folder, game of the year contenders. So ever since Chex Quest, Chex Quest, <laughs> you were the first. <laughs> number one. the list, but you know, it's all the Chex Quest, number one game. I forgot that game came out this year. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know. We're 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 your hosts. I'm Trey. Did I beat the most amount of game of the year games this year? Maybe. Check the tapes, Johnson. I'm Jeremy. There's so many things I didn't even try this year, but uh oh well, Mikowski. There's always next year. And I'm John Collections Collector Knitter. I thought about uh I almost uh, when I when I wrote out my uh, best ports of the year uh article thing for Super GD Radio. I thought for a second about writing out a best collections of the year because there were a lot of collections this year that came there were and, you could, and you could totally make a top five that were notable purchases and all that stuff because there were a lot of them so i thought about doing that but some of them i didn't have that i would put on there so i'd be like well oh yeah and for uh for anybody on the video feed here's the uh the, the official nintendo main mug you can get from patreon the 15 dollar level our mugs on a mug got it right here got some uh vodka and lemon juice in here what do we taste like vodka and lemon juice sounds about right you can get tipsy with us, literally. <laughs> hey, I wanted to put something in there. I don't. We, we don't have any whiskey. We're taking a. Just and I were taking a whiskey break, so we don't have any whiskey here. I'm doing that in January. Yeah, this is our big episode. This is the this is the game of the year episode. Like I said, the one I'm always very nervous about. Mostly nervous about making the video and making sure that I have all the 30 second parts of games that I need. I actually ran out of space on my Switch because I was making too many 30 second videos for games that I've been playing that will be on the list and all that stuff. Again, so I had to go back to previous years and delete some of my 30-second videos that I've already put into videos that you can find on youtube.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast. If you want to listen to those previous, or watch those previous uh, lists that I made and all that stuff, you can do it on there. I thought about watching them all, but they're all like 20 minutes long, so in order for me to watch all of them, it would take me like an hour, and I didn't really, you have, can put time. It I didn't really in have time for that. You can put it in double speed. On YouTube? 
Can you make yeah. stuff faster on YouTube? I thought you could only do that through like a uh, through like um podcast apps or whatever. Nope, you can play YouTube up to double speed. Oh yeah. Well. Oh oh well. <laughs> I miss I missed it this time. But uh this, you know, because this is our game of the year episode, uh we're going to skip all the news, all the flim flam, all the whatever we've been playing and all that because I know that when we get to, to like number five, it's going to already be like an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. So we're going to have to, I want to get moving into this, but I do want to start. This is actually something that I wanted to talk about a couple of weeks ago, but we didn't get around to it, which is fine because the episode was already packed, but we didn't talk about uh, Nintendo sent us our like results for the year or whatever, more or less, you know, where uh, they send you an email and they're like, Hey, look at your uh, wrap up of the year and all that stuff. And I thought we could go through, you know, our top 10 most played games on that. Now, keep in mind, it's not actually accurate because it stops counting hours after December 13th. So I actually went and kind of re-edited my list to make it accurate because some of them made it look like I didn't really play these games that I did actually play longer. So I went and looked on my profile and put the number that was on there instead of what was on there, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, can anybody guess, uh, take a guess what my top three most played games were Ooh. on uh, on the Switch of this year? I'm going with... Xenoblade is one of them. Which which number though? <laughs> Three. Close. No. There's a Dragon Quest in there. Oh, so are you you're you were doing Torna, right? Or did you not do Torna yet? You just were finishing two this year. Well, let's just uh so when you when you first uh when you get on the when you first log on and you look at all your stats and all that, it'll show you three games. It'll show you show you your top three games of the year. Um I was gonna say, can you guess them? John got one of them. One of I'm gonna them. say uh, Resident Evil uh Village. You did put a lot into that. I know, but these are of the year. This is this is total of the year, most played of the year. So Tetris ninety nine is that in there? Not, I mean, not for the year. No, I played it, but for not that much. Proteus. No. I should I just say it then? I guess. I'm surprised you missed this one. This is an easy one. The Nintendo sixty four app. Uh, the Nintendo sixty four app. Yeah. So my top three were uh, Pokemon Arceus uh, with one hundred seven hours. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 with 97 hours and Nintendo and the Nintendo 64 app, which I felt like that was actually a star of this year because they really made it, I don't know, I felt like they really made it worth the price because they added a lot of great shit to it. And I spent a lot of time playing like Majora's Mask and Mario Golf and Pilot Wing 64 and, and all those all those games. But what was my, my time was 96 hours on Nintendo 64 for this year. So, hooray. Those are my top three. And I guess uh, I could just continue on down the line. Number four was Mario Golf Super Rush with 54 hours. Number five was Pokemon Violet with 50 hours. Number six was Xenoblade Chronicles 2 with 49 hours. And that that includes Torna because they're all in the same app. So that's probably why there's more time on that. Because Torna in itself, I think, was like 20 to 30 hours. Nintendo Switch Sports at 36 hours. Uh, this one I had to edit because it didn't do it because I actually played a lot more. Sonic Frontiers at 35 hours. Uh, Splatoon 3 at 35 hours, and Tunic at number 10 at 30 hours. That's my that's my top 10 list of what Nintendo says that I played the most. So there you go. I don't know how you're looking at it as a top 10, but... Switch it to, I... switch it to time. Switch it to time instead of monthly. But right under where it shows your face and, and a little uh, whatever um, ah, metal. Ah, there she, push, there she goes. push down and go to time instead of... Uh, Instead of a month, and it'll show you your top ninety-two games that you played for the whole year. It's fuck ton of games. We don't have to go through all ninety-two of them. Just talk about your top ten. Alrighty, well I can do that. Uh, What do you think my most played game was? Dark Souls. 
You're correct. Dark Souls 1. Absolutely, yeah. Supposedly I played 150 hours of it. I don't believe it, but... I think you've played 200. Says. I think you have more than that, actually. <laughs> I don't know how you put so much time in there. Well, you say sometimes you leave it on. I sometimes without, I leave it on. I fall asleep yeah. playing it, for sure. Or I've, like, forgotten to put my... Uh, you know, I'll just be like standing there at the save point and I'll like uh, the campfire and I'll like put it in this uh, switch the mode on my TV to where I'm watching TV and then I forget to oh, I see. put it to sleep. Because I was like, look, like that. I was looking at some of your hours and I'm like, how do you, how did you get that many hours already? How do you already since have, I, like, since we got the new TV, I've, I think that's become a worse problem for me because I'm like a lot more impulsive about one. Like, all right, this game's pissing me off. I'm going to watch TV for a little bit and like switch back. It's just a lot easier to do than it used to be with a new TV. According to your like uh, Nintendo Switch whatever profile, it says that you've played Dark Souls for 160 hours, and I was like, Damn, "Well, this uh, this is 157." Hours. So okay, it is true <laughs> that I haven't played much of it since 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 a little in the past in the last couple two weeks, last couple weeks. No, there's been so much else happening. Um, but anyway, that was that was my number one game, and I still haven't beaten it, so that sucks. <laughs> I'm going to damn it, do damn it. You got like uh, uh you got a couple days. <laughs> to, number to three make, was Splatoon your, uh... three, or number two is Splatoon three. Yeah, I know you put a lot into that. Ninety-one hours. Number three, Arceus, seventy-seven hours. Number four, Tunic with fifty-three hours. Also, have not beaten that yet. Then Nintendo Switch Sports with twenty-two hours. Am I reading all the top ten? Yeah, keep going. Go for all right, it. Number six is as of this, it was uh, saying twenty-one hours for Scarlet. I'm sure it's beyond that now. It's probably closer to 30, 35, I think, of last time I checked. Let's check the tapes. Uh, 40 hours, according to your profile. That's what it says. Number seven is Shredder's Revenge. 18 hours. Feels like I played it a lot more, but that game's very... I felt the same about that. It's very... Yeah, it's pick up and play, fast-paced. You can get all the way through the game and like... You can do it in one. You can do it in one sitting. I, I do. I think it takes. I think it takes like a couple hours probably to play through the whole thing. Maybe. At number eight, I got Hot Wheels Unleashed with eleven whopping hours. Huh. Then I got the Nintendo sixty four app. I've only played ten hours of that. I'm actually surprised. I thought I'd play more, but that's what it says. And at number ten, Red Faction Guerrilla Remastered. I forgot I even had that game. Really? Wow! I didn't even know. I didn't even know you had it. I haven't played <laughs> it since January, and I played eight hours in January. I guess. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I didn't even think you had that game. <laughs> I, I think it was like three bucks. It was really cheap. It's a good game. It was on. It was on one of my lists. It was on one of these lists. One of these game of the year lists. I put it up. There. I played it's it for a while and then I got it the fuck off my drive because it took much, so much space. Mm. It's a good game though. It's fun. I thought. Well, it, what's my number one? Anybody? Yeah. Can Can you guess? Hitman Three. Super you Mario Maker it. Two. Oh. Well, you might have well, not played okay, it. Okay, you got one and two. So yeah, you might Hitman have not played uh, Mario, Maker, Mario Maker 2 as much this year as you did originally. I know you still play it pretty well. Uh, so Hitman 3, Super Mario Maker 2, and Rocket League. So well, Hitman 3 was 135 hours. Mario Maker 2 was 94 hours. And coming in at number 3, it's a surprise return from Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah, I forgot that you did like come back and beat that this year. I did, yeah, 82 yeah. hours. There it so is. I came back in. I played it. Almost as much as I initially played it. I remember the first go around, I, I was at like 115 hours or something like that. So I almost doubled my time. And uh, number four, Splatoon 3, 62 hours. It's a solid entry from Splatoon 3. And Stardew Valley came in at 42 hours, which is way more than what it says on my on my uh, actual Switch. Hmm. I think it says That's like... odd. Yeah, it's, it's more. I think it said like 35 hours or something like that. It's actually 42 hours. And I'm, not- I'm noticing there's like notes under each game, and one of these under Stardew Valley is intense burst. I guess that means like I played it really long 
one day or something like that. Yeah, maybe you like when you played it, you played it for long times or whatever. I think mine says uh, I have Stardew Valley is actually is actually number eleven on my list, just just under the ten, and it has uh, thirty hours, and it says revisited under there because. <laughs> I played it when it came out a tiny bit, and then Jess and I started playing, started playing co-op, and that's where all the that's where all the hours came from because we're we've been playing that, which is fun. It's a lot of fun to play it. Uh, we play it, you know, on separate. I mean, I'm on the TV, they're on the Switch, and it works well. So yeah, they took off like the total hundred, the, the, the total hours or whatever that you played over the years, but they added some cool little things like that, like the different little details, like this Rocket League. It says. Three plus years of play for me. That's at uh, oh yeah, games six. games that you're still playing. Yeah, it had a was it they they gave like your top three uh, three plus years, and for me it was Animal Crossing, Super Nintendo, and the NES app. So I guess that's all I've been mm. playing for three years on the Switch, which <laughs> that seems wrong, but I don't know. My, mine's SNES, Mario Kart Eight, and uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Mm. I got twenty hours for Rocket League, and then that was that was number six. Uh, number seven. I made another effort to beat Tony Hawk one and two. And so that put it at number seven with number with uh, 19 hours. And what else we got? Oh, Quake. I had a good like day or two with Quake where that was all, all that I played. And Quake came in at 17 hours. And then I went back and uh, beat Portal 2 finally. So I played that for 15 hours. It's number nine. And number 10 is, again, I thought I played this game more just like Jeremy. Shredder's Revenge with 14 hours. I wonder if it like only captures you know your actual gameplay time. Like maybe it's not like when you're, not your idle you're between levels or yeah, when you're idle uh, or maybe when you're I don't know. That's all I can think because I I just feel like I played that game constantly for a couple weeks there. Yeah, I mean, I I felt like it was pretty accurate. Like my I know like my time for Arceus was was right on the money. Same with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Three was like where I was at. But I just noticed that it just stopped counting after a certain time. Like I was trying to, because my um, what was it my my Shredder's Revenge is somewhere around there. It says the mine's uh, my Shredder's Revenge is number thirty seven, <laughs> thirty seven of, of ninety two, uh, at eight hours. But that's you know I played it and I said I played it five for five days, which I mean that's you know and it was, it, you know it was it was cool for about a week for me and that's five days. So there you go. But it was I found it. I mean it, it sucks that. They don't have the full time. Like I always want to see like how many hours I put in, in in a whole year. You know that's always exciting to me. And I was upset that they got rid of that, but it is kind of cool that like you can watch it like by month, like see like you know kind of go through all the stuff that you played at different times. And I did actually go like month by month by month to be like, all right, well, you know, what did I play at this time? What did I play at this time? And you could see like you know in in January when Jeremy got like uh, Bowser Fury for me and like the time that I put into that and like when I was in. When I went to New York and I and I was like I got the Cobra High guy game and played that for a while like that was up up on front and then of course like the Xenoblade two like trying to get through that before three came out and all that stuff you can kind of see like where the bursts were and like what you know what month was you know what thing was cool whatever each year what everybody get for their trends what games do you play mostly what is wait what do you mean where's the is there a trend thing. Uh, yeah, the next thing under it says your game. Oh, trends, oh yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I know we should talk about that because I felt like it was incredibly inaccurate. <laughs> but uh, really, uh, I don't know. Well, mine, uh, same. Um, mine's kind of all right. Uh, all right, so I'll just say mine. Uh, it's kind of all over the place. So it says eight percent shooter, which I don't know. It's, I mean, I do play a lot of Doom likes. I don't know. Maybe not this year so much because there are a lot of RPGs. Eight percent shooters, eight percent sports, twelve percent adventure, fourteen percent multiplayer. 
32% action. Apparently, it's, it thinks that that's what I put the most amount of time in. And it says uh, 26% role-playing, which I thought that would be higher because the, my top two games with 200 hours are both role-playing games. So I don't know how, I don't know how they figured that out, how they figured that. But what do you have? So I don't, yeah, I also don't think mine makes sense because 32% action. Okay, I can deal with that. Most of the games I play probably are more action-oriented. Uh, but then multiplayer, 21%. I don't ever play multiplayer. Oh, you played Splatoon, right? Splatoon. Oh, shit. Splatoon, yeah. Yeah, yeah there it is. Yeah. And uh, they might consider Dark Souls multiplayer because it has multiplayer elements, even though I haven't used them. Can people, like, invade your, invade your uh, yeah, game you and all that? Yeah, that. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. but you can turn it off, right? Yeah. That's good. You can I just play 40... in non-online mode if you want. And that's basically what I do. I got 41% action, uh, 18% shooter. I guess that's Quake. Well, 17 and hours in Quake. I was going to say, uh, also, don't forget about uh, Portal and Splatoon. And Splatoon, Splatoon yeah, is, a shooter, yeah, is a shooter, right. third-person shooter. Platformers are 12%. Here's one, 10% role-playing. I mean, that's all Zelda. So Zelda's a role-playing game. You heard it from Nintendo. Well, no. Stardew Valley is a role-playing yeah. game. Considered so, by many, uh, yeah. even though yes. I would argue Life's with in. that. But, well, actually, you know what? I can't argue with that because you do level up and you do gain skills. Yeah. Through Stardew Valley. So by my definition of a role-playing game, Stardew Valley is a role-playing game. There's different weapon, uh, equipment upgrades. Yeah, you can, up, you can upgrade your weapons as well. You can, you can, build, you can, build, you can build your base. Like It's 100% a role-playing game. I love role-playing games. You just don't like turn-based battles. That's what is your thing. You just don't like turn. You don't like the. You don't like the. You don't like my favorite battles. The turn-based battles. I love them. It's all about strategy. I've been playing a little bit of. Uh, I just started people. it yesterday. Finally, but a little bit of Super Blood Hockey. That is an RPG. It is. Yeah, yeah there's true. another one. It's fun too. I really. Isn't like it great? It. I love that game. It's a real hidden gem. I think most good sport game sports games are RPGs because you're building. Mm-hmm. I mean, your team is your party. You know, you're trying to build yeah. their, to build their stats and. I mean, sports are really sports really are RPGs because a lot of it is, especially if you play like fantasy, you know, fantasy football or baseball or whatever. A lot of it is based on like stats and mm-hmm. you know, and like what, whatever. I mean, that's probably why I got why I got into f- uh, fantasy football so much is it's it's basically is like an RPG. You're building, you're trying to build the best team, build the best party that will that will you know, and you have to deal with permadeath or uh, you know people that are tearing their meniscuses or whatever, and and uh, have to switch people in and all that sort of thing. It's like managing uh, 20 people or however many they let you put in your team. Which I, by the way, I did terrible. I had only won two games this year for my fantasy was awful. I was I was the exact opposite of Jess. Uh, they they got what like 13 and two, and I got two and 13. It's like the, it's the flip of uh, yeah. Jess had a had a great had a great season. And fantasy football. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't understand that stuff, but I always hear people talking about it. It's cool. I mean, if you like watching football at all, like having a fantasy team makes other football games more exciting to you because you have you basically choose players and and how well they do in each game gives you points for your team and that is your team versus other teams and in the right company with the right amount of things supplicate me to be relaxed and spaced out then i can watch sports but it takes a lot to get me to that sedated i got you to watch some wrestling matches i don't know if that wrestling's not the same combat sports it's a combat sport but it's also um it's theater too and that's probably it is it's like it's, t- it's totally 100 percent theater like just just when i went one one time when i went to one of the aw things just was like uh have fun at your play and i'm like yeah, and, yeah i know <laughs> i know i know it's a play i get it <laughs> that's funny it's very dangerous play but yes it is what was it a uh, sling sling is the is the digital cable that i used to watch wrestling and they did a similar thing where they 
where they sent me like here is the you know here's the things that you most watched and it said uh i got i won the ringmaster award i guess and it said that i watched 114 hours of combat sports this year that's more time than i put into arceus or xenoblade chronicles 3 so there you go yeah but that's 114 hours of wrestling yeah hey it's a fun thing to watch every wednesday and friday i think it's fun i watch a lot of i mean i watch a lot bad sitcoms so there's got to be something for me similar to that it was kind of weird because it shows you like your top three most watched things and it says like number one aw dynamite obviously but uh and i think i think it was like aw dynamite and rampage two and three was like um was it parts unknown the anthony bourdain show that just had uh no reservations had like uh pushed their way in there on the third place with uh with the anthony bourdain's uh because i think they watched like all of them through wrestling so I was like, "Hey, you got in. You made it into the top five here." You said you, stuff. You said all your percentages, right, Jeremy? I know we we're kind of like uh, I got I got through a couple the of them, here. but I mean, I mean, I can keep going. I think I got through. See, multiplayer was twenty one percent. Role playing nineteen percent. Adventure eighteen percent. Shooter eight percent, and arcade two percent. Oh, I don't those even have bo- arcade. those bottom numbers make sense. I don't even have arcade. Like, shouldn't you, shouldn't we that. have arcade? Yeah, because but I didn't. Of, I didn't have uh, platformer. It's like, but why is? Shouldn't we have arcade like in there because of turtles? Games, yeah. I mean, we all bought the turtles collection and the Shredder's Revention. We have a percentage of arcade games in there. I wonder what they gave you uh, extra for, or what you did to get that. I don't know. I don't know. I played a lot yeah, of be- the uh, earlier in the year. I was playing a lot of Fantasy Zone, which is uh, it's just an arcade archive. Game, yeah, you did. So you did play that why. game. Yeah, maybe that counts. I don't know. Yeah, I beat a couple of those this year. Slice by Night Slashers mm-hmm. comes to mind. Night Slashers was a fun. couple other than those. Night Slashers was a lot of fun. I beat that one too. I beat it in the arcade. Wait, no, I didn't. That was something else. <laughs> I think that was a different game. Maybe. Is Night Slashers the one that looks like, kind of looks like... Um... It's like a beat-em-up, but it has like horror stuff in it, right? No, right, that's, zombies not, and, yep. that's not what I'm thinking Yeah, it's of. cool. It's a cool game. I like the design of it. You're thinking of the one where like the girls get trapped in the house and the guys have to Night h- trap? huddle around with hooks. And, yep. We beat Area 51, but oh, that might have been last year. Yeah, we did. Uh, well, yeah, because that was at uh, Midway Gaming see. Classic. Anyway, uh, is are we good on reading our Nintendo stats that they sent us? Oh, yeah. Do you want to say I don't, We're I certified don't gamers. You're here first. <laughs> I, I do like that when you uh, when you like put it on a specific game while you're looking through your stuff, it shows like pictures of it on the background like a, as like a rotating wallpaper. I think that's cool. Oh, yeah, that was cool. That's a nice touch, but seriously, bring the hours back. Come on. I want to know how much money, how much time I wasted on Switch. I'm kidding. It's not a waste. It's a great time. It's mental health for me, so. I, every I hour I see that I play my Switch makes that initial purchase hurt less than that $300 I spent all at once, which I don't like spending that much money at once. Yeah, but you, I mean, yeah, you, you spend $300 on something that you've like put a, like you've played nearly every day, played a lot of, and you talk to your friends five, about weekly. So, now. you know, it's totally obviously worth it. Or wait, almost six years. Gosh darn. Yeah. No, it's I just want to note that this is two years in a, two years in a row for me that Hitman 3 was my most played game. Wow. That's true. Well, I mean, you did play. Yeah, you played a lot of it last year. And it came out of like the beginning of last year, too. Right. right. So it still kept uh, kept the hits coming. Man. <laughs> man. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. I understand. All right. Well, let's uh, why don't we uh, why don't we get into our game of the year lists here? Sure. So we're doing 10, right? We're doing 10. Yes. OK. We, good, we, as we've done for the past right five years, I think. I know, but, you know, we. <laughs> Don't usually read the Nintendo stats, so that's new. Yeah, well, I mean, we hadn't read them yet, so put them in this episode. I just thought it'd be fun to compare like the ones we play, put the amount, most amount of hours into versus the ones that we consider our favorites and all that. Who wants to? Who wants to start with our number ten? Do the usual. Me. Go for it. Okay. All right. 
晴らしい今日が来た昨日の次だみんなで体操深呼吸ぐるりと回って一二の三。My number ten game, the game that has the longest title of all time of all of the Switch games.、Uh, Shin Chan, me and the professor on summer vacation, the endless seven day journey is my number is my number ten game. Wow, which is、uh, which I've talked about before.、Uh, it was a game I was really excited about playing.、Uh, I actually got it. Made sure to get it because I knew it was going to be on my list. It's a very beautiful game.、Uh, the backgrounds look hand drawn, like Ghibli.、Uh, you know, gorgeous rural Japan. You can hang out and run around. It's it's the first time that the、uh, the Bokuno Natsuyasumi games have ever、uh, graced America. What do those What does that title mean in in English?、Uh, Bokuno Natsuyasumi. It basically means like、uh, my summer vacation, my summer break. I believe is what it means, but Bokuno is like a is the way you would call your is like the way you would call yourself if you're a child in Japanese. I told you I watched like this six hour video about it. I only watched two hours of it, but so, anyway, so listen, I think I recall you talking about being in like a, the nostalgia genre or whatever kind of the nostalgia anime genre. It's big in Japan. Well, I mean, it's in Japan. There's a huge.、Uh, it's very popular to make stuff about.、Uh, 1970s、uh, summer break、uh, rural Japan nostalgia, I guess, is, is big. But this is a whole series that did that for like four or five games, and this is the first one that's actually come to America. I would love for them to release like a Boku no、uh, Natsuyasumi collection for Switch because they never came to America at all. If you want one, you got to get it. You got to get a.、Uh, you got to learn Japanese, or you got to you know get like a translated version or whatever. But it just basically takes place over seven days, and it's always in August. And I've noticed, like almost yeah, in almost every anime thing, whenever somebody goes somewhere for summer, look at the calendar. It's almost always in August. Even this game released in August because that's when summer break is in Japan, I believe. So I just thought the game was really intriguing. It was unlike anything I had really played. It's like it was very unique. It's a、uh, you know you just basically kind of run around and just do whatever. You know, it's not really. It's like low stakes. It's you know has a lot of Animal Crossing in there, like a lot of like Sim type stuff. There is a garden. You can garden, but it's not as like complicated as anything else. But it's I like how you just kind of you kind of do whatever. You collect bugs.、Um, it, it's the original game was more was more simple, where you just like collect bugs and go fishing and and you can talk to people and that's about it. That's all you can really do. But this one, because Shin Shin Chan is in it, and they kind of made it a little bit more. Because all of a sudden, this professor shows up, who's in the title, and once the professor shows up, he starts bringing、uh, dinosaurs into the world from the past because he has this time machine, which was never in the in the older games. But they kind of like added this extra like mystery and magic to it and all that. And once you get the dinosaurs in there, there's like a Pokemon style kind of like a turn-based fighting game that you can do, which I think were originally was like a was like a beetle wrestling game or something like that that you would play on on the top of a, a table. It's like big, you know, Japanese thing. But、um, the the dinosaur game is pretty much it's like rock paper scissors, but kind of like in, in the Pokemon style where you know you have to you have to like figure out what the other person's going to throw in order for you to get an attack in and that sort of thing. So there's that in there, and there's also、uh, Shin Chan becomes like a reporter for the paper, and、uh, you write articles based on your discoveries in the game. And Shin Chan's like five years old, and he's a, and he's a reporter in this game, and he you end up making the paper like more popular. And there's just there's just all these different goals to do on outside of just like fucking running around and doing shit. And I don't know, they just said like I said, it looked it, I just loved like the the relaxedness of it. It's it's a cozy game, like it's a really good cozy game, and it's super Japanese. Uh, there's a there's a place you can go to that's like a that's like kind of like a bar karaoke place, 
And I don't know what it is, but like the music that you hear coming from this place reminds me of this weird bar that Jess and I went to in Shinjuku, where we were like the only ones in there. We're just like sitting at this bar watching this weird zombie movie on the TV. And they had these little bowls of, of like, like Chex Mix and like this type of snack. And, and there was only one guy in there. And like whenever we ate some of it, he would like automatically refill it and like make sure that it was full at all times. And it was a weird experience. I don't know. It reminded me of that. But yeah, for anybody who, uh, you know, loves Japan and loves Japanese games and all that, I think, uh, Shin-chan is worth, is worth checking out. And it's, a, you know, it's got weirdness in it. It's written really well. Like, the dialogue is great. Like, it's, I don't know, the characters are very funny. Like, I was playing it the other day. At the end of every day, uh, you take a bath with your dad, you know, because that's, like, a thing in Japan. It's, like, taking mm-hmm. taking baths with the family and all that. And uh, and I was playing it, and it's always been the same. Like, you always sit in the bath, and you're like, oh, and they're just like, ah. Uh. And this one day, they're just sitting there, and then, Shin, and then Shin-chan just, like, farts really loudly. In the, in the bathtub, and there's like, bloop, 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 and his dad's like, what was that? And he's like, I don't know. But it only does that one time. <laughs> and then, and then it just moves on, and I'm like, that's awesome. Because you, like, you had maybe taken a bath like 10 times before that, and then there's this one time that he farts in there, and it's like, what? <laughs> maybe it's the diet you eat during the day that determines if you fart at night. I mean, you can't really, I mean, I guess you have, there's like a, there's like lunchtime, and there's, and there's a, there's like lunch and dinner that you do, but you don't decide those, but you can actually as you move through the game, it's kind of set up somewhat like Resident Evil, as in like there's fixed camera angles for each part. And whenever you move from one part to another, you'll lose a little bit of stamina. And if you run out of stamina completely, you'll pass out and you'll go home and that'll be the end of the day. So you have to kind of work with that a little bit when you're exploring. And you can actually like buy you can buy food that you can eat that will make your stamina come back. So that's about as much as you would eat, aside from like your, your dinner. But you also get a certain amount of time, aside from the stamina... Before, like, one of the adults will come and be like, okay, Shin-chan, it's time for dinner, and then you have to go home, and then you'll get a- another certain amount of time for the night where you can come out and go again. And there's, like, you have, like, a neighbor that, like, will tell a different story every night, like, read from a book, which is really cool, that'll read it, and you'll just, like, hear it, and you can just go over there and listen to it or not, or you can sit over there. There's just all this really cool stuff to discover in there that's just, like, I don't know, and I like the fishing aspects. I mean, this is one, what is this, one of the at least two games on my list that have a fishing things that i really enjoyed in there there might be more actually that i'm not thinking of but i always like fishing in games and this game does a lot of it and you get this camera that you can take pictures of things and it automatically generates a drawn picture of yourself and you use these uh you know things that you encounter you'll take pictures of them and that'll be how you uh tell the paper about your experiences that you've had and and they'll be like you know they'll be like little missions like it was like everybody thought that the dinosaurs were bad but you make this parade of dinosaurs through town to try to show everybody that they're nice and they're not actually upsetting people it's funny when they said that that people were getting upset because they were while they were stomping around uh you know things were shaking and people were not able to put on makeup is what they said was one of the, <laughs> was one of the complaints so it's it's quirky like that, you know. It's a it's a fun game. Are you familiar with the Cran Shin Chan cartoon at all? Not really. No, I, I, this is my first experience with it. I, I was more interested in the um in the Japanese rural nostalgia thing than Shin Chan, which I, I guess um, I know the characters much different. Oh, I I didn't even mention the butt. Do you know about the butt the butt alien then? Because that's a, that's no. a, that's a Shin Chan thing, right? Mm, I'm vaguely familiar with Shin Chan. Okay, I I, I figure this that. has to be part of the show because he talks about it all the time in the game. Uh, it's basically that butt only alien and he basically like bends over and sticks his ass in the air and you can't see his face it's just his butt moving around and that's how you run through the game is with sticking your butt out and he'll make a joke about that he's like have you heard about the butt only alien and then he'll stick his butt in the air and wave, and wave it around and i figured that had to be a joke from the show because it doesn't make any sense at all like within the story of the game 
It's like I, for, uh, I forget it was just his reference. like catchphrase. It's like, hey, my butt. This is my butt. I stick my butt out. You know, I don't know. I know that the cra- the Crayon Chinchan is supposed to be like super immature, right? The like the character is like on mm-hmm. on the anime show and all that. That's what I've heard. So I only know that it's a very distinctive looking cartoon character that I could see in my mind's eye. But other than that, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, the characters definitely have a style to them, like the way um, like their eyes and ears and. It's all kind of disproportionate. Somewhat, it's almost like you know? cubist, a borderline cubist. Yeah, you could say right, that. Right? I, I was going to say, yeah, maybe like a um, Picasso style, mm-hmm. whatever, <laughs> design of the characters. And they all look like that. And I guess that some of the other characters that are in the place that you're at are taken from the Shinchan story. Because when you meet your neighbors in the game, because you're on vacation, of course, you're on summer break. Uh, Shin-chan says, oh, these two people look like these other two people that I know from back home. So I think it's supposed to be that they're the same as the characters that are in the show, but they're also in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and I forgot to mention, like, the original Boku no Natsuyasumi, you have, like, seven days and it's over. But in this one, as you hear in the title, the endless seven days, is when you get to the end of seven days, it goes back. So you're cl- So you're stuck in a time paradox here that you have to find a way out of. So... You will always go back to Monday from Sunday. So when you leave, you'll go back to when you're arriving at the town. And that's where it makes it to where the game never really ends, I guess, until you get all the things. I've only played it for about seven hours, I think. And I think it's like 10 hours long. But I really, but I said I really liked it. Like, I like the story a lot. Uh, all the days end up with you doing this exercise routine where you sing the song in Japanese. And as you go, more people would join you as you meet more people in the town and all that. And it's... Like I said, it's very much a me game. It's very quirky, and I like the story and all that. And you, and yeah, it's basically about like you know, having social links with people and catching bugs and shit, which is fun. Which is fun for me. I originally thought about having it higher on the list, but I like that it's on ten. I think I think it's a good spot for it. More like ten Chan. Sure, but not four Chan. No, <laughs> or eight Chan. None of that stuff. So I'm talking about number Chans actually. Just say just say Shin Chan. But I, yeah, I think we can move on with that. I think I said enough. Alrighty, well, I'm not going to be surprised if we've got a repeat here, but it's at my number 10. Yeah, I had a lot of, I had a few things that I was looking at to be in this position, and I shifted my list around a little bit, but I do feel good about this being number 10. And that is the a digital clips offering we got this year called Atari 50th Anniversary Collection. Oh, there it is. Whoa. I don't know if it's on anyone else's list, but it's on my list at number 10. <laughs> and I, my... Justification for it because we normally try to avoid putting, uh, re- you know, uh, collections on these lists. But this has new games on it, all new games. So I think it's fair to say that it's got enough new to it, and also the presentation of it makes it it's a it's a game almost in itself, just in how the presentation works with it and how you can go through the history of Atari in a in a very different like historical but fun way through the timeline which is pretty cool and i've done a little bit of that but mostly i've just like gone in and played those old atari those old uh, arcade games in the late 70s and early 80s that you probably can't find anywhere besides somewhere like galloping ghost possibly but especially the vector graphic games like i love those i think they're cool damn near timeless with their with how they look their style and uh there's actually one of the games on there i feel terrible sector yeah, Vector Sector. That game's that awesome. That game is really cool, isn't it? It's like it starts out like uh, Tempest, and then it switches to like Defender. This is and... one of the new ones that that uh, Digital yeah. Clips made for uh-huh. the collection, and it kind of, it's kind of a mishmash of all the classic Vector games, like Jeremy was just saying. Oh, that's cool. I like Vector games. So yeah, between levels, you you're essentially going between different game styles, and I think it kind of loops back and forth. I haven't gotten super far into it, but I've seen a few different styles, and yeah, they just 
it's the same vector graphics you know you could if someone told me it was an arcade game from like the mid 80s i would believe them but no but no star wars of course right because <laughs> right. no star wars because you can't because i idea yeah, i mean I, yeah obviously for obvious it's really the only, the only thing missing from the whole collection is the licensed games but that's understandable mm-hmm. and i heard some uh so nintendo mains actually met you know one of the one of the guys that works at digital eclipse chris kohler and he we was, have you know, an interview with him about the labo on our patreon right he he was intimately involved in the curation of all this and going around and getting to go through like some archives and stuff i listened to him on uh uh nasty labs the chuhai labs podcast i heard an interview with him recently and he was he was dishing some dirt about you know who who allowed him to like access their archives and go through them and uh, regarding how, the entire collection yeah and like just some of the stuff that was even added up like there was a day one patch because they threw some extra documentary footage in there and they weren't able to get it ready until after they had to submit it or whatever so that was that was the reason for the day one patch not that there was any sort of game breaking bugs or anything it was just to get more more content yeah so they i mean they churned it out in less than a year as well and i think it's very high quality and just these atari games have been released over and over and over again but this is finally this is I it. think I think the ultimate way it could have been done. There just never needs to be another Atari collection ever. Again. I really don't. This think is so. it. Just re-release it for new systems. And furthermore, it just Paid DLC. sets the standard for all collections. Now everybody else is up at bat. Capcom, come on, do it. Konami, do it. All these guys should hire Digital Eclipse to make collections of their own. Bring back their old Atari, their old arcade games in a nice package that gives context. That's the most important thing about this collection. It gives context. It gives you a reason, yep. incentive to want to keep playing the next game down the list. So you can and there was another game that companies. Digital Eclipse did this year, but I don't want it too far ahead of ourselves. I was going to say, speaking of Digital Eclipse and Konami, they did actually do some stuff together, but that may be a spoiler for later things on the list. So we'll get to that when we get to that. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if I need to say a whole lot more. Personally, John, if you'd like to talk about it a bit more. But yeah, because it's also on my list. Do you want to wait? to? You can talk about it, but don't say the number. I'll talk about it now so we don't have to yeah. come back to it later. Yeah, I'll wait on the number. So it's... It's just like, it just leaves me wanting more from other companies to do this exact same thing. I think no, like right now on the, on the switch, there's another collection from Taito that's priced at the same amount, $40, just the same. And it's 13 games. And from what I hear, that's it. There's no extras, no nothing. And this is for Taito games. Like what did they make? They made Bubble Bobble. Bubble Bobble. Yeah. I think they made Akari Warriors or something. And mm-hmm. like the other games are just Akari was the other was the other one that Jeremy, we have the collection. Oh, that's that. SNK. Yeah, SNK, yeah. So this is like Taito, you, you gotta like pull that from from the, the stores and redo it and, and add all this other stuff that Atari added. Like they have set the bar so high that I, I just can't see any other any other game released that, with a collection, any other collection that's just released with just a, a bunch of games and that's it. That's enough. That's a no, don't buy it. That's pass. Wait for this. This is the real deal. Every, I think I said it before when I first talked about the game. I think everybody who considers themselves like a hardcore gamer can get something from this collection. It's totally worth the $40. Just, There's a lot of really fun games on here. Like even some of the, even there, some right? of the 2600 games are still fun like I agree. uh like uh breakout and uh missile command missile command is awesome on 2600 oh yeah missile command is fan- 
I was just digging into that one uh, on the 2600 and on the arcade version. Yeah, the arcade version is better, but it's still it's surprising how good of a port the 2600 version. It's is. a fantastic port. Yep, and the way that they've laid it all out, especially with um, you know, you're greeted at, at the at the top by you know, percentages. There's like different categories for like you know the arcade years and then the 2600 years or whatever. However, they divide it up. But at, at the top, you see the, the percentages, how much you've completed each section. And every time I turn the game on, I'm incentivized to go through and make sure I see every little thing just so I can get that percentage up to 100. And that makes me discover games that I hadn't really known before, like Food Fight. Food Fight's really fun. I don't know if you tried that one yet. I haven't yet. But I, the only reason I even tried it is because it was the next one down the timeline. And I just you know, click, cool. Oh, I've never played this game before. It's a really good addictive game and you know i have like i probably played maybe 30 of the games so far and there's 104 games on this list 104 on the content on the amount of content and it's uh, they're mostly unique instances of games like yeah there are some that are you know obviously ports and stuff but even those are like different enough from each other i think that you're getting a, a different experience let's not forget jaguar games for yes. the first time ever on a on a on console Modern like console. A, on emulation yeah 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 they're just interesting like so far i don't think I've and i a, think a... they made that I, in the interview i heard with with kohler he, he i'm fairly certain they commissioned someone to make that jaguar emulator for them so it was created this is a for first this game. borrowed mm-hmm. yeah but i don't think i found like a great jaguar game yet no <laughs> no but, at least you get uh, to play uh, them though at least they're there but they're just fascinating to play yeah. This came out at the same time relatively as the Nintendo 64, just to see the difference. You know, why I kind Nintendo of imagine you're obviously succeeded and Atari yeah. didn't. Yeah, imagine your disappointment if you were the kid that got the Jaguar instead of the 64 or whatever, right? <laughs> and you got because, like, what it was on that um nasty labs they were talking about it, but the same year that uh Star Fox came out was the year that Jaguar released this was like captain furry or something i don't know it's just got the trevor mcfur captain yeah, trevor in, the, in the crescent wow. galaxy yeah and it's a, it, it, you get the impression it's going to be like kind of like mascotty like star fox and then it's just another shooter how oh, dang right. i mean i guess at least they sort of tried that was that's like alternate dimension uh tray where i i know where i don't get star fox 64 i get that instead and then give up video games forever and never start a podcast or whatever else you start a podcast was devoted just to that game Trevor McFur, because that's all you ever played, because you, it's your favorite game. It was my last ounce of that's happiness. It. I found it the perfect game. I shall never play. In another. fact, it was you when I thought now it was go by Traver because McFur was <laughs> such a huge influence on you that you've legally changed your name to Traver. Ugh. It's a terrible, terrible dimension or whatever. I think the last thing I'll say about this game is just an enduring memory that I have of playing it with both my five-year-old nephew and my seventy-year-old dad, and everybody. We were all equally into it. It was three generations learning about these uh, these old Atari games. That's pretty cool. Really cool. Atari 50th anniversary collection. We'll bring your family together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do. I do want to play it at some point. It's just uh, there's other games that are higher on my list. Uh, well, on my whatever list of things to play. But I'm sure when it goes on sale, I might want to drop in there. But no, it sounds great for what for what it is. Well, my number ten is Ninten Doe Switch Sports. Hey, there it is. I was wondering if yep. it would make anybody's list. <laughs> it's all. It's also on my list. Okay, cool. Yep. 
didn't didn't make my list. I I thought about putting it in there. Just only reason I didn't put it in there is just it was too similar to Wii Sports. But I did, as you heard on my top ten, it was in my top ten because I did play a lot of it. It is very similar to Wii Sports, you know, but it brings it online, brings it into the modern era, and probably in pretty modest ways, but it's enough, you know, just like Wii Sports was enough. It was simple to the point, and it worked. I think this game, you know, it entertained me for well exactly ten hours as far as the the count goes so far but i enjoyed it and you know i'll i'll, I'll see myself i see myself dipping back into it and especially the soccer the soccer was my favorite i haven't even tried golf yet i gotta go back and try golf i haven't tried golf yet either i want i want to play yeah i want to play golf online i've just uh I've, i don't know if i mentioned on the show it's just my my left arm has been kind of fucked up lately so i haven't really been able to do it it's been it's been really sore so we we, we just and i we played it a little bit but it was making the swing was was kind of hurting me so i couldn't so i couldn't do it this was a nice gift that uh, jeremy and i both got from trey and yeah it's another that, that adds to the memory factor for it it was like from some like uh it was like from from google or something like that it was some court case that that just told me to to basically like put my put my whatever put my name on and then i Your ended up getting yeah. like like a couple hundred dollars out of the blue or whatever and i yeah i ended up getting you the one to send you the Spread the joy the of, of uh, Nintendo right. Switch Sports because I was having a lot of fun with it. That was awesome because it also, yeah. in my house, you know, it was for Shauna as well. Yeah, and so we played we it. Both, we played a lot of it. Well, we all got to play it together when you came up here for that one night, and that was fun. Yeah. When we got to hang out. Like, when you finally, after you finally got the, was able to order food and all that, I felt like it was just like one thing oh, after right. another yeah, after another. Was... And it was super late. But we, we, we bowled a little bit and hung out a little bit, you know. And yeah, no, it was... Uh, it's a fun game. It's good. Uh, it's a good uh, multiplayer game. And I played it. You know, Jess and I played it a lot, and we played it with Caroline and, and Robert, and they really liked it too. And we had some had some good party stuff. We played it online. I know we played online with John a couple times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's good. We game. had friends over a couple of different times where I pull it out and we did some bowling. And it's just it's a good game to yeah, it's a good game to just your non gamer friends or if they're gamers but they normally don't play those kind of games they're still all gonna but they remember I everybody's mean, they're, gonna they're, vibe playing this yeah say, they're everybody remember remembers we sports though because yeah. that was like a you know that was like a huge event i think for video games, cultural touchstone you know, brought everybody together yeah so i mean i think a lot of people remember it like yeah people who didn't play video games at all like my mom like never played video games but she bought but after that she bought like a wii a wii u and a ps4 even I'm like, what are like what are you doing there's retirement communities <laughs> where they're still <laughs> yeah. playing we bowling all the time yeah i'm sure it's a i mean it's still it's still an amazing game and i think we bowling is probably still better than the bowling that's on nintendo switch sports but you're yeah. right that, that, i mean why can't you get your diamond balls anymore why can't you go pro and get the different balls come on come on people i know you got to get it online now now you gotta whatever it's an online world it's it still is, supporting it still you, know, fun, you can though. get your santa outfit yeah, I think that might be. I think that might be gone now because they only give it for a couple weeks. But yeah, no, they still like add new outfits you can get like every week. And I mean, since they just put golf on there, they're gonna keep adding shit to it. I'm sure for the next like couple of years or whatever. Scuba diving. Um, yeah, I didn't have a whole lot more to say about it other than it was just well, well, yeah, this is important. And in, in, uh, if you go back to the episode, I had just gotten my new TV, and so this was the first new game I got to play on the big screen. The well, big, big screen. Didn't you say that like playing it on my big screen TV was a uh, somewhat of an influence to to push you to get your own officially? I mean, I know you always wanted one and needed one. I did, and um, I would. I had been waiting for the right time, and the right time was while Shauna was. In Brazil, so I could do a little surprise. Oh yeah, yeah. That was also for me. I mean, obviously, it was <laughs> and a, so gift, you, yes. a gift for both of us, and I, I used it. But yeah, that TV's a was a great purchase. 
and it's especially great for playing video games, in my opinion. I, just, I remember when you were when you were playing it on my TV. You're like, oh, playing this on a bigger on a big TV makes me want to play it on a big mm-hmm. TV as well, or like for, you know, 4K TV. But it, I think it upscales. I think things look better on that one than this one, even mm-hmm. though it's much warmer in this room. So I've been playing a lot more stuff in this room than the living room because the living room's freezing. But that's beside the fact. But is that? Do you want to move on from that? That's it. All right. <laughs> My number nine. I mean, maybe this one's kind of predictable. Maybe I mean, I did, I did, I, I was, I did held, I held to the things that I said on previous podcasts about things that I said I was gonna, was going to be on my game of the year list. So, if you listen to any of those and I said it'd be on my game of the year, they're still there. But bumped up from number ten. This was originally going to be number ten, but I pushed it to number nine. And number nine on my top ten games of the year is Easy Come Easy Golf. Right there. What could be arguably the best golf game on Nintendo Switch is what I put in my in wow. my script here well because uh it's what is it uh it's like 20 bucks um and and let's let's remember that this was the year that the people who made mario golf super rush abandoned all of us fans uh they decided they were not going to give us any more outfits monthly and they've completely uh deserted us so anybody who used to play that and enjoy it like me as you heard it was like my number four or whatever most played games uh we've been abandoned but easy come easy, easy golf came around to rescue all of us because Easy Come Easy Golf has like fucking tons of outfits for different characters. Like, like uh, there's like different colors, and there's completely different weird outfits you can get. Uh, it's like it's like full RPG. You can upgrade everybody. Like you can level up all of your different characters. Uh, you create a team together, which I thought was the coolest thing. You make like a tag team where you, you know, you tag after every hole, and you have different people who have a uh, different different abilities, different positive negatives, like that sort of thing, and. And you're like, oh, it's raining. Well, let's put this one in because they're stronger against rain. Or this one has better backspin. Or this one's better at putting. And like, you kind of build this team and you put them together based on like how the holes are going to play out and all that. I was like, well, this one has a has a farther drive, so let's put it on this like uh, par five and that sort of thing. And and it's great. It's a great game. The characters are super over the top, very animated. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Uh, it's I think it has like original developers who had worked on other Mario Golf games and Hotshot Golf, Hotshot Golf and stuff like that. And yeah, I was like I said, it's I think it's one of the best, if not the best, golf game on Nintendo Switch. Is this, so stylistically, is this uh, more like a retro style golf game, or is it fully 3D? Like I guess it could still no, be it's, retro. No, it's, it's full. It's fully 3D. 3D. I mean, it would if you want to if you want to like think of what to compare it to. It basically looks like Mario Golf, but without Mario in it. Okay, that sort of thing. But the characters are very like animated and over the top, and you can get some really cool like alternate outfits for them. And yeah, and it's and yeah, they're they're very cool. And and uh, 
And I guess I remember when this game originally came out and Jeremy asked me if there was a local multiplayer. And I said, no, I was wrong about that because there is a local okay. multiplayer. And what's really cool about local multiplayer, it's called Pass a Club, I think is what it's called. But in local multiplayer, you actually get to play with all of the characters, whether you've actually unlocked them or not in the single player, which is awesome. The other games should do that, right? Where it's just like, here's everybody. You can just use them all right here and just try them out and see what they do. And you get all the courses and all that stuff. So if, say, so if you just buy it just to play it multiplayer, you have everything. You don't have to like wait and like try to go through all the single player stuff. You can just like automatically just have it right there. But if you want to unlock it, you still can in the single player. And there's yeah, there's an online mode which I haven't tried yet, but I should, you know, see how good I am. But no, it's I like there's a there's different control options. Like if you're a if you are more into like the Tiger Wood golf games where you use the analog stick to like pull back and go forward or like I think the PGA Tour games are like that as well now. Uh, you can do that or you can switch it to the traditional Mario Golf where you press A for power and 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 A for um, you know, how how straight it is and all that stuff. So I like that you have options on that. I think you can change some of the flashiness of it as well, like kind of as a more like um accessible thing for people or you can i know you can change like you can how the how the map moves because like the map will kind of like whip around the characters and stuff like that you can turn that off so it doesn't like make you as dizzy and that sort of thing which i thought was cool but you know it was a uh, i think it was like 20 bucks when it came out i put like 30 hours into it you know it was my it was my ultimate editing game like i played the shit out of it to edit multiple episodes for this show and has to be in the list for that because it just and and the and the um the things that you can do like change daily so like you know it'd be like oh here's this here's this so like depending like what you can unlock for different characters will change depending what day you're playing and that sort of thing and you like uh what you gain stars to unlock new levels and unlock extra characters which are basically bosses which you play against like you would in mario golf and that sort of thing but yeah, this is one of those things that just like it just hit me in the right spot when it came out. I was like, oh yeah, this one's gonna be on my game of the year list for sure. Because it's like I said, it's really it's a damn good golf game and a great editing game. <laughs> it's like it's a great game to just or it's a great game to just listen to podcasts too. Just like chill out and just hit some fucking golf balls and listen to listen to podcasts. You know, it's good. And and the only thing I'd say one of the only downside is it has like no music in it whatsoever. So that's why it's a great podcast game because you don't really need to hear anything. Just look at the animations. It's it's very minimal on the audio, which I thought was weird. But aside from that, I mean, it's it's a blast to play. It's meant to be like peaceful or something. The minimal audio. Yeah, maybe. I guess it's just supposed to be like just you're on the golf course and there's just nothing there, you know. But I don't know if there's like I don't know. I just remember I remember I played it with no audio for so long, and then I tried playing it with audio, and I'm like, there's no music like at all, except for like when you, you know, when you like get a you know the animations when you get birdies or eagles or whatever. There's like music behind that, but like as far as like just golfing. There's like no music. I'm like, okay. Well, Is there at least like whatever. ambient sounds of like wind blowing or? I think there's, like I think there's birds in the background. I don't remember gotcha. that. Like I said, mostly I played it without audio, but that gives <laughs> gives more to why it's so great because you don't need audio. It's it's great on itself. It's just it's just fun as hell to play, you know. And for me, being a obviously anybody who's listened to this knows I'm a huge golf person. Uh, this game was automatically like like my my one of my favorite golf games, and it, and I had actually um. Because I think this is a port of the uh, iOS game, which I did play a little bit on my phone. And I was like, once I played the iOS game, I was like, man, I can't wait till I can play this with an actual controller. Because trying to putt on the touchscreen just did not work at all. I could not. It did, I would like. I was like hitting it over the hole. It was getting in the hole and going off. And I'm like, I don't know how to fucking gauge the distance on this through touchscreen. Once I got it to an actual like controller, I was like, all right, here we are. This is the way it should be played. 100% for me. Love that game. Easy come, easy golf. Really weird name, but fun, but fun game, fun golf game. You play a lot of golf games, so it's it is kind of hard to keep the one straight that you've been playing. I I, lo- I love golf games. 
And I think, well, I'd say like, yeah, if anybody, if anybody asked me what the best golf game was on Switch, I would probably say this game. I would mention Super Rush, but I think this game has more stuff to it for a, for a cheaper price. So I'd say just go for Easy Come, Easy Golf. All righty. Well, moving on to my number nine, if you don't have anything else to say about it, uh, about Easy Come, Easy Golf. I think I already said, yeah, I said I played it for 30 hours and I did not beat it. So there's nothing on my list that I've beaten yet that I've mentioned, but we'll get there. Same. Because I also have not beaten this game, in fact. Had I played more of it, it might be higher on my list, but it had enough of impression on me that I had to throw it at number nine. And it's some, I don't know, I hope it counts. It's a new game, but it's its also an expansion, and that would be Sunbreak for Monster Hunter Rise. Oh, yeah, that was one. Actually, well, that was on my list. It said I put 30 hours into, in, well, into, yeah, into Monster Hunter slash Sunbreak this year, but, I did, but it didn't make my best of list. I was getting back in. Okay. Well, I was getting back into it, you know, and I was really starting to get back into the Monster Hunter flow. And then for whatever reason, it just didn't, it just didn't hold its, it didn't keep its hooks in me. And I think I just was playing too many other things at the time. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a one person at a time, one game at a time person rather. <laughs> well, I'm also one person, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. so I just can't like, I don't know. I could, I, I, for whatever reason, I just couldn't focus on it like I did when rise first came out for whatever reason rise just grabbed me more and this one was like this is fun i enjoy this i'm having a good time but i still felt kind of overwhelmed by the systems like having to get back into them and just the just the difficulty too i mean the difficulty it does get a lot harder like sunbreak is a lot harder than rise but that's i mean it's that's monster hunter it's like the more they but that's the idea yeah harder and harder and harder it gets and that's you're essentially trying to entice the people that want that because yeah. that's what the the, the super monster fan, hunter fans want they want it to keep getting harder and harder and more complex and <laughs> add more systems and make it more i don't know convoluted <laughs> when, when, when i was at my sister's house and i drank way too much alcohol but we all did so it was okay uh my, my niece was playing uh fortnite like uh, right before we uh opened the presents and all that and and she got to third place i was like hey that's awesome i i, I awesome. rarely ever got that high but i was just kind of sitting there kind of drunk and i'm like I'm like, you guys ever play Monster Hunter? It's <laughs> like, no, there's just like crickets. Crickets. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I was like, Fortnite's fun. Have you ever played Monster Hunter? Monster Hunter's a great game. That's all I'm saying. I don't, it's just not the kind of game <laughs> you could just be like, oh, we're all hanging out. Hey, let's get into Monster Hunter right now. Well, I mean, they were talking about online, like competitive stuff. And I right. Like, I was like, I don't like, comp- I like co-op. Like you ever played Monster Hunter? So they will. I mean, it's going to, it's going to PS5 and, and Xbox series, whatever. So, I mean, people will all get to it. Rise and Sunbreak are. I think they're going to be on Game Pass too. So there'll be a lot more monster hunters out there. It is kind of nice to know I've got a lot more content to go back to, but yeah, I'm gonna have to throw it at nine because it. I just I didn't play that much of it, and even though I bought it day one, I just couldn't. I'm gonna go back to it. I promise. Someday. You should. Um, it's. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll play it. I'll play it with you sometime. It it does it does get a lot more difficult though. I noticed that, and it does take a it takes a bit for you to get to the new sunbreak stuff. Like even after you've gotten past the monster hunter rise stuff, so which which kind of sucks. But 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 once you get there, it gets really good. They change change up the uh, why am I forget what they're called the 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 balls you eat before. Oh, the dango. Dango, yeah, the dango's like got different elements to it. Like they they just kind of like made that a little more complicated in this too. That I, I thought they made it better though. Excuse me. I th- I thought I mean because I found it probably I f- did I found a pretty good combination that I used every time that I thought like did more than it did in Rise and I also want to say that I did felt like I felt like it was a sin last year that I didn't put Rise higher and I and I feel 
guilty about that every day. So just let you know that. I thought I thought that I should have put Rise higher than I did. I think I put it at number three. It should have been like two or one last, well, last year, but whatever. I don't even remember. What, I, I don't think it was my number one. But no, it I think it no, it was. It was your number one last year. It was year. my number yeah. one? Yeah. That's actually, I think, why I uh, felt bad. about. I was like, man, I should have put Monster Hunter at number one. I mean, I put like over 100 hours into it. I mean, it finally made me a Monster Hunter fan. You know, this is a big deal because I tried a couple other versions of it. I mean, yeah, Rise may be enough of a fan that I bought World, but I haven't really played it. You bought World, actually a, bought bought World a couple twice. times. <laughs> yeah, I bought it on um, Steam. It was super sale on Steam, and then I also bought it on Mario 64 revealed. It was like, it was so cheap. It was like five or ten bucks for to get a used copy for PS4, so I bought that as well. I thought I thought you might buy Rise for PS4 too, or something like that. But what sucks is you can't you you, you can't like share your save through all the different versions, which which is annoying because no. you would have to put like however many hours you put in Rise again and the next one. They they should just let you just save your just share your save through all the different versions, so you could just buy buy it on whatever. Now that it's going to be on everything, just let you just fucking play mm. it however you want and just you know transfer your stuff easily. But are you good on Sunbreak? I think so. All right. Well, on the theme of Things we bought that uh, we should have played more of. Super Mario Strikers Battle League is my number nine. Oh, lower than I thought. I thought it'd be higher on your list. Same. Well, for that reason, I just, uh, yeah, it's not that I didn't like the game. I certainly wasn't part of the wave of people that said, oh, it's not enough. And, you know, I, I liked the game a lot. In fact, you know, I went played through it and I beat the game and I enjoyed it. Uh, in the end, I put 10 hours into it. I just think uh, whatever was the next game, you know, stole my attention and, and, you know, then it became, you know, the near year of Ninja Turtles and, you know, all these other things. So it just got kind of lost in the shuffle. And I think also like, well, I, I, I will say, I think they're, you know, again, no surprise, their online was a little lacking and, you know, it, it's like that, that was a game that, oh, they could have stepped it up and they could have stepped into like the modern era of really, you know, online social gaming and uh it just didn't happen i think people were amped for that to happen and that's why so many people were uh, disappointed in this game because it is essentially like a polish of the wii version that came out 15 years ago mm. and if you look at it from that perspective that was a great game this is a great game if you look at it for what it is it's great it's a lot of fun i really really enjoyed it and i think it's it's solid plays really well um but if you start to think about like what could have been that's where you start to knock points off and so i think that's why it was number nine for me there was some stuff that was like oh man what could have been you know and then uh, uh you know the fact that i just it kind of petered out for me after after 10 hours i have every intention of going back and playing it again and getting back into it now the the dust has sort of settled and i don't really think i have any game you know besides you know zelda that's sort of on the horizon for me so maybe before zelda come, comes out maybe i'll dive back into strikers and uh, yeah, I could double or triple that time. I could get to 30 hours on this game. You know, maybe theoretically I could see it becoming, you know, a, a Rocket League of 500 hours. It's another soccer game. I love, I just love soccer games. I love, you know, hockey games are pretty much mechanically similar in video games. Soccer, hockey, video games, I just love them. They're a lot of fun. And this is one of the best soccer games on the Switch. Not that I've played a whole lot of them, <laughs> but I think it, I can certainly guess that this is one of the best. And you you got a lot of uh, DLC to dig into as well mm -hmm. that was that has been added, and I don't you know I I didn't think it was a bad game. It just uh, it kind of just came out around the time as of other stuff, and you know I, I realized that, that when I bought the Strikers games before on like Wii and GameCube, I bought mm -hmm. them because there was nothing else available 
and I, I mean they were good. They're they're good games. Like they're they were all they've all been good games. It's just like hmm. I don't know for me this year was the overlay was an was a super overload year where it's just like there's too much. I don't know what to do. So I skipped. So I skipped this one because uh, yeah, I'm not as excited about soccer games. But I think it's a good game. Like from what you t- yeah. said about it and like the way it works and all that. Consider buying, you know, next time it's on sale for forty one ninety nine. Yeah, the regular <laughs> Nintendo sale. Yeah, the $40 right. Nintendo sale. <sighs> That's how they do things. But it's worth it if you're going to play the game a bunch, you know. I mean, but there's a lot of online on there. Like, you'll, I'm sure people are still playing it online. It's weird because oh, yeah. it, it's, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like the same thing they did with Mario Tennis and Golf. Like, they released it as, like, half done, and then they just added stuff to it later. Even it, Splatoon right. 1 was like that, and, and 2, so... That's kind of their new way of doing things. Even though they seem like they kind of gave up on Mario Golf and yes. and Strikers much sooner than we thought. I think they thought. need to also. <laughs> yeah, I think it's okay to release a game, you know, not not in its final state, um, you know, as tough later or whatever. But I would really love it if they picked up the pace on what they're adding and when, like a character, a costume, and a, a new field every two months. That's way too slow. It's not enough. You know, yeah. It's way too slow. By by six months out, the game should be like if you're gonna do it that way, by six months out, the game should be like one and a half times what it was at launch, maybe twice what it was at launch. But like packed to the brim. And then after six months, you do your you know extra costume every couple of weeks or something like that. But yeah, just pick up the pace on the DLC and uh, you know, listen to what the fans are saying and what they wanted and, and just make make a more integrated online social experience for all of your games for this and for all of your games nintendo for sure and that's uh that's everybody's number nine right Number eight, right? Number eight. And number eight. number eight for me is a game called Tinykin. Loved Tinykin. That was a great game. Uh, it's a, It had a great mixture of Chibi-Robo and Pikmin and 3D platforming mixed into one. And I really enjoyed playing it a lot. Still interested in playing this one. It was one of those games that, uh, well, there's a demo that you can play. Even though you do have to repeat the stage, or you do have to repeat the stuff that you do in the demo if you buy the, the regular version of it, but I don't think it's all that expensive. It's like, it took me like 10 hours to get through it, but I beat it. It's the first game on here that I beat. And uh tiny can like really, it just, I don't know. It really just took hold of me. I, uh, I played it until I beat it. Like I was so excited about it. I even, I played it during editing. I played it like for however long. And it was, uh, I love the music. I love the characters and I liked it. It, it was, uh, oh, not to mention it also had a mixture of like paper Mario in there as well. Cause you have a, uh, cause you have like flat HD sprites mixed with like a, the polygonal background and all that like i thought was really interesting but yeah it had it's it's similar to pikmin where you're gathering uh characters but what i liked which was much less stressful than pikmin and was much much cozier for me is that you can't lose any of any of them like they can't die 
So uh, what I thought is there's a button that you hit and they all just come right back to you. So like if you lose them somewhere in the level, you just click one of the top buttons and they just they'll come right back to you. And you're like, all right, there they are. And uh, But you did all these different things. You'd create like bridges with them, like you'd uh, build a tower so you could jump to higher places and that sort of thing. And I really like, I, I mean, I, I like most games where you're just like this little creature just walking through a giant house of people and like and i guess this and this was like an abandoned world that like this was like the future where like everybody was dead and you were in this like new world of all these small creatures inside of this house of these people that used to exist but weren't there anymore and and they were they like worshiped this false god which you find out found out later there's like all this like deep shit to it and all that like deep lore in this like 10 hour game but no it was a uh, yeah i thought it was uh i thought it played really well I thought it was really cute. The music was really good. Uh, there, there's a, you know, there's some like '90s references in there. There's like a part where you have to find a giant door for uh, Jack and Rose, you know, from uh, from Titanic and all that, which I thought was pretty funny. But yeah, it's a, I thought it was written really well. I thought the characters were really cool, and it was it was a lot of fun to play. And uh, like I said, I felt like they brought all the, you know, a lot of my favorite parts from like uh, from like Pikmin and Chibi Robo and 3D platformers, and kind of just made a game out of it. And I thought they did a really good job. Oh yeah, and you have a fucking piece of soap that you can surf around through the game in on, which was really awesome. So it like moves really fast from one thing to another. And they had a really cool way of like uh, of how they would like make it to where you had to collect these little tinykins, or you know, like the Pikmin. They're called tinykins, but the people that you collect. Basically, whenever you go to a new room in the house, it starts you again from zero. But if you go back to that room, all of the tinykin that you collected will still be in that room with you. So if, like, you miss some of the puzzles and you want to come back and do them later, you can come back there and do it. And I actually, I 100%ed this level. This I 100%ed this game, which I, I rarely ever do that. But I like this game so much that I played it until there was absolutely nothing left to do in the game. Like, I beat it, and then I went back and I did all the extra shit. And I got 100% on everything, which is a... Which I think is a lot to say because I rarely ever do that with any game, but this one, you know, had me had me like uh, it, it was just, you know, I was uh, couldn't couldn't let go of the controller until I was done. Pretty much, I was so into it that I played it until I even finished everything, and it was a great. Would time. you say this is like inspired by Pikmin, or is this one that is supposedly like another one of them? Hey, they haven't made a Pikmin in a while, so we're going to make it ourselves. Is it like a direct clone of Pikmin? No, I mean that's what I said earlier. It's that it's a mixture. It's a mixture of Pikmin and Chibi Robo and, and 3D platformers, because there is no platforming in Pikmin. Uh, Pikmin does take place, I guess, where you're a small creature inside of a giant garden or whatever, but it doesn't feel like Chibi Robo. Where this one, you were inside of a house, which makes it feel like Chibi Robo. But no, I mean I I think this is much different. Like you don't you don't throw your tiny kin at people to destroy them. You more you more use them to get you to the next thing. You kind of use them as like a transportation thing. You do use them to carry things, so I guess that's similar to Pikmin. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would definitely not say it was a clone of Pikmin. I feel like it's, it's like I said, it has Pikmin elements, but it also has 3D platforming elements, which I think is what I really liked about it. Aside from, you know, being in a giant house and being a little tiny guy, and you know, I just love like just or like you know surfing around on VHS tapes and CDs. It's very much like based in the 90s, and you get you you find a CD of a band that you put on that plays like through the speakers and all that stuff. It's very much like based on that sort of thing but i didn't think it was i don't know i didn't think it was like doing the like remember this or look at that like that sort of thing it wasn't annoying me i thought it was creative in its own way so it's actually set in the 90s or it's just like 
I guess yeah, the I guess the nineties like nineties drunk. I guess according to this, like the world ended in the nineties, and then that's why everything's kind of stuck there because uh he, because uh you know humanity uh, ceased to exist at that time, and that's why it's still stuck in that time. Which I think is funny. It's a funny way to get at it because it is kind of similar to Pikmin in the in the fact that you're stuck in this area that you're not from. You know, you kind of get, you know, your your spaceship gets destroyed, but you're not really, you're not remaking it, I guess, per se. You're just trying to find the leader of all these things. I thought it was different enough, though. I didn't, I would not, looking at it, I wouldn't say like, oh, this is their version of Pikmin. I thought it was a game that had Pikmin parts to it. But like I said, but not the annoying stuff. Like, you don't have to watch your tiny kin die. They don't die. You don't have to hear them scream in the scream in the water in the lava like you would in a Pikmin game. They watch the little the little ghost squiggle go up. Or you get or you get like a hundred of them and you try to attack one of those giant roly caterpillar things and they just roll over on eighty of them at once and they're just like, eh, and you're like my children. It's like I just wasted a whole day trying to bring these Pikmin together. No, it's, that's what I liked about it. Is you, you can't lose your tiny kin. And like I said, no matter where you put them in the level, you can just hit a button. They'll just come right to you. And I thought that was really cool. You just like gather. And then wherever they're at, it'll be like, come right together. It was really cool. And I thought all the levels were really interesting. And, you know, you, there's like, you know, you go through like the bathroom and like the basement and like the and like the living room. And I remember going up a giant staircase like that was really cool, like right by the front door. Like they did this. They just were really good with scope, I thought, like just of like the, you know, being a tiny creature in a giant house and all that. I thought it looked really cool. Or there's like there's a part where you're like where they have like uh, planets like hanging from the ceiling by string. And they and they have like the rings of Saturn, and you're like walking around the rings and like trying to jump from one to another. Like I thought that was really cool. They have, they just have some really really cool stuff. Oh yeah, or like the final level is in like the kids' room. So there's all these toys, and there's like this there's like this toy roller coaster and this train that goes through the whole thing. That's the same one that has the planets hanging from the ceiling. But yeah, it's just like and there's like castles that you go through that are created. They they were just really original with how they created the world that you walk through and all that. And I was like. I don't know this one's been on my list since it came out. I was like, yeah, this game's awesome. Let's uh, check it out. And it's pretty cheap too. I think it's like fifteen bucks or something. But you know, try the demo. The demo's free. Give give it a try. Like I think it's I think it's really pretty. I think the character's really cool. It's written really well. Just play that. I think the demo gives you like the whole first world. Like so that whole for that whole like uh was it like the living room or the den or something? Like there's like a recliner and a big TV. I remember that. And you have to get up super high to like, to like, there's like a shelf. There's like a bookshelf and all these other things. And it was just, it was just really fun to collect things and just like uh, find your little Pikmin and find little, there's like little hidden corners and stuff that you can get into. And yeah, it was a cool game. It was, it was definitely right up my alley. And we haven't seen a Pikmin game or a Chibi Robo game in a while. And it kind of scratched both those itches. Plus platforming. Love, love 3D platforming. It was a hit for me. Coming in at number eight, right? That's where we're at. I want to play that. I need to uh, get that demo. Play the demo. It's free. Check it out. It's a, what is it? Tiny Build, I think, did it. They have a pretty good, uh, I mean, they, they have a, they've done a lot of good games, I believe. They did, um, there, were, there were some other ones that we played that they had done. But, but yeah, they have a pretty good, uh, have a pretty good record. I remember you talking about this game a lot when you were playing it. I just, man, it just got lost in the tide of everything. I, yeah, I was super, I was super big on it for a week, but it was uh, a lot of this, a lot of this list. I was just trying to like think of like what were the things that like had a huge impact on me. Like, yeah, I beat this in a week, but I still thought about it like through the whole year, like and how much fun it was, mm-hmm. you know. Where it was like it always kind of stayed there on my list, on my uh, folders. It always kind of stayed near the top because I thought it was really good. And like I said, I loved it enough that I played through, played through all of it. You know, I went to, I went, I went and did that. did the, I did the hundred percent. Like I, I rarely do that on anything. So it was, it was so much that when I, you know, when it ended, I was like, oh, I wish I had more time with it. And then I just went and did, did as much as I could after that. 
So, yeah, it's good shit. All righty. Well, we're on number eight, right? Yep. My number eight is uh, another offering from Digital Eclipse. So you probably know where I'm going with this. This was Cowabunga Collection. There it is. Cowabunga. Which was the first time a lot of us got to play a lot of these Ninja Turtle games. And they went all out with it. And they did, you know, this was the game they did before Atari 50th Anniversary Collection. And it's got that same level of of polish to it. Um, I think Atari might be a little better polished, to be honest. But they've done they've done a couple of, of, well, they've done at least one UI, I think like one UI upgrade or uh, update. And then they've added recently added some more multiplayer stuff right that wasn't there mm-hmm. before right because i think originally you could just play like tournament fighters and then they added some more stuff yeah i think uh i think it was was um uh, turtles in time got right. online multiplayer recently did they fix it though like is it does it work with three players now like i haven't tried it since it came out. i haven't tried it either i hope they i hope they actually went and fixed it i know that you can change it now to where you can make it to where only a certain amount of people can join you which is good because then you can make it not run like shit but yeah hopefully they made it better i don't know playing that versus looking at something like monster hunter i'm like it's a fucking 16-bit thing that you can't get to run online versus these insanely detailed monsters on monster hunter yeah come on right capcom has more infrastructure for sure but yeah digital eclipse did a great job and um just so many games like I never would have had a chance to play without hunting down a cartridge. I mean, I guess I could have done that for a lot of these things, but you know, a big one is Turtles in Time that I used to have on the Super Nintendo, the Super Nintendo version specifically. Um, we played it so much when I was a kid and I knew it so well, and then we didn't have any more, and then now I haven't played it, hadn't played it in over like 20 years. So it was cool to get to play through that again. And uh, I really liked uh, Hyperstone Heist. I never mm-hmm. got a chance to play that. And then was that the Genesis one? Mm-hmm. The Genesis one, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah that, one I, was, that one was fun. I, I beat that one actually, and I never got to mention it on the show because I got distracted. But yeah, I, I played it all the way, most through. the way through. I don't know if I finished it. Manhattan Project, another one that I just remember so fondly and getting to go back to it. And just they did such a good job porting them over without making them look weird. Like, so, I don't know. I, I, Obviously, they know what they're doing, but they look, right. they all look great. I, I also love that. And I think that every. Every collection should have this. Uh, SNK did it as well, but you should for anything that was ported to like consoles, you should be able to have the arcade version and the console version. And I love that they did I that, agree. where you can have the NES yep. version, Super Nintendo version, arcade version. Like, do that for all everything, please. Like, that's yep. that's what I want. I want to play all the different. You know, it's like it's like getting the Street Fighter collection that has like twelve Street Fighter twos in there. It's like you still want to. It's like I know they're all very similar, but I want to be able to play all of them. And Street Fighter One, you know, and they did that, and they were all on there. So make it complete, yeah. This is like, um, you know, when when this came out, I think we were all in agreement this, are, that it are, was the. Did best. you say this was on your list? It is on my list. Yes. Okay, I thought so. it is on my list. Yep. And when when this came out, I think we were all in agreement that this was the best collection, yeah, that we had ever seen, and. I didn't know it was going to be so well, quickly right? yeah. one up by Atari. <laughs> by, well, by you know, their own selves, like, though, right? Because yeah, by their own selves, yeah. by their own by the digital clips, head so. on the list. Yeah. Um, and and uh, yeah, but I was just surprised also by how much better Atari was in terms of a collection. How much more there was to it. Like I, I've said it when I first talked about the Atari collection. I think that it, tur- it took the turtles. Calabunga collection from an S tier down to like a, a solid B, mm-hmm. and and that's you know that's that's fine. Looking at it for what it is, it's fantastic. Like it's still great. Like the fact that you have all the manuals. I was just digging into it the other day as I was reviewing my list, and uh, you can like finally 
figure out like why Ninja Turtles on the NES was designed the way that it was and why it was it's so different you can see that they like really tried to make it a great game give it gives like a new appreciation for that mm. game and uh, i mean just like you can you can go as deep as you want to or you can just play the games and that's that's what these collections really should be about once again i'll reiterate take notes everybody else uh, you, you can't just throw games uh, onto a, a, a file and, and call it a day you have to give context the way that this cowabunga collection does the way that atari does and this, I think that this, uh, we're, we're looking at you, Nintendo. You we know, need to see yeah, Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo's do done a little bit of it. it. Yeah, a, a little really, a lot of really cool historical stuff, but not in this sort of a literal way. Mm-hmm. Like um, you think of the trophies and like Smash, right? But uh, or like the remix games. I guess I don't know that they were like necessarily like teaching you anything, but they were kind of giving you a, a guided tour through. Cool homage, yeah. Through their history. And like Smash Brothers on Switch, like the spirits, like they did so much with Right, that. that's true, yeah. Like I, I forgot had, about the like, spirits too. Yeah. But you would look if you know, if 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 someone unfamiliar with video games at all were to look at this, uh, you know, the Calabunga collection, the Atari collection, and then Super Mario 3D All Stars, they would assume that Mario was the like, you know, C tier franchise based on the treatment based on the presentation yeah the yeah right <laughs> yeah you would think they'd give us a little bit yeah oh my god yeah, that was the, such a because 3d collection was such a letdown so phoned in but so awesome still but the games in themselves are so good that that's what sucks it's like you don't have to do that much with it but you should really it could be it could have been so much more but we just wanted Nintendo really has been again, like cut the fa- in a cut the fat mode with the entire switch presentation you know yeah. mm-hmm. but come on Nintendo. yeah you got you've got like people still there that have been around since it started being, you know, games started being made and it's well, I mean, like uh, consumer level video games. But the the need for video game historians is becoming more and more apparent because yeah. the medium is aging to the point where you need people that care about the history of it. And mm-hmm. making a collection isn't shouldn't just be about, like you said, John, just dumping it all into a file to release it as a ROM. Right. I don't know. I'm speaking like i know what i'm talking about but you know just mm-hmm. throwing it out there uh sho- it's shovelware with your own content is really what it right. is and uh you know it's it's cool to make that available and i think you know nintendo did a really good job with the virtual console on the Wii, uh the original wii where since it was so piecemeal and and the pricing was so nice buying those games one by one that felt very accurate to like back in the day buying those you know, go in the store or something much cheaper. <laughs> yeah, much cheaper, but you know what I mean? It just kind of, re- that was sort of like a recreation of that. But now we need, like, I want my games collections to be like I'm going to a museum. Yep. Literally, like, for and, sure. And, yeah. and Midway's called their games museums before. They're not museums, <laughs> they're arcade, they're arcade collections, but um, do it like this. Do it in, 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 I mean, if nothing else, from a corporate standpoint, take, the reins of, of presenting your own history before someone else does it, you know, like keep it right. in the narration your of, of your story because you've got people and there on the company, you've got the records where you could, you could do it yourself. But I That's do right. appreciate like the, you know, Kohler's, uh, I don't know if he went to school for anything history related, but he does have a strong knack for history and all the podcasts I've heard him on. Um, and he's worked with the video game preservation uh, society, I think from time to time. So, you know, they're they're a relatively recently formed group, historically speaking, that 
is kind of doing that right now. And I think I believe they're a nonprofit. One of the ways they fund themselves is you can like order bundles of old magazines from like old video game magazines from them and stuff. I've got to look into it a little bit more, but basically they'll just send you like a random game pro or something, but that's you donate to them. And then that's kind of like how they thank you. <laughs> we got a stack of game pros. Send us some money. Exa- we'll I mean, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like every, when you say it like that, it sounds like a hostage scenario. A new, new Patreon tier. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously. I have, I have a ton of EGM. Oh, like, you sitting, actually like, have sitting around. Then, like, yeah. I, have a, I have a shit ton of old magazines. Like we could make that a tier on the Patreon. I'll send you a fucking magazine. An old magazine. Trust me. History I, I, I is got important a lot of with video games. Um, <laughs> they're a legitimate form of media. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to say reflection that. In of a the defensive times. way. Yeah. They really are probably going to be a stronger reflection of the times than movies and other forms of media here. If shortly, if not already, if they're not already more accurately re- recording the times and those other mediums. Well, I will say this. So Nintendo, it was announced a couple months ago, is doing a physical museum in Japan. They're creating a Nintendo museum mm-hmm. where you're finally going to be able to walk in and see the history of Nintendo. What better way? Can we see to... those? Can we see those weird puppets? I want to see those see original weird puppets, weird puppets from it. Star Fox. Doing. The, but what the better really way scary to furry ones from the Super Nintendo. Momentous occasion, this, this great new physical you know, destination museum, then by putting out a series of curated game collections with archival history on them by digital eclipse nintendo give your everything that you got all your files to digital eclipse and see what they can Mm -hmm. do with it time is running out i hate to say this but time is running out to tell these stories from the people who were there at the time miyamoto is 70 years old if you look at some of the guys on the atari collection who are on the documentaries and stuff you know those guys are in their 70s some i believe in their 80s And uh, you know, and all the real pioneers are gone. Like, yeah, you know, the people who created like the space war, and um, what's the guy's name who did? Who was involved in in the um, in making cartridges? Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, uh, he was just featured on Google. Uh huh. G- yeah, G- yeah, was his name Jerry? I forget. Yeah, yeah, Jerry. I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Jerry. <laughs> it is Jerry something. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember Jerry. Anyway, yep. yeah. See, that's why they need. Any... <laughs> Thanks, right. Google. Thanks, Google. Needs to be a household name. I wanted to say Jerry Falwell, but that's a Spice Girl. Jerry Falwell is a Baptist preacher. Oh, Jerry Hollowell is a Spice Girl. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know any of these Jerry's. Are, are, are we good? I Jerry's. looked up Jerry, that's video game guy. It's Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Lawson. There you go. You Jerry know Lawson. That sounds right. Yeah. So that's why it, he would have turned 82 on December 1st. That's why Google featured him. Oh, on December first, that is a doodle. Imagine, imagine if you will, a, a Mario collection properly done by a digital eclipse with the full history, the full background. Sounds like the beginning of a Twilight Zone episode. It would Except be, it would, it would be great. Yeah. I mean, uh, I there's probably a small percentage of it happening, but it would be wonderful. Uh, Nintendo, I know you listen. Talk, talk to, talk to them. Talk to digital eclipse. But I want to say one last thing about the Turtles collection, though, that really, um, you know, helped helped me to secure this the spot on on the list that I have it on. Just the pure unlikeliness of this game happening, right? A Ninja Turtles collection of all the great classic Turtles games in 2022. You think about like Nickelodeon had to be on board. Konami from whatever state they're in had to be woken up and like made to realize, oh, wait, we could like make some money with these old games, these old Mm -hmm. Turtles games. And then you had to have Digital Eclipse with the like wherewithal and the motivation to pull it together into such an amazing package. 
it's so unlikely that we ever would get these Ninja Turtles games here in 2022 in one package, even the Game Boy games. Like they put the Game Boy games on there. Oh yeah. I definitely um, want to mention that. And they look fantastic. They're great. Yeah. I beat number three. That was, you know, uh, Metroid Radiant. Have noted uh, yeah, the, the hidden gem. One. It was a r- really fun game. Just, you know, due to the sheer unlikeliness of this happening, it, it, uh, it, it's on my list. And, I mean, uh, you, of course, you got to mention the quality of life improvements. Like you can do yeah. safe states and safe stuff. States, and yeah. Oh, yeah. These old Game Boy games we, we which to, would have been right? great back right. then because it's a portable system. But you know what you can do. Yeah, rewind and uh, and also can't you like um can't you like watch it play a little bit and then jump okay. in whenever you want to play mm-hmm. and all that? Like I remember yeah. that was a thing for uh, Turtles One. If you want to like jump past the the fucking uh, the dam level of the underwater thing or whatever you can. You don't have to cuss about it. That's what it's called. <laughs> I like how you said the fucking uh, the dam level. I'm like, you don't have to cuss about it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the fucking dam level. That's what it was called on NES. Look it up. It's in the manual. Trust me. It's, it's great, though. Uh, it's a fantastic collection and exact. Uh, like John said, it's so it was so unlikely. This is like a fever, like a, a fever dream I would have had in high school. One day I'll just right. have a system where all the arcades are on there and everything. And but notice I said high school. I mean, I was still I in high school. I was nostalgic for the arcade game that I couldn't play anymore. Sure, so, mm-hmm. I would have thought about this even then. Absolutely. I mean, I probably felt the same way, like uh, like playing the Street Fighter arcade games and then playing the Super Nintendo version, or like Mortal Kombat and then playing the Super Nintendo version. They were never as good. Like I always wanted to get like an actual arcade of mortal Kombat two or like you know like street fighter two or whatever because they always arcades always looked still looked a little bit better and played a little bit better than the and they play better with super, joysticks. super nintendo ones did so you know that was always the thing i thought of for a long time anyway let's move on because we're sure. not even at five yet <laughs> my number eight okay the placement of this game is going to break break some hearts Uh-oh. but i did not have some i did not have a whole lot of experience with it and i tend to play more my number eight is tunic Tunic, 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 tunic. Yes. I actually, I wondered if it would make your list or not. It made my list. Well, just it might be in my list somewhere. So I only played the game for the Switch says an hour. I think I played for probably two hours, maybe three. Uh, But that was enough for me to get a sensation of like, okay, this is a real quality game. It's it's nice to look at. It's you know, uh, uh, Zelda like meets you know, Dark Souls. Not that I have any experience with Dark Souls, but. Uh, it, it's I could I could sense the quality just from my limited time with it, and I I want to play more. It was just another unfortunate scenario of like I had a glut of games at the end of the year. Yeah, well so I, I think you got back to it. yeah I think you got that one around the same time as the Monkey Island one as well, which was yep. uh, which I figured that one would be the winner on that. But no, uh, I mean I guess we can both talk about Tunic because it is yeah it is on it is on our list. What one I mean what I put in my. Uh, in my notes, one thing that I thought was amazing about Tunic was the fact that that it created like it's almost its own nostalgia. Like aside from just doing the nostalgia shit that drives me crazy, like it's not just being like, "Oh, look at that! There, here's a here's a fucking here's a power glove." Like you know, you should care about this game because of that. It it does it did this great way of like just the way that the um the manual pages are distributed within the game mm-hmm. and just finding these manual pages that are all like in this different language that you don't know what it is, but you'll find it out later once you get to it. I felt like that created the original magic of trying to like figure out a game, like as you would as a kid. But it didn't feel cheap, like every like every other nostalgia thing feels cheap to me. But this felt like genuine and felt like original and new. And yeah, you could say that it's 
that it like is inspired by Zelda, but just from the beginning, like just from when you look at it, it looks like a Zelda game, but it's much, it's much, much different than that. As you go through, it's, it's, it's much darker, like the, you know, and yes, you do have a little bit of dark, dark souls thing in the point where you have to actually be good at playing the game to get through it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you have to like dodge and, and yes, it's and like you lose your stuff and you have to go back to the point where you died. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's that. Well, it's just to collect your money, but once you get to a point, money doesn't mean that much, but, but it's, uh, and it is, you could even, you could even fight for it being a role-playing game of ways because there are, there are things that you can sacrifice to upgrade your, you know, your uh, stats and your abilities and all that stuff. But yeah, this was another one that just really had, just really took hold of me. And I was just like, just so impressed by how it could be, how it could be like nostalgic, but like be original, like actually create this feeling, but not do it by referencing things from the past, really, aside from just having a, a page from a manual. Like, I just thought that was just so brilliant how they put that in there and it could still just like make it magic to you again. And I know it was magic to you, Jeremy, because you put a lot more hours into it than I did, but. Yeah, but you finished it, didn't you? I did finish it. Yes, not not See, so I, not, I with the be, not with the best ending, but I did beat it. I um, yeah, I got to a point where I was just like, it was just pissing me off too much. I I do want to go back to it. So what I agree with all you've mentioned so far. I think it's very much like it has an almost dreamlike quality to it in the in the sort of surreal nature of it. And you're just a cute little fox, but it's very brutal and very yeah, kind of fatalistic. And the whole the the whole world, I mean, is. Yeah, it's, it's very dystopian, but I love that shit. So, yeah. it, so that definitely was speaking to me because I, I I love dystopian stuff. So. One thing I wanted to mention is the uh, the puzzle box element because of how it's presented in that isometric, which usually you, you really hate Trey, but um, that is that is true. Well, I mean, well, not necessarily that I hate, but yeah, no, it didn't bother me at all in this one. Like it just it yeah. was it was well put together in a sense that, and I didn't even think about it until just a, a few a few minutes ago almost like captain toad like there's just little like they've they've maximized the space in the game to have these little nooks you go in where you're gonna find these little surprises oh yeah and, and yeah little... there's there's secrets everywhere you have to check every fucking corner of the game you do like, to find and it. you'll might and, it, and you feel you like be... so yeah when you find it you're like fuck yeah no there is th- that is there you know and you can find all sometimes these little i'm shortcuts pissed because stuff. it's yeah. like a shortcut that i could have accessed from the other side but I never found it. <laughs> there were some times that I was pissed too. I was like, oh fuck, I could have just done that. And I did all this other dumb shit and I could have just gone around yeah. over there. And you figure out later and it's like, okay, now, now you know where it is. But what I thought was really cool, yeah, with the like manual pages where you get stuck somewhere, a lot of times if you have the manual page, it will show you how to do it without actually telling you how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like within the manual page. And a lot of it was made up of notes that were created on top of it that some person like wrote like showing where the yeah. where the secret like passage was and all that and i was like that's so that's so good that's done so well the game has a really does a really good job and i guess maybe that's making me think of the dreamlike quality of it too where it's like you're trying to remember a dream and you're remembering like little elements here and there that's kind of like the way the like you as the player as you're as you play more of it you get more of these pages and you get more you know, if you're not looking on the internet or whatever to figure out the mechanics, which I did a really good job to a certain point, I tried to avoid figuring out what any of this stuff actually meant and just trying to like within the the world itself um, infer it. But as you as you get further into the game, as you collect more pages, it just starts to make sense here, and you got this little puzzle forming in your mind's eye of like what the whole manual is and like what the story is, and it just like having that piece together in this really unique way of finding the, the the pages everywhere is is really fun and um also just makes it even sadder like the more you learn about what's happening in these certain regards 
And uh, if you, um, I mean, I recommend, like I recommend both of you playing the game, but if you want to get the true ending, you have to find all of the pages to the manual and that's how you get the true ending. That makes but, sense. But I watched the true ending on YouTube. I'm not going to spoil it, but it did kind of make me tear up a little bit. It was real precious, the actual ending of it. So I was like, yeah, that's cool. So it's an incredible game. Yeah, no, it's, it really it really blew me away. Big the time. music's amazing. It's... Music's great. I bought the soundtrack, so I have that. <laughs> uh, the people who made it cared about the subject matter and about what they were presenting. And I think it's got a really, I don't know, a high, highly artistic aesthetic that's beyond what a lot of other game, like video games have. And, and, and don't, don't get me wrong. Not every video game needs to be like watching like an artsy movie or something, but tunic does a really good job of doing that without like being like overly pretentious or whatever like it just it it, it's nestled there in this perfect little cute little puzzly and incredibly sad little niche that it has for itself yeah and and you uh even though you did i know you didn't get it but and you get a shotgun you could just fucking boom people right in the face right i didn't get the shotgun i think that's been that might have been what if maybe kind of why you got stuck because that was how i beat that thing yeah I'm stuck because I could just like I just made it to where I was like pa pa kill the dude in two hits. Yeah, that was uh, as you could as, as you, I guess you should have figured we were gonna go for that one. But yeah, Tunic Tunic is a great game. Back to me, right? Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of seventy-year-olds who make games, uh, I think he's seventy-something now. He's up there. Uh, number seven for me, Dragon Quest Treasures. There it is, at number seven. I just, I just beat it last night. Wow! I made it. I, I tried. I was trying real hard. Um, well, also, I've, you know, it's the holidays. So I've been working at all, so I've had time. But I was trying to beat as many games as I could on this list. Originally, I was hoping to beat Shin Chan as well, but just wasn't in the cards. I didn't make it there, but I did beat the two games that I wanted to beat. This is one of them. It's Dragon Quest Treasures, and I just beat it last night. And uh, you know what? When I got to the end, I felt a little sad. I was like, oh. I, was like, I felt sad the way... Because the game the game starts out with Eric and his sister, uh, Maya, is the way her name is pronounced in the Japanese, because I played it all in Japanese. But <laughs> um, they, they start off as they're kind of like, you know, they... I don't know. They're like uh, underpaid workers for these... Uh, viking people whatever anyway they treat them like shit and they live in like the bottom of the sh- of the ship and it's almost it almost kind of has this like peter pan quality to it where it's like uh they're the lost boys that are like going you know or they're going off to where the lost boys are and all that and then, and you basically you know they, they're trying to escape this ship where they're treated like shit by these fucking viking dudes and they're having a party they're drinking you know they're drunk enough they're not paying attention they just you kind of sneak past everybody in the very beginning of the game and you meet this like magical <laughs> this magical pig and a cat who you find out later are like god babies, apparently. They're like, you know, going to become gods later. They're pre-gods, whatever you want to call them. Anyway, they, they take them over to this magical world of Draconia, which is just all, it's like these different uh, islands, 
and you want to rebuild this uh, magical air train system. It's very Japanese RPG, uh, but that's part of what I love about it. Um, and yeah, you want to rebuild the train system. That was really cool, putting all that shit together. Uh, but yeah, you uh, you start to recruit all of these memorable uh, monsters from the Dragon Quest series, which, of course, you know, a lot of it was, you know, speaking of nostalgia, this game does really play on a lot of what you know about Dragon Quest. Like a lot, the, all, basically most of the treasures are references to previous Dragon Quest games and characters and monsters and armor and all this shit. Even down to, I got a Dragon Quest capsule machine cap, capsule machine that I found oh, cool. as a treasure. And there's like Dragon Quest playing cards and like, they go real deep on the Dragon Quest nerd lore and all that stuff, which, you know, it's, it's very familiar to me. So it, you know, so I fell into it in that way, but. Yeah, and just I I loved like I loved like capturing the characters. It's basically like an it's it was their they were trying to be to be like their version of Breath of the Wild. It's like let's do our and Yuji Hori even said that that he wanted to make an open world Dragon Quest game. And it's just it's it was just kind of like an interesting. It was like it was like no, it, it's it's in the Dragon Quest world, but it's much different from any other Dragon Quest game that I've ever played. You know, we were thinking that originally it was going to be like Dragon Quest Monsters, which is more like Pokemon. But it's much different than that. I mean, you capture monsters, but it's all like, but it's an action RPG, you know. So you don't have you don't have the turn-based stuff as you would in the Dragon Quest Monsters games. But you still you still collect monsters, but it's all like you're kind of more of a support person. Like you let your monsters fight everybody, and you you use your slingshot to shoot like to shoot he, the the heal abilities or that at them. Or also you can you can shoot different spells as well with the it's called the catapult, but it's pretty much a slingshot. Like you can shoot like uh you know, like the, the fire spell and the and the water spell and there's the elements that are in there as well. And you can do like the oomph and the buff and the debuff and all that shit. You can do all those like through a through a catapult and whatnot. And yeah, just a, I I ended up just falling in love with the gameplay loop. And I, and I think I said before that it kind of like it reminded me a little bit about mon- of, of Monster Hunter where it's like all right, you know, so we're going to do another run where we're gonna, where we can only catch a certain amount of treasures, but we're going to try to find these treasures and then come back and then and then you get them appraised and see how high you are and you know the the amount of what the treasures are worth like uh, raises up your rank and that getting your rank is like getting through the the main story and that sort of thing. And so is there like goes. little gates where you have to get your rank up to a certain point to like move to the next? Pretty area pretty much, yeah. It's like it's okay. like it's like get your treasure amount up to like sixty million or something like that, and that'll take you to level seven. I think I finished at level fifteen, and it said I was a diamond hunter. Is what they called me. I guess was what it would have called it. But yeah, and there is a demo available now on the Japanese eShop, but unfortunately, it only gives you the very beginning of the game, so you don't get to. It, it stops right before you actually get to the treasure collecting. Which I think is a disservice to the game because I felt kind of disappointed at the game at first because I thought it was like too simple and it wasn't that fun and it took a few hours for it to get to actually get to where it's fun. I'd say it takes about three or four hours to where you get to where it's to where you want to play it all the time, like I did. But you know, I loved it. I thought it ran really well. I thought it looked really good and yeah, um, yeah, I like the characters a lot. Uh, I, I I posted a <laughs> I posted a holiday card. That uh, Yuji Hori made, or whatever, that was that came from Dragon Quest Treasures with all the, I, I love like because you have a base, like you have a base where you keep everything, and you have to defend that from other gangs as they call them. But you're pretty much pirates. I mean, I love this game so much that I started watching One Piece again because it reminded me of One Piece. Basically, it reminded me of being a little pirate group that's got these other pirates coming after me. That's a preview for our for our anime episode, our Patreon mm-hmm. one that's coming. But no, uh, yeah, no, it, it reminded me of One Piece, and I was like, shit, I want to watch One Piece again now. And uh, yeah, it was it was like, yeah, having this little, and and it's it's just ridiculous. Like the more and more treasure you get, like when I ended the game, my my uh, my base just had like 
had golden coins just raining down like all over the place off of all the different towers. It's just this just golden coins raining everywhere. It's like imagine like a you know like a like Scrooge would like swim in the water. Okay, yeah. Let's just say where Scrooge's thing. Let's say that was at the top of your base and it exploded and just leaked everywhere. That's basically what my base looked at looked like at the end. And they really are just like, yeah, it's like here it is. I kind of just think of like what how the Hobbit describes like the the smogs like oh sure yeah, yeah or whatever like like smogs place or I said that was a weird pronunciation for it, Aladdin yeah. when they go into the cave of wonders and there's the golden stuff everywhere and sure yeah yeah that's that's kind of how it is but I just loved a. It had a great presentation. Like you just walk, you walk through your base, and you see all your, all your monster friends like dancing by the, by the train. Like they're all happy to see you, and and I like how you, you can recruit these monsters to be part of your base, and they all like they have different hats, and they all have different names and stuff. And I don't know, I thought it was, I thought it was really charming. And it's you know, it was kind of an easy sell for me because I'm a mark for for Dragon Quest games, but I thought it was really fun. Like I mean, aside from I, I do understand that maybe. If you're not into Dragon Quest, you might not love it as much. But if you're somebody who does love the Dragon Quest series, there's a, I was really fond of it. And yeah, you get like a, you get a treasure room where you can display your favorite treasures. So uh, I basically took like all my favorite female characters, and then I put like uh, <laughs> King Trode like in the middle from Dragon Quest Eight, the big like the big fucking toad looking guy with the gro- yeah. with the robe. Well, I had I had Angelo in there because you know he was kind of the ladies' man or whatever. I put him there for a minute, but once I got Trode, I'm like I'm putting him in there. And <laughs> it's going to be funny. But yeah, I just, I put characters that I liked. I put Bianca in there from Dragon Quest V, you know, like, or I put like the original, the princess from Dragon Quest II is in there as well. But like, yeah, you get to collect the, the characters from the original games, including like stuff from Dragon Quest X that I'm like, oh, I wish I could play that because I never translated it. But yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun for me. And when I got to the end, um, I was, I was kind of sad. I was like, oh shit. I was like, well, they got to go back to this ship where they're treated like shit all the time. And they go through all the credits, and then after the credits, it's like, to be continued. And I'm like, wait, what? And then it shows Eric and Maya come back out from the from the basement. They sneak past the Vikings again. And then, basically, the gods come back, and they're like, they're like, we need you. There's shit happening. It like, reminded me like, of the end of the original Super Mario Brothers movie, where it's like, dude, shit's going down. We got to come back. And then they take me all, take you back to Draconia and all that. And I'm like, yes. And then there's more post-game stuff. And, and then it tells you how many treasures there are total. I think there's still like 400 some treasures that I have to collect. Or well, I don't have to, but if I want to, if I want to get all of them. You think that since it's an action RPG, it might be my way into the Dragon Quest series? I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's hard to tell. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where you're at. Like I said, it does kind of rely on your... on How your, close is it to Zelda? Oh, I don't think it's like Zelda at all. Not at all. No. Well, I mean Zelda being an action <laughs> RPG. Well, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you, you have like very basic, like, like originally I was like, oh, well, it's a basic hack and slash thing from the beginning. I was like, well, the combat's kind of basic; it's sort of easy, but that's not true at all because it does. It's, it's like, it's like other ones that we'll mention later in our list, but it doesn't really scale. So, like, you can go to places that are really dangerous, but you can go wherever you want, you know, and you might get fucking killed and all that stuff. And I was like, I'm going to go this through this thing without getting killed. But I did end up getting killed in some of the dungeons. There are, like, dungeons, but they're not as complex. I know. It's kind of, like I said, part of why I put it on the list is I think that it's so much different from, like, it's not like a Zelda game. It's not like a Dragon Quest game. It's not like Dragon Quest Builders or Monsters or, like, any of these other ones. It's kind of its own unique thing. And that's why it kind of, like, why I thought it was really cool. And I beat it. And I was like, I'm going to get through. I'm like, I'm going to get through Dragon Quest Treasures. And I took, a, I played it for about... 33 hours is what took me to get through it. And uh, I don't know. It's it's much better than a... It's more it's more doable than like a 100-hour game. I was like, I can do I can do this. And I did. So 
I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe. I say, well, I guess I don't think you have a Japanese account. I was going to say, get I the do. Japanese. Oh, you do? I was say, get you can get the demo on the Japanese eShop and try it out a little bit. But it, but it won't really, it won't give you enough. I feel like it should have done like something like Dragon Quest, like gave you like the first seven hours and then maybe you can, you know, get a bit, little bit more into it. Or maybe not seven hours because that's most of the game, but maybe give you like four hours or something. But I really enjoyed the, I mean, it's, it's a collect-a-thon, but it's a... I like that, and I liked all the different all the different uh, side quests that you can do because I'm a side quest person, so I was into it. I don't know if it would necessarily pull necessarily pull you into it if you're not a Dragon Quest person, but I thought it was a good action RPG. But we can move on from that. What's your number seven? Mine's gonna be quick. Number seven was Switch Sports. Oh, there we go. We got to get to some that we've already done before. <laughs> so yeah, we talked about that already. So John, number seven, Portal Companion Collection. There it is. This That's was a. a you know, I played number one already back on my on my macbook uh number two i played a bit but my my macbook really couldn't handle number two and so i only got part of the way into it i think i got to um the introduction of cave johnson when he took over and by then it was just like too much for my computer to handle so i i i kind of had to quit reluctantly and so finally now i've got uh you know portal on switch and that was a day one purchase for me just like a no-brainer, instant buy. Uh, what a great, what a great game, uh, and, and it's my favorite way to play it now. You know, on the Switch, it just seems like it's right at home. Apparently, it runs really well too. That that was a day one buy well. for me too, but it's still in my sealed folder. <laughs> I never never turned it on. I'll get to it. So have you never played Portal Two? No, I played it. I played through it all on PS3. Okay, but I've never played the Switch version that I bought Switch or, or, or Portal you. One. Yeah, that's you know these games are are very revisitable i'll say you know you forget the puzzles after a couple of months and or maybe a year or so and then it's pretty much new to you again but the the mechanics are just so fun uh, you know jumping through the holes and gaining momentum it's a, it's a game that you can revisit every so often and have just as much fun as you did the first time around and there's a lot of content to each one you know you're definitely gonna you know forget the puzzles and, and it'll be a new experience again that's what I would say to anybody who's who's had these before. Who was like, hey, you know, I already played that game. Just buy it again on Switch. You you know you're gonna play Portal on Switch. And number two is just like take. It, that's the one I played the most. Um, yeah, I played only two hours of number one, but then uh, number two I played 15 hours. Uh, I really got a lot out of it. It was just like my my impression of that game, having played fi- finally all the way through of it. It's one of those experiences that just doesn't have any fat on it. It's it's just. Mm-hmm. it's lean it's mean it's a nice you know 15 hours is a yeah you could probably beat it in 10 if you really wanted to speed through it or whatever it's 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 just an in and out experience and there's nothing extra to it it's just everything has a purpose and uh there's character all over the place if you want to dig around every corner you're going to find something something funny something supplementary to make the experience even better yeah go play portal if you haven't already you know what are you doing <laughs> I don't know. I just haven't got to it yet. Leave me alone. No, it's yeah, I, yeah, it's a good game. I was ha- I was happy to have it on the Switch. I think you're right that it's a great home for these games, and you know they've been around for a while, but they were still like fun sandboxy games that really showcased the systems they were on for me. And I think that it's it's right here with Switch too, with even with a little bit of the motion controls and stuff that you can put in there if you want. Um, I played all the way through Portal One for you know I have I've lost track of how many times I've finished that game, but uh, I didn't get all the way through two. But two for me is like 
in my head, I feel like I, I've had to have beat it like four or five times because there's a point in that game, and it's when you get to the uh, goop when like you get to like the, the colored like. I like gel. the goop a lot. I thought that was fun. yeah. I like it, but for me, that's like a point where I start to feel a little bit of tedium. I'm like, okay, well, that's just one extra. Well, they, I mean, they have, to, they have to add something extra to make it a little more in depth. I, I think since the first one, and I when I eventually did play the game too, yeah. It does come pretty, and the game does really present itself in like acts in that regard. And so, the first one does is two, but two doesn't even you know it, it's a, it's a far more expansive. Like you're really getting outside of the bounds of the facility for a while there, and yep. kind of getting more of a yeah, you're getting a history of aperture and in in a, in a manner of speaking, it, it, it makes you more interested in the Half Life universe. But then they never really connect them other than through Portal. I really wish there'd be a a Half-Life game that had the portal gun in it. And I think everybody does. That would be a cool, you know, bridging the gap, yeah. you know, not to talk about portal bridge constructor, but between <laughs> portal and, and Half-Life to have a game that is not necessarily one or the other, but it's both. Yeah. That would be pretty exciting. I was going to say, um, I don't know what year it came out, but Portal 2 did win game of the year from IGN when it came out. I remember that. I think it was like 2011. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that it? was pretty cool. I was, uh, I remember... Uh, they did a video of it, and I think it was the same time that like Oblivion came out, or or Skyrim, or one of those other shitty games. That's definitely at 2011. And it, and they did a video yep. where like they're like, and our and our video game of the year, and then you see this dragon coming out, and then there's like bloop, and then they make the portal and it goes through the portal, and I was like, yes, Portal Two. That's cool. I remember watching it. I watched it the two way while I was having drinks, and I watched that video on my phone. Jeremy, you kind you kind of touched on it, but I think. That uh, the reason that it was game of the year that year, and the reason that it sticks in so many people's minds, Portal Two, is that it it's just an ideal sequel. It takes what takes what made the first one new and novel and fun, and just expands on it. And he said that you know there's it kind of has acts to it. I think that that lends a big amount of weight to what makes it so engaging. Because I think the fact that you literally have GLaDOS running off of a potato. Yep. (laughs) It's just, it's so hilarious. Like GLaDOS was hilarious, but still terrifying in the first game. And Mm -hmm. they really, they started out that way in this, but just to see her reduced to like, you're carrying her around like on life support on a, on a potato battery. Like when she spent awesome, when she spent two games, like, making fun of you viciously and then she's yeah. stuck on a potato mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's satisfying and the fact that they turned the main villain of the last game into at the end sort of your sidekick frenemy your frenemy it's yeah, a really fr- cool. it, it kind of leaves it as at a frenemy sort of tone at you, the end of it you start out with the first guy steven merchant uh what's i forget what his character's name was but um and then you know, you, you move on and you know, glados is reintroduced and um, and oh, you go Chell. To, oh, Chell is the character. Yeah, tells you. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the 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 Stephen Merchant character, oh, the, uh, the, the wall was, guy. I thought that was Cave Wesley Johnson. or something. No, that's a different person. I forget oh, his name. What, oh, what, oh, what, oh, it does start with a W, I think. Woolsey or something like that. T- but what t- I like about is that you know, those acts are clear. It's like you start out with him, Wheatley. Wheatley. Wheatley, that's the one. You start out with Wheatley, and then you then Gladys is accidentally reanimated by Wheatley, and then you move on to like the the whole Cave Johnson section. So now you're not hearing from Gladys anymore; you're hearing from Cave Johnson, and then it comes back around to where you know spoilers. Wheatley turns out to be the villain, and there's just like a lot of cinematic. Um, well, basically, yeah, just he and- becomes megalomaniacal once he has the power, like, and you don't necessarily know. If that was his 
aim the whole time, but mm-hmm. it certainly kind of seems that way. Like if if nothing else, Gladys is his bully, and he just wants to defeat his bully. Right. That's just it's like good storytelling and good um, environmental storytelling. There's no cinematics in the game. It's something else that I appreciate. It's just it's all told through the gameplay and what you're doing, what you're participating in. It's really like a, I think IGN gave it a ten out of ten, and it and, totally and deserves it. Enviro- environmental storytelling, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I remember. I mean, I had great memories of that game. I remember from the beginning, everything just going from one thing to another. I did get stuck at one point, but actually, my roommate at the time was just like, "Just look around," and I was like, "Oh, there it is." Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. way way up thing you had to get to. But yeah, are we back to me? Yeah, go All get right. it for science. <laughs> Yeah, you. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon to hear our bonus shows, which happen every month. I'm a tired. Tired of all the big corporate podcasts spoon-feeding you the same old video game news on every single show. Ah, spaghetti. Ah, ravioli. Then expand! <laughs> With Nintendo Main Expansion Pack. It's us talking about old games that were important to us. It's us interviewing people that we meet at conventions. And heck, it's live shows from those same conventions. It's basically everything you could want that Nintendo may never made. Here we go! And it's just a buck a month. That's less than a bad indie on the eShop. It's $12 a year, which is less than Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon and supporting Nintendo Domain. Just go to patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast and... Hey, Mario, let go! He's throwing us back to the show! So long, gay Bowser! Patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast! Game over! six so uh this one um you know this one was originally i figured i was like you know what i need it i should put in my list somewhere 
I was like, I, maybe I'll put it lower. I'll put it whatever. It kept, it kept climbing. It kept raising the ranks and raising the ranks. And number six is Sonic Frontiers. Yeah. I love Sonic Frontiers. Actually, I thought about putting that as my middle name, being like, uh, my middle name is, I miss Sonic Frontiers Johnson. Because I do. Now that I beat it, I kind of miss it. I wish it was still around. I would have totally, I, they could have made that like 50 hours long and I would have played it. I would have played it. How would anyone ever expect Sonic to be too fast? Well, you mean the, well, I mean, as, as far as, I mean, this is probably one of the longest ones of any of them. I mean, it took me uh, what, 35 hours to get through it. I mean, that's much, much longer than it took for me to get through uh, a, a Sonic Adventure 2, that's for sure. No, uh, no, Sonic Frontiers, like this was a game that was, uh, you know, has been very divisive on the reviews. Uh, I don't know. I, I was ta- I was listening to Axe of the Blood Guy earlier today, and they were just talking about how much they loved the sevens of this year. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I did. Like, Dragon Quest <laughs> Treasure's got a seven too, but I loved it. I mean, I think that game's way more interesting than, like, God of War. They got a ten or whatever. But no, uh, no Sonic Frontier's just like, uh, it was one of those things where I was like, I just really wanted to play it because just the idea of running around in this open world, you know, super fast, like, sounded really cool to me because I do like open world games. And I feel like most open world games are too slow. But this game was not. Like it was very fast, and I fucking I had a blast with it. Like it was it was fun fun from beginning to end. And I have to you have to like give it to them. Uh, I saw that their that the soundtrack was nominated on the Steam Awards for like the best soundtrack. And you know what? It should fucking win because I was telling you you should give them something for the fact that there is net that none of the songs are ever repeated ever. Each each world has a different song. Each cyberspace level has a different song. Each boss has a different song. So like, there's not like a boss theme. Like every boss has its mm. own fucking sung cool. song that is like, you know, it's like, it's great. It's so good. Like it, I, it just it blows my mind because there's so many cyberspace levels and they could have easily just been like, you know, we're gonna do maybe two or three songs and repeat it through the whole thing like a lot of people do. But no, nothing is repeated. Like the songs are always different on everything that you do. And I'm like, that's badass. Like, come on, give him, give him something for that. And they're and the and the songs are really good. Like, you don't. I don't know if you necessarily have like. I mean, there is some butt rock, but it's just good. Like the soundtrack is just good. Like it's they really, yeah, it really hits you. I, I heard there's a demo coming, and I hope so. So both of you can give it a try. But like, no, I. Uh, it was one of those things I was just really interested in it, and I and I watched a bunch of different reviews of Sonic Frontiers, and I think my favorite review was the one that Nintendo World Report did, where they're talking about how. Sonic Frontier was what they originally envisioned after the end of Sonic Adventure 1 on Dreamcast, where you just like run across this open world like so fastly and all that. But and I and I try and I've tried to take it apart in my mind so many times. I'm like, well, I was like, well, what well, like what are people so angry about on this? Like I I, I don't get it. Like I don't I don't understand where this, where the, I feel like maybe some people just don't like Sonic and they just just want to like give shit to Sonic. I think that there's definitely um all there's always a raging battle of sonic like super fans and sonic super haters like even more so than mario Mm -hmm. or other franchises like the sonic in particular seems to have very toxic people on both sides i mean i'm kind of a vanilla sonic fan you know i'm in the middle somewhere i'm just like i just i you know and i and I, i try to think back i'm like i was like how many sonic games have i beaten i've only beaten two i beat sonic adventure 2 on gamecube and i beat sonic frontiers those are the only two games i ever beat in the Sonic universe. And uh, and in this one and I feel like this is the first time I actually gave a shit. Like I thought the story was written really well. You can see like where they're getting at where they need a Sonic lore master or whatever because they totally reference other games. And they yeah. and they will tell you and there are like kind of the thing that you're dealing with this in this is very similar to the thing you were dealing with in Sonic Adventure 1. 
and they will say that they're like they're like well you remember at this point you did this and they do they do pull all of the older stuff and it turns out the cyberspace levels are basically this this alien they like took them from previous sonic games or previous sonic stories and brought them into this world in the cyberspace so they were they were pulled from so they're supposed to have come from other games and that's why they feel so familiar and all that which i thought was really cool and i even like uh i finally found tails or not tails uh i finally found big the cat and the uh fishing which i love the fishing which i do have to say the fishing does kind of break the game because um no matter what you catch you get uh tokens for catching fish and you can use tokens to basically buy anything that you need in the game you can buy the keys you can buy the gears that unlock the levels you can buy the whatever they're called the cocos or the, the little like little dudes that you have to collect to like up your stats or whatever mm. you can buy those uh, you can the chows you, uh kind of yeah well they're not they're not necessarily called chows, but well, they actually, they kind of remind me a little bit of the original Sonic because you can find them encased in things and you unlock them and they kind of run out. And it reminds me of like seeing the little animals escape, like when you would open the capsules in the original Genesis games and all that. But you can kind of break the game if you just want to go fishing. You can just unlock everything and not have to play any of the any of the levels. But you should because they're a lot of fun. But fishing is fun too. And fishing, you can collect, you can basically collect a. Uh, memorabilia from old sonic games you can collect like the the spinning goal sign and you can collect like the rings and like the little uh jumping springs and stuff like that and and the and the fish like look really good like they have the really hd animation all that i know donkey mentioned that like how good the fish look in there but yeah the fish look great but i didn't really understand like i i, I mean there there's a couple times where maybe the controls got a little weird where i kind of got thrown off of a cliff for whatever reason but that happened maybe two times in my 35 35 hour playthrough but it never crashed i felt like it ran much better than a couple of these other games that i would mention later on this list but uh i mean there's some pop in but that didn't bother me it wasn't like it didn't pop in like while i was trying to do the platforming you would just run so fast that you ran so fast that the environment hadn't gotten there yet (laughs) and then you get there and then the and then the loops appear but it doesn't like you can't get to that. There's no way that it would fuck up the gameplay in any way. There's one time that I there's these like rings that you fall into that boost you, and there's one time I fell in between two boosts and it just kind of kept knocking me back and forth. One time, and basically I just I just uh, warped to another level and then it got me out of it. But no, I, I had so much fun with it. Like I cared about the story. I thought Sonic was written really well. I thought the dialogue between like Sonic and Knuckles and Amy and like. And the new character, Sage, who's like the daughter of Eggman, who he actually cares for. And uh, in the in the fishing game, I actually unlocked all of the all of Eggman's like audio files. And I listened to all of them because I thought they're really interesting because he talks about all the different things that happened in the game and his daughter and all that stuff. And yeah, I thought the game was badass. Like, I, I loved it. I was once I started playing, I was like, I'm going to finish this game. And I did. I beat it. I beat it at Justice Grandma's house. But I, I wanted to. I was like, I got to get there. I got to the final boss. I'm like, I'm going to do this shit. Oh, and the bosses are so cool. You, you become supersonic and you get to fly around and you got to dodge the shit. And then that's where, that's where they're playing like the, the like, um, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of, a, you know, where they're like screaming and singing at the same time, like that type of music. Screamo? You, you got, no, no. Well, Screamo, more like. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, Evanescence. Sure, yeah, <laughs> it has some Evanescence stuff. But I think it's the I think the music's pretty good on there, as I said. But Amy I was really, um, yeah, I was really impressed by it. I was like, "Fuck, man, Sonic Frontiers! What a great game! What a great, the great game!" of platformers. It's a good one. Like I said, whenever the demo comes out, hopefully more people will get it. But it's it's actually sold. What is like two and a half million? Like, which is pretty good. So damn, it's, it's selling good. fast. Yeah, I want to. Uh, 
I want there to be another. I think Sonic Frontiers two. Frontiers two. It should be called Sonic Frontiers. Yeah, Sonic Frontiers. Yeah, getting ahead of myself there. No, but I was. Uh, I was surprised. It was originally going to be below Dragon Quest Treasures, but I just loved it so much that I just kept pushing it up. Almost made it to the top five, but I'm like, yeah, this game's great. In a way, it's so below fun. because it's a short, smaller number. I'm telling you right now, when when Tears of the Kingdom comes out, I'm going to think it's too slow when I'm walking around the open world. I'm just telling you that right right now. Because I played Sonic Frontiers, which is super fast. And when I'm walking around in any open world, I'm going to be like, this game's too slow. We need Sonic Frontiers. And they'll put that bike on hyperspeed. Uh, the bike didn't go as fast as Sonic did. No way. No fucking way. I would hope Sonic could go faster than a bike. I, I raised my speed level to its highest level. I maximized it so I could go as fast Wham. as I could go. But it was, yeah, it was very, very fast. It's a fun game. Number did six. your Switch get hot because of the friction? <laughs> it got a little hot. I did play it handheld at at, the, at Justice Grandma's house, and it was a little hot because there was too much uh, blast processing going on. Yeah, that all that blast processing really causes a lot of heat. No, it was great. I mean, this is the first time I've cared at all about a Sonic game, like that I actually felt like I had to play it all the way through. I thought Lost Worlds was pretty good, but I didn't feel like I needed to beat it, you know. But this one, I was like, I got it. I got. I got to find out what's happening here. It's got a great story. Well, I feel good talking about Sonic, and if no one else has Sonic on their list, which I don't. I don't think anybody has Sonic on, on the list because they didn't play it. <laughs> then I'm, I'm going to move on to my I'm number saying, six. So time everybody... will tell on that one. People are going to look back at Sonic Frontiers and think about how good that game is. So I mean, number six, this one might take a little while because I got a little story I want to tell first. I'm going to give a little it. context. I'm just kidding. Number six is Tunic. <laughs> about it. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, misdirection there. It's going to be long, but hey, we already talked about it. Next. My, next. My number six is Return to Monkey Island. There it is. I knew it was in there. Somewhere. I love point-and-click adventures, and this is just, uh, you know, it's, it's just such a welcome, uh, well, return to point-and-click adventures. It's it's maybe the, maybe the as far as the mechanics of it, um, like the definitive way, I think, to do a point-and-click adventure on the Switch, I think they figured it out. It's it's uh, essentially you have like little spots on the little circles on the screen, so you know, like, oh, I can click on that, I, click, I can click on that, and you just kind of navigate with the but the directional stick to each one and it's unobtrusive it's like it's not like oh you know all this you know all this uh, gui is in the way or whatever it's just like subtle it's well done and it allows you to just kick back relax and have you know a, a relaxing experience which which is what makes these games really really good couch games you know uh, it's just it, it doesn't it's not as intuitive as say the the Wii remote i mean that is still like the best point and click uh, control solution ever definitely and i wish that they would bring that back for the switch but with a controller this totally works it allows you just if you want a game where you can just lay back and have like other people also participate by you know jumping in and you know suggesting answers and all that and watch a, a really well-told interesting funny story with beautiful artwork and engaging music and the whole is there uh, voice acting what's that is there like voice acting or is it all text? It's fully based? voice acted. I was saying, I figured 100% it's full, voice acted. I would think it's fully yep. voiced. It's fully voiced, yep. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. So it's just a, a great cinematic experience and a, and a nice leisurely one in the vein of the, the Shin-Chan game. You know, sometimes you just need a game like that where you're just laying back and you know, you're not actively like, you know, on the edge of your seat or whatever. It's just, it's just so nice. It's just a peaceful game that, where you're figuring out solutions, figuring out puzzles and taking your time. No immediate threats. You're just enjoying the experience, enjoying the writing, enjoying all that this game has to offer uh, visually, uh, the soundtrack and all that. 
it's just what a what a nice experience. I love this game, and I only put a couple hours into it so far. It's just another case of you know I got distracted by other things, but I will certainly finish this game. And the one thing I want to mention is the the art style. We all remember that when this game was revealed, yeah, it was again some pushback. People said, "Oh, it doesn't look like the old one." Some folks wanted like I guess another you know tired modern pixelated look or whatever like screw that this game looks beautiful i have no idea what they were complaining about it's a totally unique i've never seen a, an art style quite like this it's it's its own thing and it it works it's it all works uh it all looks good together the way the characters are designed the backgrounds it's like a nice moving painting it almost looks like if you were to walk in and see this game you would think that this is like an interesting new cartoon it just looks like a cartoon and it's its own cool cool style and I'm, I'm here for it did you guys have any interest in this game oh yeah i definitely have interest in it i just like i said this was a loaded year so it yep. was uh i just i didn't have time for it or money i think yeah for me um i'm always a little standoffish with point and clicks because yeah me too it's actually kind i of my, get my least favorite to the point genre. where i'm like <laughs> bashing my head against the wall because i'm the kind of person that will overlook some obvious thing for hours and hours and hours sure, yeah. good news for you this game has a a gradual hint system. So if you want like a vague hint, you can get a vague hint. If you want essentially to be pointed right to the answer, you can have that too. Was that always a thing or is that a quality of life improvement in this version? Well, I mean, well, this is, I mean, this isn't a remake. It's a sequel. Oh, it's an actual sequel. Okay. It's an actual full sequel. Yeah. It's not, it was, so it's supposed to be a continuation. Yeah. It's not a remake. It's a a full brand new story. Oh, did not really realize. Well then what, what, what's all this hate? Like it can have whatever art style it wants if it's a new game. They they just right. want it to look the same as the ones they played before, and it's dumb. It's like just let it's them a be. Departure. Let them do whatever, I know the guy whatever Guybrush Threepwood. I really like the the name for whatever reason. That odd odd ass odd ass name has um, become sticks. like special in video game history uh, for for a protagonist name. Yeah, has a rhythm uh, to it. It actually makes me think of Earthbound. Oh, isn't there? There's like three, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a town. Well, it's three, but I mean, I think that was after the first Monkey Island game. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I'm interested in it. I just, yeah, like I said, I, I think I've. It's not that I'm not good at point and clicks. I mean, I've played different versions. Walking simulators are essentially point and clicks. A lot of games I play are some sort of like permutation of that. But a, a straight up point and click to me just like makes sweat beads break out of my head. I'm just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I gonna be am I gonna be slamming my head into some bricks soon? You solved a lot of the pain points with that uh, gradual hint system. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I think that would help out a lot. Yeah, because the same thing for yeah. me where it's like I feel like I have to just go over the world like over and over and over again and you get stuck just like looking at everywhere and it's like not fun anymore. And right. I take pride in trying to like get through it with, with all without using any of the hints, but I did end up using it one time and it was like Oh, okay, that was vague enough that it still self. It's, it still felt satisfying to me. Like, like I solved, you know, eighty percent of it. Yeah, no, I, I think it sounds very intriguing, and I know a lot of people really liked it. And got good reviews and all that. Can we move on from that. Yep. There's a there has actually there's two things I want to say about Sonic Frontiers really quick. Sure. So there's free DLC where you can where you can get a Monster Hunter uh, uniform on Sonic Frontiers, and when you're when you're in the um, fishing world. Uh, you have the os- the option to barbecue meat, and I was like, "What is this?" Mm-hmm. And it's it just I laughed out loud because when because you go there and, and you put up the fucking meat thing and it goes and if you stop it at the right time, 
you get the well done steak and they give you extra credits. I was like, that's hilarious because it has a little Monster Hunter reference in there. And also, uh, they gave out free DLC where you could dress Sonic Sonic as Santa, and I beat the game as Sonic in a, in a Santa costume. So that's all I had to say about that. Explains how he gets to all the houses. My number five, um, uh, Jeremy already did this joke. Uh, my number five is Tunic. Uh, we can move on now. <laughs> was that a joke? No, I was going to say, oh, my number five, I have a ton to talk about, but I don't have anything. You already did that joke. So. Oh, well, yeah. Moving on, well, number five, you know, ta- Tunic. Already I think you did it. it better if for what it's worth. No, your joke is better. I thought it was funnier when you did it. I didn't even know it was a joke. It wouldn't have been funny unless it was playing off of your joke. I just think jokes are funnier when they're not funny, you know? That's <laughs> how I feel. Sometimes. All right, so <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Uh, so number five surely is going to make another list, at least one other list. But it was hard. It was hard for me to put it here because I did put a lot of time into this game, and it did mean a lot to me. Uh-oh. There's just other stuff that meant more, Uh-oh. namely four other things that meant more. Hmm. Splatoon three, Splatoon three. Okay, my number. There it is. Five game. I think it belongs where it is. I mostly played it for the single player. I loved the single player. I thought it was worth the cost of a mission on its own yes that's uh, an amiibo i think the (laughs) single player mode was fun it had a similar vibe to me as you know last year i talked a lot about bowser's revenge that like sort of thing they tacked on to um the mario 3d world remaster or whatever like on switch i thought this kind of had a very similar feeling to it a very kind of lighthearted um it really made itself like you know there's completion there's completionism to be had but it's still like a little bite-sized little chunk of completionism like it's quite doable to get everything in that and i did 100 probably like a 10-hour experience as well just like i was right i didn't the the single single player i never did beat the final level i gotta go back to it oh yeah uh, the yeah i I didn't why didn't i didn't even beat the single player at all but i mean but for me it was really on the other things for me, the, the multiplayer yeah. was fun to go back to, and I know I need to give it more of a chance, and I do really plan on doing it at some point. In fact, I was getting ready to play it last night, and it needed a down, it needed an update, and then that led to a whole chain of me doing updates on a bunch of software, and then I ended up playing Blood Hockey for like two hours for Blood Hockey. There you go. Because I was like, oh, I forgot I had this game. I should try it. And then I just like, oh, shit, this game's awesome. <laughs> anyway, I'm going <laughs> off on a tangent here. Uh, Splatoon 3 was still a wonderful game for what I had to offer Nintendo is, you know, has has really created their own special shooter game that managed to be lighthearted and fun and playful while while still being like super competitive and super technical and super deep as far as how you equip yourself and how you I don't know, just the strategies are probably endless really of how you approach a match depending on what mode it is. I mean, mostly I've played Turf War when I've done multiplayer, but the single player really kind of highlights the mechanics and it almost kind of like disappoints me that 
a lot of those don't get used as much in single player, sure, or in multiplayer. Surely they do in, in a sense like maneuverability type things, but Same you know, enough. you don't get to do like the fun like platforming and stuff as much. Oh yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, somewhat. Uh, I mean, some of the same. And some stuff. of the platforming in the Splatoon three, uh, it, it's it rivals easily rivals. Uh, I mean, that's I guess it's not saying much because it's an old game now, but uh, Super Mario Sunshine. Not Super Mario Sunshine. Why am I forgetting? Oh, Galaxy. Called? It's been so long. Not even Galaxy. No, the one that came out on Switch. Odyssey, you see. Oh, yeah. Super Mario Odyssey like uh, has some of the best platforming levels on the game on the system easily, and I think. Splatoon three single player is probably second place for the for how creative it is and how it manages to um, within that single player mode. Surely, sure, there's some like levels that are similar and they're like kind of like you got to collect this much of something or whatever. But I still think each level kind of successively builds on the previous and in such a way that I just kept being excited when I'd unlock a new level. Like what what new thing are they going to do in this? You know. It's not going to be some sort of slog of, okay, now it's a harder version of the last thing I played. Cool. I get to do that some more. Yeah, there's like these unique bite-sized challenges. They were really Mm -hmm. fun. Um, Yeah. Um, I'm sure this is on your list somewhere, right, John? Two and three? Yeah, me as well. Um, I didn't I didn't get through the single player as and I know both of you like fell into it big time and, and played all the way through the single player. And I did like the single player, but I didn't like it as much as I liked the single player for Splatoon one and two. But I still enjoyed the fuck out of the multiplayer. I felt like Splatoon three was it was one of those things like when when you look at it versus Splatoon two, you may f- not feel like it's that much different. But it's just it's just the little things like um, it's like you know the original one you had to stare at a fucking screen for however long before you got into a match. Now you can fucking run around and like just paint the floor like while you're waiting for the next thing, and it just it just feels so natural and so much fun. You can do the same thing in the Salmon Run. Now Salmon Run is available all the time. Uh, we have tricolor battles that do exist now because now you can, you Still actually have not well one. you will be able to pick them this coming weekend. So please, both of you, play it and play them. You can you pick can, those to play specifically. Yes. That's that's what they said would be in the next uh, oh, in the next Blackfest, cool. which is happening, which is happening this weekend. Uh, but uh, oh, and Big Run, Salmon Run, Big Run, like love that so much. Uh, yeah, it was just for me. It was just like all the and like the lockers and like and the new weapons. Like the I love like the like the what was it the katana like that you could hit people with. Like that was really cool. Uh, I forgot about the locker. The locker was kind of fun. The, yeah, customizing your lockers were cool. And the and the the card game. Don't forget about the card game as well. Ooh, the card that was, like that was really fun. I enjoyed that. Really cool awesome. addition. I, I probably put a good two or three hours into the card game alone. Yeah. I mean, uh, as Splatoon as a whole, like yeah, Nintendo like took the third took the shooter genre and like made this really cool third person shooter. But like they made one that was still like so hip, you know. Like I remember you saying when you oh, first man, got it's it, the John. Game Nintendo's ever made. Yeah, you thought it was almost too hip for you, you know. And and it was still like so on the money. Like you just mm-hmm. walking around and just seeing what people write like in that lobby is just like so cool. And you see so much like. Uh, yeah, you know, like so, like uh, like pro trans and like all this like gender stuff, and I'm like, this is fucking cool. Like it's like oh, yeah. just everybody coming together and being cool about it and all that. And I'm like, That's this is great. not a game where you would expect depth, but there's so much depth to it and the design of the world, like the fact that it had they have their own language and their own uh, you know writing, and then not only do they have their own writing, which you know it, I don't know if anybody has tried to decipher it if there's like a rhyme and reason to oh, it. Oh, oh yeah, you but, mean yeah, you mean like the historical yeah. I think, right. I think somebody has to a point. But then there's also like different styles for that, right? Like you'll, you'll see like graffiti of different styles. And they're writing something. I don't know what they're saying, but 
but it certainly looks like some real kind of language. That's just like one example. Then you've got um, the fact that there's like this ongoing broadcast going on. Uh, you start every match with greeted by the three characters who are doing the broadcast. I can't remember their names. Um, big big man is one of them. Just give, it gives the sense that big man's my guy. Gives the sense that you are tuning into something that is happening in the little world inside your switch. It's not like you know you've fired up the game. Okay, now the game has begun. It's like the game is going on without you. Um, oh yeah, every yeah, time for you sure. yeah. press start, you're 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 tuning in mm-hmm. to see what happens. Mm-hmm. They give you an update on what's going on in the world, what you've missed in your time. Uh, outside of the world or whatever. And then when you are uh, wandering on the, in the lobby, you still got the little, like, what's the AV term for the thing that's, like, running on the, on the bottom of the screen or whatever. Oh, like the ticker. The cryon, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the ticker going on. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that, that was a new thing in this one as well, where you could, if you want to jump right into it, you can skip past yeah. them giving you mm-hmm. the updates, and you'll just see it see it just in text, which I thought was a really yeah. good idea. Right, which idea. they would update. You would have to watch a video every time they'd switch out the levels too during like a, a yeah, which which would happen so. like every like two or three hours so or that something was in really the original annoying. one, yeah. But I like that. Yeah, now it's just like it just gives you a little update in the corner. It all adds up to give you the impression that this is like a world that you are peeking in on. It's not made for you. You're just you're a visitor in this world. You and, can, yeah, I, I like the, the little detail too that like not only is there this show going on, but you're wandering around the the plaza. You can go to the back corner and there's the studio and you can look through the window like Today Show style and you can see the show <laughs> oh, yeah. being taped. I think that's just yeah, so cool. Yeah, like when you go downtown and you can look into like NBC or whatever, like in Chicago, mm-hmm. you can like you can walk right past and see like see the anchors and all that right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I didn't even think about that. No, I, I think uh, what I put in my notes uh, that I was writing last night is, um, you know, like I was talking about earlier about like, you know, maybe not looking that much different from two. But you know that this is going to be supported for the next like two or three years, and you know yep. that Splatoon three is going to last probably the rest of the Switch cycle. I think. Right. I think we're not getting oh, Splatoon definitely. four four until Switch two comes out. So that's one thing that's great about these games is you know that they hundred percent support it. And it was well, uh, wasn't it, it like yeah. it didn't it break sales records? It did. Yeah, it like uh, the fastest. Sell- so it's got it, a it huge... beat like it beat Animal Crossing. Well, it's huge in Japan, obviously. Yeah. Did you? I don't know if you looked. I put it on Slack. Like all the different um, top ten sales in different countries, like of of this year, and it's like it was. I loved like all of them are like. You know, like God of War, uh, whatever, uh, Elden Ring, and uh, and in Japan it was like Nintendo, 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 number ten, Elden Ring. <laughs> it was like all the way at the bottom. But yeah, I was like, which uh, it is a, I mean, yeah. it is, Elden Ring is a Japanese. I know game, it is so. a Japanese game, but but it, but every but one through nine, one through nine was all was all Switch games. stuff. So, well, you know, it's portability. Like, yeah, the portables are huge in Japan, obviously. Hang out at the bars, play them out, play them in the play them on the train. No, I mean, I yeah, I love Splatoon uh, for many for a lot of reasons, but and also it has that like gives you that Japanese feeling. But no, you're 100 percent right, John. No, you are like you are looking into this world, and, and this is this world that will always exist whether you're there or not. Which was like my favorite thing about video games. Like, if I think that's what I loved about part of what I loved about Super Metroid is I believed it was a world that could exist if I wasn't there. And if I discovered something, I didn't feel like it was just reacting to me. I felt like it was just doing its regular thing. And I came up upon it, you know, that sort of thing. Like, I love that sort of design, but yeah, no Splatoon is, yeah, there's all sorts of shit going on there. There's memes. There's a lot of people. I mean, you know, listen to our episode with Fuchsia, like, you know, she's 
super in. Yeah, there's like, it's a community. There's, there's all it's these a, like communities a, within communities, like inside that game, and I think it's it's an esport. Uh, so playing it with randos, you know, for Splatfest and stuff, like I have so much fun. And I guess I mean I I play online during not Splatfest as well. So you're still just playing with randos, but like just the thought of having an act, a team, you know, talk because Nintendo. I guess there is an app you could do it through the voice app, maybe, but. You know, they're just talking on Discord. Yeah, you, yeah, you while can talk. Play. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you can talk through the phone, but who does that? I think and I tried to do that. I tried to do that with Jesse one time, and I ended up just calling him. We tried to talk through the app, and I just call him on the phone and just, you know, but talk, people talk are legitimately like, okay, this is going to be your role. This is your role. This is what you wear. You know, this is what you wear. This is what you use as your uh, weapon, and because strategically, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I've had fun in this game. Something I I've always been kind of hung up on. You know my splats because I've never been good at shooters. I remember so you. It's, it's, yeah, I remember you saying that about two, and I was like, "It's not about that, man. It's about covering, it's really covering not. ground." And um, well, it depends on what I, you're playing, I guess. I was kind of, you know, last I was playing this, I was more into the not necessarily camping, but just getting as deep in enemy ugh, enemy territory as I could, and then kind of being an anchor point for other people to. Which makes you a I, I kind of do that a little bit with but, the hammer sometimes. I try to, when I when I have the hammer as my special move, mm-hmm. I do try to like it as far as I can into the enemy territory. I think it's that. really fun to do just that, to sneak back to the enemy territory. And while the battle is raging in the middle of the You're field, just like you just get to feel like this cool guy who's like, <laughs> they don't know I'm here. And, <laughs> you know, they think they're they're winning, but then. The end screen pops up. That's a big key to it, too, is that end screen that pops up that shows how the battle actually turned out. Mm-hmm. Oh, like so satisfying to see that you've been in their enemy base for like a full 45 seconds to a minute. And just now it's wreaking uh, havoc back there. You know, if, the, if their battle's raging, you know, it is. But at any point, you can see like a real time update of the aerial view. So it's very That's much true. like and whenever I would do fast travel, I'd be like. Oh shit! This dude's causing trouble over here, and then I would like go backwards to where that spot. You know, like you kind of get. We always try to. You always want to try to jump. Uh, you don't want to jump to your character that's farthest in because they'll kill you yeah. when you get there. So you start a little bit back. There's a, there's a lot of like great strategy to it. There's a lot of strategies to it, yeah. But I just think of like you know playing an old shooter where you have like radar or whatever, like Goldeneye or uh, Perfect Dark. I'm thinking and other games, Time Splitters, but then. Like this, you just you literally have like a full aerial view at any time that you can access and you can warp around the map and stuff. And the game just has so much freedom to it that the play styles are really crazy varied, probably more than a lot of other multiplayer games. I I'm not going to speak for things I've never played, but more than games I've gotten into that are multiplayer. I just sometimes I wonder if I'm the only one playing with this strategy. Probably not. I think, uh, I mean, speaking of multiplayer, I think, I mean, which you'll find out later, uh, why Splatoon is so high on my list is the fact that I'm not really a multiplayer person at all. Like, I'm very much a single-player person. But Splatoon 3 actually made me care about multiplayer. You know, like, I do like playing it, and I like participating in the Splatfest and the big run and all that stuff. Like, kind of the same thing with Tetris 99. Well, I will still play it every weekend for the new themes and all that, just because I like it that much, you know, and... And it was it's interesting because Splatoon one I bought it for the single player because I thought like what you were saying earlier about this versus Odyssey I thought Splatoon originally on Wii U was like the spiritual successor to Mario Galaxy and Mario 
sunshine is what I, I thought. I thought you were saying that. Yeah, combined. Yeah, because you have like the shooting stuff with the water and all that. Mm-hmm. But also, um, the single player reminded me of Galaxy because you do a little thing and you shoot to the next thing. It's like, it's like, you know, participating in little planets and going to the next thing and all that. And this is still very much like that in this game. Um, even even like the overworld is. I mean, it's one big thingy but you're kind of warping around it accessing it in different ways i really like i think just the sense of progression was fun and um the collectathon was not too you know the, the collectathon was there but it was just so for the like single, a microcosm for the single of like yeah it was just a great single player game yeah that's most of why i i love it but i'm glad you finally got i'm glad you finally got to the single player i mean both well john doesn't have two but you do have one on wii u i'm just saying yeah. those single players are really good on two Split and two, two and one, one maybe the only i mean Besides maybe Star Fox Zero, but a game that well, I, I'm sure we'll see that. I actually I believe we'll see Star Fox Zero again someday, but we'll we'll probably never see Splatoon One again. It existed so. for the Wii U. And well, the I Wii mean, U alone. They, I mean, they made did they did sequels to it, but no, I mean originally, yeah, I played the single player. And I was like, this is really cool, but they just kept adding stuff every couple weeks, and I'm like, oh well, I want to try that. I want to try that. I want to try that. And they were bringing in the new weapons, like the, the like the paint buckets and like mm-hmm. a lot of the shit that you know of now and. And I thought like this one did so well where like they let you buy weapons that are way ahead of your level that you have just by earning tickets and all that stuff. They they, they kind of just changed everything around that I felt like just made it just work so well. And I think Fuchsia was saying it when uh, she was on our show that was that some people who like got tired of Splatoon 2, like a bunch of people came into 3 because they were like, oh, well, this is right. This is more like 1. Like this is like they've changed it and made it better and all that. And, yeah. People that are a little more aware great of the game. subtle elements in the games and and uh you know little spoilers but you know monolith soft they did splatoon 3 as well the great developers uh, a great at 3d mapping yeah Some well uh, yeah the twilight princess or no not that one uh breath of the wild um animal crossing splatoon 3 they're nintendo's like powerhouse like secret powerhouse it's like hey let's make something work really well make something run really fucking good like 4v4 they did it really well I don't know. It's it's a blast, and I still love playing it. And you know, as a it just keeps bringing me back, and that's what I want from multiplayer games. Like just updates where I just want to play it again, and then I play it. I'm like, this game is great. It's really good, and I'll play it for another like ten hours over the weekend. You know, that's Platoon Three for me. My yeah. number five is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Kawa. Nope, Shredder's Revenge. Oh, I thought it'd be oh. I thought it'd be higher for you actually. So Shredder's I, Revenge is number five. Okay. I'm actually surprised. All right, uh, yeah, no, I thought that would be in your top three. This is on my list. I'll say that. So, well, this game was another one that was like we we we'd heard of it, and it. Remember, we 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 got the announcement, then it went away for like a year. It was on an in, it was on like a year. It was on an indie direct too. Don't forget. I remember you being like, uh, like you like turtles oh, are indie. Turtles okay. game on indie. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess they started out indie, certainly. I guess that kind of fits. Oh, yeah, the original black and white comic, sure. And uh, then it went away for the longest time, and we were like, I think there was like three or four directs that came, and it, it was like, is this the one? Where's Where's Ninja Turtles? Where's Ninja Turtles? And then it suddenly, the, the news dropped that like, out of nowhere, oh, it's coming next month. And then we had to wait, wait a couple of weeks, and there it was. And I think it was like, that was one of those like shared moments where everybody was just playing one game. And for one weekend, it was Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. That's all that anybody was playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were all three among that group. That's true. I did play it. Yes. And it's, a, it's I've said it before, the Switch is the best beat-em-up system ever made. And it's just like... It have don't try beating it up. It's actually not that durable. 
<laughs> yeah. You don't you don't don't beat it up. Like don't yeah. Yeah, don't, don't beat, beat up it. your switch. But get uh, Shredder's Revenge and uh, enjoy one of the best beat em ups, modern beat em ups that there is. This is another one from uh, I don't know how to say the developer's name. Dotemu sounds that good to guys? me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean sure. that's how I would pronounce it. But yeah, I don't. I don't know if the actual. But the guys who did uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. And, and don't forget uh, about uh, Streets Rage Four. Streets Rage Four. Yeah, there it is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which I would have said was previously the best modern beat 'em up, and then here comes uh, Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. I still think Streets Rage Four is a little bit better. I don't know. I'd, just because better, of the, the, okay, the mechanics, you, like just because you can kind of like block, and I, I mean, just yeah. like some of the some of the controls that they brought into it, I think it's a little bit better. I love the character and the personality of this Street Rage Four. There's certainly an argument to be made there, but I mean, man, the Ninja Turtles they just tug on the nostalgic heartstrings. Oh, yeah. That's and probably why really, I like the really Street Rage Four better. Went to town on the license with this one, like they brought in friggin' Irma and Vern and everybody that you remember from that show. Lots of them. <laughs> yeah, they also they... brought in Mike Patton, vocalist of Faith No More. That's true. To they do did, yeah. a new version of the theme, and he 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 did it straight. Like he didn't get all Mike Pattony and do all the weird voices. He just like kind of emulated the the uh, song from the cartoon, really. And he did a pretty good job with it, I guess. He's saying you wanted turtles, but you can't have them. <laughs> <laughs> and he did a little rampy rap. No, it was a. Uh, so I, I'm going to say it, you know, and I said it on the show before, and I stick by it. It's my favorite beat em up I've ever played. Really? Um, and you don't like beat em ups, so I don't like beat em ups that yeah. much. But there's special ones that I've enjoyed, and most of them have involved heroes in the half shell, as they say. Turtle power. Um, I have played, you know, ever since grade school, played the arcade, and had nostalgia for the arcade as a junior hire at that point where we couldn't play it anymore you know like the game was nostalgic for me long before i could actually get my mitts on it and the first time i did again really besides going to arcades and stuff now that you can go to some pretty cool galloping ghost and there's some cool arcades up in the chicago land area i've gone to but um was playing it in kentucky the original arcade game on mame oh yeah at brian's house yeah, on, a, on a huge HD TV at the time, it seemed huge, but also had crazy burden problems, and we had to be really careful with how <laughs> stuff was loaded on it and everything. I remember that. Yeah, being that, thing, that was but... probably that was probably one of the first times that I played it again as well. Because I what was it? I, I got well, I, I bought the GameCube, the Nexus game that had it as an mm. unlockable. I got it in LA. Actually, I think I had Tim buy it for me, Tim Ryan, because we were hanging. I was like, buy me this game, and he's like, okay. And uh, yeah, and I got to it there. But yeah, no, that was probably the first time I played it aside from, yeah. But I was playing games. it, you know, it came out, I bought it right away. Price was right. It was, it's a new Ninja Turtles game coming out. Um, I've loved every one I played, you know, well, that's not true, but all the beat em up style ones I've really liked specifically. So this comes out and it's just like, what the hell? It's so good. And it was, it's just so good. I love it. And, um, I played quite a ways into it and uh, I felt like it was very fair up to a certain point. And then I realized, well, maybe the, the, the one little downside is the, how they rushed the tutorial at the beginning, or I, maybe I rushed the tutorial at the beginning, Yeah, but I, 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 I wasn't too. dodging, yeah. <laughs> but the dodge mechanic, once you figure that out, yeah. this, it changes everything in the game. Just gets, it takes on a new element that isn't like any of the other Ninja Turtle games, but at the same time, it feels like it always should have been there. Also, the so, charge, right? 
the charge mechanic changed the game That's for true. me because I oh, didn't yeah. know about it, and apparently everybody else did, but I didn't know. Yeah, the charge mechanic was because that kind of breaks the whole game, you know. Annoying sometimes, yeah. but mostly Especially if you were playing online, player, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's all just like too much. Or breathe or whatever. It would have been nice yeah. to have the option to play without it. You know, I I, I kind of like the, the free for all aspect of it. I mean, that was fun to just see the, the crazy shit flying around, you know, Smash Brothers style. But sometimes you want a game that's a little bit more like challenging or strategic or whatever. It would have been cool to like have a lobby that's okay, no, no, you know, right charge mode or whatever. Yeah, just be able to tweak the settings and host a host a game that other people might want to play the same rules needless to say though everything about it's great and, and it's like i think you were saying they they pulled they didn't pull any stops they brought irma and Vern back but they also brought like metalhead and like they brought back uh and those fucking dinosaurs that i don't ever or, or what's no, uh, there was some other what was that other group that was there Le- that i didn't remember yeah the, the what were they called the neutrinos they brought those or back. how about the frogs the frogs that's the one i was trying to think yeah. of yeah yeah yeah, because I'm like the frogs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all. were like the uh, alternate, the alternate universe turtles. Yeah, they were like the, the Ninja what, Turtles within the Ninja Turtles universe. I mean, it's with almost the merchandising like, and all that. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a reference to Battletoads, like before Battletoads existed, right? Yeah. Or had Battletoads even existed by then? I don't know. Well, I think that's a tongue-in-cheek version of them. Like, yeah, it just kind of getting yeah. back at Battletoads reminds me of like yeah, rares, rares, Battletoads, all that. The graphics are wonderful. They did. They nailed that retro style. You know, these these guys had the pedigree of, as John said, Scott Pilgrim and uh, Streets of Rage Four, where yeah. they're just really good at making a retro looking game, but that just looks amazing. On, on it's what TV. you remember the the old games looking like. Like yeah. at the time, you thought, oh, that that looks just like the cartoon when you're playing the mm-hmm. first one, and now you look at it, no, oh, it doesn't. It looks, you know, it's like something else. But this is like what you pictured that game looking like as a kid. They nailed that. It's it's just and you're playing like a living version of the cartoon. They got the cart the actual cartoon voices and everything. And Rob Paulson, forget, Rob Paulson, and all the other guys. I mean, who cares about that? What a cool Rob, Rob Paulson is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> love Rob Paulson. Another reason I know that I love this game and why it's not just another game that I'm going to forget about. Like I, this game's made a mark on me for a lot of reasons. And one of the big things is a game where I immediately want to start it over again. Yep. Once you get to the end, and you want to go back. Right. Like, I don't, it, not even like I'm like, okay, I've, I'm going to go get a sandwich or something. Like, no, <laughs> it's time to start the game over again. Like, this game was that for me. Like, I just wanted to start over and try it, try it a little different or try it with a different character. I mean, obviously, you kind of have to do that. That's sort of how the single player mode works. You want to unlock stuff by. Yeah, you want to max everybody out. And it's also kind of short as well. So it's like, well, let's start again with somebody mm. else. But you also, oh, well, I've, I'm better at this dodge mechanic. I bet, like, Baxter Stockman's not going to be quite as annoying this time. Mm-mm. and uh, Or as I was calling him, Bastard Stockman, because he was pissing me off. But I'm sure I'm not the first to do I that. I like that name better. <laughs> but, Bastard. Uh, yeah, just a great game. Just a, just a wonderful game that, can I say timeless? I don't know. That's a very subjective thing to say, but. <laughs> Wait a few years. This good and however many on... people who love the turtles are, are alive yeah. still, and however many years later, than it's true. I probably have a certain timeless pair of glasses yeah. I'm wearing. But it feels it, like it was. It's fun. Like forgotten nice. thirty years ago, and someone just found it and dusted it off. Yeah, I I thought it was a great game. It just 
yeah, it wasn't. I don't have the turtles nostalgia that everyone else does, apparently. So how did that happen? How did you escape the '90s being a kid? Two years old. Two years older than you, I guess. Maybe. And also, I think nostalgia is bullshit. I've said that many times on this show. Mm -hmm. Probably because everything that I loved when I was a kid, I still love now. So nothing makes me feel like a child. So it's It's not. So for me, and I've been trying to reframe it. Like nostalgia is nostalgia. I don't know what the precise definition would be. I guess if you really want to cheapen it, it's just preying on stuff that people remember or uh, some things. Well, I mean, in like a marketing talk- sense, but for me, nostalgia Tunic, is Tunic like well. the memories that surround that. And to me, playing this brought me back to the skating rink, watching people play the first game, you know, which Calabunga Collection did the same thing that came out after this. But uh, we got these games in the same year. We did. Like, the first one it was. I would have never thought I would be putting two Ninja Turtles games on my games right. of the year list in one year. I think it what was it. I was very I, at the. I was happy. Let alone at all. I was happy that Shredder's Revenge came out before Cowabunga Collection because, like I said before, in nostalgia, I was afraid that people were going to throw Shredder's Revenge under the bus because they were like, "Oh, I remember these games," and they would automatically right. say that was better, even though you could obviously say you could look at it and we'll be like, "Obviously, Shredder's Revenge is a better." Shredder's it's a game because it's a modern game. It's actually made well. It's right. animated really well. I mean, just watching all of the turtles run differently was like, that's really mm-hmm. cool. Like, that's yep. the tension to detail there. Yes, because they are different personalities and they would not run the same way. Oh, so many unique yeah. animations because each level is so different from the other. No, I, just, I thought it was great. It just wasn't on my top 10. That's all. Well, it's in my Maybe top, top 20. For but, you know, whatever. good reason. I think it's... I was saying it's a good game. I think it's a game that I'm going to be like recommending to other people for a while a while to come there was i mean i was working when i was working on black ink uh, one of the one of the black ink people uh was watching a i was watching like a, a nintendo direct or whatever and he came over to me and talked to me about shredder's revenge because he's really excited about these like dude shredder's revenge could be so badass like i want to play that you know so yeah it was uh, everywhere everybody was talking about it it's a huge thing so yeah i figured it would be on both of your lists i actually thought it'd be higher on john's but we might see that it's higher on Jeremy's. Where are we at? It was a great year. Well, yeah, it's obviously higher on mine because because we haven't got to it yet. I went before him. Yeah. So that's number five for John, right? figure somebody else is going to want to talk to me about this on this podcast uh number four for me is uh a little game by a tiny developer they're they're an independent developer so that's maybe why they didn't understand the way the switch works and why uh the game necessarily didn't run as well as it should have that's pokemon violet is number four for me oh wow yeah this is on my list they're just learning the switch the same spot yeah well i mean it's gonna be i'm I'm, because everybody probably knows there's two pokemons on this list and Mm mm-hmm and they're in different my places entry, and we'll my figure it out. Just yeah. been... We might be different. But no, I, I mean, we did a whole spoiler cast of it, which I thought was really good. i go back and listen I, to that fun. if you hadn't. I thought it was great. But no, uh, yeah, uh, Pokemon, yeah, 
Pokemon Violet, it was a great game. Uh, it, what is it? My opening line that I wrote of the script of the of the video that I'm going to make. Pokemon Violet, you beautiful, bold, experimental beast, you, <laughs> is what I put there. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's just like a it's a it's a balance of like yeah, it does so much great stuff versus yeah, maybe it doesn't run as well as it should. But you know what? I didn't give a fuck because because the story was written so well. Uh, the open world aspect where you can just go wherever you want to go. And like I was saying earlier with the scaling, like no scaling, where I can just like, I want to fight level 50 Pokemon right now when I'm level 20. Let's do it and see what the fuck happens. And I did it while streaming and I captured a couple of them. And I'm like, let's just let's just go wherever we want to go. And that's they're not going to listen to you, but you have them. <laughs> well, I just I just wanted to capture them. I didn't put them. I had a specific team that I had. Mm. But um, but no, it was like, yeah, I just I was like, I want to go wherever I want to go. And I mentioned this in, in the notes as well. I'm like. Uh, I'm taking no advice from anyone. I'm just going south, and I'm just going to wherever the fuck I want to go to. And that was a big thing for me, was this, this open world where I'm like, I'm going to go there, I'm going to go there. And it did kind of remind me a little bit about Breath of the Wild, because at the end, well, not even at the end, you can uh, you can back up enough off the map, and it will show you each part that you did in what order. Mm-hmm. It's very reminiscent of... Uh, Oh, like the heroes. path of the hero, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I love that because I'm like, I want to know where I went first so I can see my path. I didn't where know I went. that. I, was like, I thought it was showing me the order I was supposed to, like. The no, no, the, those are the numbers of how you went to them. Oh which shit! Is, yeah, 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 which yeah, I thought yeah, was really cool because I really wanted to know that, and I panned out and I was like, oh yeah, well that's that's where I went. I did this and I did this, but yeah, they they took like. Uh, they they expanded it from like the regular like Pokemon just go and do all the gyms and then go to the uh, go to the Elite Four. Uh, it's like well we have these um there's the stuff with the kid. Uh, it's been a minute. I don't remember his name. The guy who has like the fucking hair over his eye. But uh, Swoopy Boy. It, yeah, Swoopy Boy. That guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's his name. I look it up. No, uh, he's the one we have to find. Like pretty much the Alpha Pokemon or this version of it. And your version, he was looking for his, or he was like. Well, he's looking for his mom father. on yours, right? And I'm and he looking, looking, he's looking for his dad yeah. on mine. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and then there's also like the evil clan, like the fire clan or whatever, where you have to like throw your Pokemon out and they go Team fight Star. or whatever. Yeah, and you and, and and you fight their giant like fucking car that comes out that looks like looks like fucking Wario's car. It looks it's like the car from Mario Three D World. It's like a it's actually it's like a ba- Bowser's car, right? From Mario Three D World on Wii U is what I thought of. But it's an actual yeah, it's an actual Pokemon. Yeah, a Pokemon like powers the engine. Yeah. And the music was so good. Yeah, Toby Fox did the main theme. I saw he tweeted that. That yeah, he did a lot of it. Yeah, he did a lot of the music in it. I w- actually showed it when I was in my sister's house a couple weeks ago, which I don't think I mentioned it on here, but it was fun. You know, we got good and drunk and had a good time, but we didn't get around to playing Pokemon. And my niece was like, "She's like, before you go, we got to play Pokemon." And I'm like, "All right," because like my 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 brother in law was playing like fucking Far Cry. Did she already have whatever a copy on the TV? Of it or did you? No, nah, she, she didn't have the new Pokemon yet because she heard it was too buggy. And I was so like, "You bought it for?" Well, no, I didn't. I didn't buy it for. Her. I just wanted her to. I was like, just you know, whenever we hang out, we'll just play my copy and you know, tell me you know, then tell me what you think of it and all that. And she's like, before you go, I, I want to play. You know, let me play your Pokemon. I'm like, all right. So and and you know, we're like, well, you got to poke it up the TV. I'm like, no, you don't. I just put it on the I put it on the table. Because I got the OLED, so it looks real nice. And I just set it down, and I just got the 8-bit Doe controller, just handed it to her. I'm like, here, try it out. And yeah, I was like, just hit start to bring out your Pokemon. You can you can go around, and, and yeah, it just like blew her mind. She's like, oh my god, there's one of these, one of these, one of this over here. And like, yeah, she loved it. And yeah, I think she got it. I don't know. She hasn't texted me about trading yet, but I know Well, my, my nephew got it as well. Like, I actually drunkenly texted him the other night, and I was like, hey, what about Pokemon? He's like, it's great. And I'm like, cool. But yeah, but no, uh, yeah, Pokemon Violet, uh, loved it. 
I knew it was going to be in my top five, and it's at number four. You haven't said anything about it yet, Jeremy. I know it's in your list somewhere, but it's definitely in my list. I mean, I have said things about it. I thought. I mean, I liked it. Um, I guess I've said a lot about it on the show. We we yeah we did say it. We did say a lot on, on our spoiler cast, but I I knew it was going to be up there. Didn't think I was going to get a chance to play it this year, and then Trey got it for me. Well, Trey and Jess got it for me um, for uh, Christmas slash birthday combined it's christmas a, it's a pretty and, well, big gift yeah it's pretty it's that was just that was just his idea which that was i liked idea. it i'm really happy you did yeah it's like i want to give him a full game and just was like just combine christmas and this and i'm like brilliant so then i got you Pokemon so Johansson. admittedly maybe Johansson. that uh sort of like gave me a little bit of a rose-colored goggles because i was like i all of a sudden i actually get to play this so i didn't think i was gonna get to play it now i have it but i just dove into it like i played through it a lot in the span of like a few days actually <laughs> got to the end of it within like three or four days i think or at least like you know not like completing the pokedex or anything like that but i want to though i still want to it's only 400 and i think i'm at like three almost 300 i'm nowhere near that but i i just i don't know i it was so easy to overlook the bugs like the it jank- only crashed the janky, on me the jankiness of it that yeah. i can remember yeah it crashed on me twice too and it n- neither crash really messed anything up that bad. You know, I just was right before I started the previous battle or whatever, because it does do like kind of a quick save. Yeah, I was telling I was telling my niece that I was like, you know, well, it crashed twice for me, but it but it auto saves all the time. It's it's yeah. ki- it's kind of like a it's kind of like a cloud game on on Switch. You know, it's a it auto saves like every time you beat a Pokemon, every time you capture a Pokemon, every time you go to a Pokemon Center, every time you beat a the yep. gym leader, like every time you do any sort of event, like it, it, it auto saves constantly. So if you do get dropped out, you're not really going to lose anything. Likewise, it makes it harder to like cheese it. Like I, I suppose you could do it at save state. You keep going back to, but I mean, um, you you can turn off the auto save, which I, I know some people have were have warned you about that. Like if you, because some people would like do shiny hunters, they turn off the auto save, but just be warned that it might kick you out of the game. You know, and okay, and then you might have to deal with that. But I I didn't, you know. Thankfully, it, but it was I. Yeah. I went in with zero expectations. I'd heard, you know, you told me you liked it, and actually, uh, first Pokemon I've beaten w- since what X. One of my coworkers told me, yeah. you know, that <laughs> she was watching you play. My coworker Selena. Oh yeah, thanks, thanks she's for stopping like in really on the stream. All that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and she's cool. Yeah, super cool. Like a uh, geeky coworker that I get to talk to about this kind of stuff. So I, I appreciate that, and uh, yeah. Uh, and so I'm just kind of like, it's on my radar way more than I expected it to be. You know, I was just kind of like, whatever, like I'm going to maybe play this eventually, but now I actually kind of really want to play it. And then, yeah, then you, you and Jess got it for me. And so I just kind of dove into it and very quickly, the surprise trade, love it. Surprise trade basically is I, 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 as quick as I did. I, I told my niece about your surprise trade story, actually. Well, I was at my uh, sister's house. I told her all about how you, how you got like a hundred level, hundred level of legendary Pokemon, and like and I don't the whole know game how, with it and all I that. I don't recall yeah. actually seeing it arrive in my box. Well, I, I, I actually, I showed her because when we were like, you know, playing it on the table and all that, I was like, here, let me show you how to surprise trade. And I did a surprise trade, and then I automatically got one of the future Pokemon or the Paradox Pokemon, is what they're called yeah. or whatever. And I got the one that I didn't have. I got like the Metal Hands one, which I. Did not did not find uh, running around at the end there. So I was like, awesome. And she's like, does it have anything to do with like the Pokemon that you send? And I'm like, no, it's all random. 
but yeah, I'm like, but you can as get some cool shit know, out man. of it. You know, it's all just like that's what I'm saying because I just like I just caught one right there and just threw it up in the internet and then it came back and yeah. And but that's it was, how it was I really played fun. it. I yeah. played it in um, you know, I was collecting a lot of Pokemon. But I'm not in, not in any sort of sense that I'm trying to have a huge Pokedex. Just that you didn't, I, you didn't crazy get crazy about it like I did. No, I just <laughs> kind of wanted crazy. to. I was like, I want everything. I want all of it. <laughs> and that's the way that you're. That's kind of I don't know unofficially. I don't got to catch them all, Pokemon. I guess that officially is the way you're they, supposed they to play. They ingrained it in my brain, I guess, back I in '97 like, or whatever. Saving the, I was like very like um, I was just going through my list. Every time I collect one, I was organizing it. I just got really like spreadsheety about it and was just like, well, now I'm going to have this little spot where all my extras are. And then when I have five or six accumulated bonus Pokemon that I don't want, then I'm going to send those all off. And I'm going to keep doing the surprise trade until all of them are Pokemon I don't have yet and then keep going. So it's just sort of like a mode I would go into as i was playing and you know now we're going to surprise trade mode because we have x amount of uh, extra pokemon and so i was doing that and just that sort of pattern was really working well for me as i went from place to place like if i wasn't strong enough to beat a trainer i would just go back like one i would just like start exploring the area collect pokemon which is probably what you're supposed to do anyway but then i would do the surprise trades and um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was it had a compelling story. It was a it was a darker story than I've seen. Really, in, really uh, good story. I thought it's only the second Pokemon game I've beat, and I beat it well, was. I, think I did it really fourth, fast. Maybe, like I, I didn't want to stop. Yeah. I just wanted to keep playing it. I just wanted to see what would happen next, and the story was compelling enough that it held my attention. And that's awesome. Like it was not what I expected at all for a game that was getting so universally panned for its bugginess and just sort of kind of i think kind of dunking on a high-end publisher who was kind of seemed like might have been duping their their consumers a little bit by giving this inferior product to them but i don't know i was able to overlook that i mean maybe partially because i got it as a gift but i just i think they were i think they were eventually looked past all that and had a great time with it i think they were kind of overworked too is what it seemed like i don't know i believe it but i mean but i mean most of what i read from like the reviews is like this is and we mentioned it on our episode when we talked about it with dylan it was like uh and jeremy even put it in the title it's like a masterpiece below tech difficulties you know there's like there's obviously a 10 game beneath all of this and a diamond in the rough i think it might yeah say. yeah we'll, we'll get there eventually but no it's like and it's and it's our it's an rpg it doesn't necessarily have to be like you know it's not you don't have to be like i don't know it's for me it's fine i mean you're just you're just hitting buttons you know <laughs> you just being, yeah. sm- being i think smart if it about were it. if it was an action I mean, game yeah episode, probably wouldn't yeah. work or something you if know, it were an indie game Somehow, I don't know how they would get anyone to play a game like this indie that had all new creatures or whatever that they would have to do. But mechanics wise, I still think people would have been impressed with it on the level of something like um, Stardew Valley, where I think it's got a lot of really great elements of previous games I played and they put it all together. But I don't know. Well, Stardew Valley is not a great comparison. I guess I just sort of like because that's one person. A perfection of doing it much better a lot than of other Game elements, Freak. in my yeah. opinion. The only thing that was missing was Ed being able to just catch the Pokemon by creeping up on them. Man, I wish they would have kept that in there. Well, I mean, somebody's going to mention that later on their list, and that person is me. So uh, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, number four, Pokemon Violet. And Ed Sheeran, just get to the end so they can force that <laughs> song on you. 
<laughs> well, are you ready for me for my number four? Go for it. All right. Well, let's keep talking about Pokemon because my number four is Arceus. Oh, there it is. Yeah. So I, I think that's where we're at. We're we're at a we're at a <laughs> bit of a, a flippy floppy here. We are we are, a, we are in a, we are in a, we are we maybe at an absolute flippy floppy here. Uh, coin term by Jeremy on Nintendo Main. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Arceus. Well, and we talked about this on our uh, on our spoiler cast, of course. But I was like, that this is the real question: is what is going to be higher on our list, uh, Arceus or? violet or violet violet scarlet how crazy that just a few years ago people were like fuck you nintendo just make a pokemon game on the newest system or whatever they were saying it at nintendo obviously they need to say it to uh well they probably but whatever they probably wanted it on console (laughs) right and not and not handheld because well people always wanted it on console yeah yeah give us pokemon console and of course there were like spinoffs and stuff that were on console but never like a true mainline pokemon game so the first one to do and, that, and Pokemon Coliseum. Pokemon Coliseum does not look better than all of the Pokemon Switch games. Stop saying that, Twitter and Facebook and whatever. <laughs> you you, you shitty comment second section. Seriously, I like the GameCube that, game but... looks better. No, it doesn't. You ever played it? It's not great. But how crazy that you know we got Sword and Shield. We're like, yeah, of course they're going to do that because now Nintendo is portable and console at the same time. That's where they are now, and Pokemon's a Nintendo. But just how crazy is it that we got two Pokemon in one huge year. Book, Pokemon book, book open world bookended practically the beginning and the end yeah. of the year, and we're then they're actually competing for each other on our list. I mean, that really was what it all comes down to. Like Game Freak's like Nintendo mains list. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be important. I, I did think long and hard about this. I really did. But I mean, yes, the, I think the story is better on on Pokemon, on Pokemon Scarlet Violet, but. I th- I felt like Arceus was so good, like, and even like ver like as far as it it runs so much better than that does as well. But that's not even part of it. Uh, just just the fact that um, I liked the way you could create the Pokedex, like just by actually actually doing things with the Pokemon and seeing them do certain moves and how the Pokemon could attack you, the actual character mm-hmm. in the world. Like that was a major thing. And as you were saying, being able to catch them without actually being in a battle. That was big as well. And it's also like uh, you can choose when you evolve. It's not automatically going to be evolved. It's just going to be like – it's like evolution is available, but you choose whenever you do it. Or like you can you can basically choose, move your moves around and you can decide which one you want to have in there, which is actually available in Scarlet and Violet as well. Just wanted to mention that, that you can do that in both games. But it was just uh, – I don't know. I just loved the idea of just like let's go back to the beginning where we don't have, know any Pokemon. And I would love to see a Pokemon Legends 2 – where we go to like this world where we don't know any Pokemon and it's just all new Pokemon. And we go to like black and white, but we make it like legends black and white or something. Well, I mean, maybe not necessarily black and white, but just like, I mean, why I say black and white, is just like having all new Pokemon. Like just bring us to a world where we go back in time and we don't know any of them. It's just like, oh shit, everything is new. And we're trying to figure out the Pokedex and all that. And I just love the way it worked. Like the way, and I think between the two of them, I think Arceus looks better between both of them as well i think arceus does look better and i'll agree with you and in fact in a lot of ways arceus is better but the reason why i had to draw the line in the sand and and you know you also gotta i'm I'm going to you know say maybe johansson's more or sorry scarlet's more (laughs) like recent in my mind i mean very recent is it my fault (laughs) in my mind and so maybe that affects it because i haven't played arceus since like february in fact i was looking at my uh play history getting ready for this episode and 
kind of going through my stuff and I still it's still on my switch. I haven't deleted it. Don't. But uh it's good. I'll tell you why Arceus went was is below. I mean, obviously at this point. It's because it it's because it um had a point where I it I hit a brick wall. You had to get all the little purpley guys. It's like that's just so dumb and busy worky. I hated and that. I don't want to do it, and and then I stopped. But that, but that was po- that. but that was post game. That that was that was after credits. Oh, then I did beat the game. Never mind. Yeah. I thought you beat. The I can't. Game. I can't remember. It was so long ago. Oh, so I, I did. I did get to post game, but I, uh, I, I thought you beat it. I mean, well, the 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 um the purple fire thing is uh is what you have to do to complete the Pokedex, which I didn't do because I couldn't find all the Purple Fires, unfortunately. Because I love the game. I played it 107 hours, and I looked all over for those fucking Purple Fires, and I could not find them all. And this one is like 200-something Pokedex, and I'm like, finally, let me have one complete Pokedex because I've never had one in any of the Pokemons, and I still haven't gotten it. But I thought I might get it for this one because it's like the beginning of all of it or whatever. But that was why, because it got down to a point where it was just like, it this was just feels it, it like was busy annoying work. Yeah, Whereas I never felt that way in in uh, Scarlet. I felt like I could always go to if if I hit a if I hit a roadblock here, I can go because they give you three. You know, you're essentially doing three different sets of goals simultaneously, and you can kind of move from track to track. Is how it works. So I would just move to another track, and then I would focus on that. And I liked that it gave me those options. And therefore, I never hit a brick wall where I'm like, I don't want to keep playing anymore. And I just kind of felt that way about Arceus. Just at a certain point, I was like, I don't want to do the busy work of just going around and looking for the the purples. Once you you finish your history class in in, uh, Scarlet and you have to look for the legendaries... Uh, it's very similar to the purple fires. You just have to That's find. You have to find the stakes also, in the ground, which I was like, "Oh God, no, not the purple fire!" No, it was very similar. I thought, and I so didn't maybe get, I'm I, misremembering. I didn't like, get all of them. Like I said, I thought I never beat Arceus, but I did get to a point where they were like, "Tell me, I had to get all the purples." See, I I need to go back and check it. But I thought I, 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 I thought I, I think it. my opinion stands though. I think I really just liked. I just liked Scarlet better. I think the overall feeling of it and the and the and the like I said the different sets of goals that were going on simultaneously and the kind of the eloquence of the of the finding the pokey centers and those also being like the waypoints and stuff like sure yeah everything about it was just really nice and i i just thought it was a really well put together game and arceus seems like i mean it, it's it's a, it's meant to be like a prequel you know yeah. it seems like it's got more that it could do and I would really like. I don't know why they need they to combine them for the next. Yeah, why? One. Do, why can't I just? Because they're both. They're both. They're both very good. They're both very good games. Yeah. I just. I was trying to. Yeah. I was trying to put all the like positive and negatives together, and mm-hmm. I think. I think Arceus just had more positives than. Uh, and I loved. And I love Violet. Obviously, it's in my top five. But but Arceus was Arceus was like really hit me. Really hit me hard. I put almost 107 hours into it. Like like over twice the time of Violet, so yeah, it was uh, yeah, I loved I fucking love that game, and I loved all the new mechanics they brought into it. I, I know the story's much better in Violet, but I think between the two of them, I think the Violet, the mechanics. I put more were time in Arceus. In Arceus, well, so that is worth noting. Um, I think a lot of that was just walking around, enjoying that catching mechanic, and and don't forget about uh, the Alpha. We didn't mention the Alpha Pokemon. Love the Alphas. I tried to buy. I tried to find all of them. The giant. Remember the giant. Ones? Oh right, yeah. 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 Well, and I also like that it um, it kind of taught me, like it got me ready for Elden Ring, <laughs> where I was creeping around 
It did kind of. It's, it's the exact same like mechanic and Eldering. That's why like, you dropped out. Ring. Yeah, it was because of Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. So that's why you dropped out of Arceus. That's probably true. And we were non. We were non-domain for multiple episodes. Anyway, that's a. Oh wait, what you were saying is that? Do you have anything? To that say was about my Arceus? number four, and yeah, I don't know. I don't need to say too much more about Arceus. I mean, it's a great game. It just when it comes to the Pokemon War this year, I feel like the buggier one won, in my opinion. Sure. I was really curious as to where we would stand on that. And now I know. And the rest of my list is pretty much all, all things we've already talked Same. about. So it's going to be quick. So what do you have, John? My number four is actually a tie between Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Arceus. No, I'm just kidding. It's split two and three. <laughs> there it is. So, all right. So, so let me just make sure and make note here. So Jeremy had Splatoon 3 at number five. And John yes. has Splatoon 3 at number four, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. All right. I should have. I mean... If only you could bet on your own podcast and what the game of the year might end up between the three of you. I feel like maybe you a, could uh, make some money off of it. Conflict of interest there. What do you mean? Well, we would all be betting against each other, so I think I you'd be like people could... cellmates with Yuji no, Naka if you did that. No, I don't. I don't yeah, want to bet. Exactly. I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not betting against you. I'm just imagining that we had a giant uh, following and popularity, and I could be like. <laughs> Actually, yes, I would be. No, you're right. I would be insider trading, and they would take me to jail. Yes, <laughs> which made Sonic better. So that's you know, like I said, I mean, Sonic Frontiers. Maybe it wasn't great. So maybe it's maybe better it wasn't that he Yoshi's went to jail. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I, I am an insider trader. It was anyway, Sonic don't don't time. listen don't listen to me anymore. All right, what what are we on? Number three. <laughs> Number three, Splatoon 3. That's me. Uh, yes, uh, three and three together. Splatoon 3 is a great game. I talked about it a bunch earlier. Number three. I'm a, I thought you were going to have it higher. I'm a little surprised. Aren't, well, number three be for two? me. Well, I think you know what two is. <laughs> you already know what number three is going to be for me, and it is where we flippity flappityed oh, that's, uh, a little bit on our Pokemans. Oh, that's Scarlet? Yeah, Pokemon's Scarlet is number three. Speeding right along like a turtle is Ninja Turtles The Cowabunga Collection. Oh wow! You put it up three, okay. Number three, yep. Uh, you know, going between Shredder's Revenge and, and this, you know, uh, I, I I just gave this one the edge because again that that factor of I never thought this would happen. It just never even crossed my mind that this was a possibility. We'd get a whole collection of Ninja Turtles games. It's a random, you know, relative you know license. This doesn't happen for this kind of thing. It happens for you know may, maybe you know once in a while we get like the Zelda disc or whatever, you know, but. Ninja Turtles, it's not even like a, a video game license, quote unquote. But here it is. We got all of these Ninja Turtles games in one collection. And it was that just pure uh, uh, unlikeliness factor that gave it the edge for me. We never thought it would have happened. I mean, I would have right. I would have told you it wouldn't have happened, like having all the 
yeah, having all those licenses together and having Konami like go along with it, like yeah, right, it's amazing they did. And that. Nickelodeon, as you said, because that's a new to, yeah, because it's a new property, right? Yeah, yeah. And then have it be a standard setter as far as these collections to boot. I mean, yeah, number three. All right, two, right? Um, number two is a little game called Pokemon Arceus. We already talked about it. That's my number two. Wow, it's way up there for you. Put 170, 107 hours into it, and I did beat it. Hey, I, I, like I said, I really I really thought long and hard about Pokemon Arceus versus Violet Scarlet, and I was like, I just loved Pokemon Arceus. I mean, I put over 100 hours into it, like I said, and it was the first time I had played a Pokemon for that long, and I had a fucking blast with it. I mentioned all the things, you know, you can catch them outside of whatever alphas, blah, blah, blah. And it's, catch and, me outside, how about that? And it looks better. And it still looks better than Violet and Scarlet. Violet and Scarlet has a better story, but I still, I still love Arceus better. My number two is going to sound very familiar. It's called Shredder's Revenge. This game was so good. It's my number two. It's, it's a game that I feel is even more. Speaking of flippy. Absurd than the Cowboy <laughs> Collection because it's a brand new Ninja Turtles game in 2022. Sure. Speaking of flippy floppy here, if I was taking bets, I would have actually bet on John having Shredder's Revenge higher than Jeremy. So there's a flippity flop right there that I did not expect. So just this is a real like, piece of a game. Just a wonderful, I think, one for the ages. I believe it. I agree. I, you know, this is like, I don't know. I think this, this might be the most surprising top 10 list that we've ever created like that has often been like a clear number one and uh it's just like it's not it's not happening you know i'm on my on the edge of my seat i want to see what number one is um i don't I mean, know we probably figured it i out think it's now. still the one that i predicted it was going to be before we recorded this but we will talk uh, about for who or for it. oh for for the total podcast. for the total yeah. oh yeah i know what it's going to be already i mean if you've listened to and edited these podcasts for a certain amount of years, <laughs> you understand the way things fall. That's all I'm saying. Are you understand well, the way to try to figure things out? That's what I'm saying. Well, so uh, another unlikely story here is, uh, I guess, 2022's comeback kid, Atari. Atari 50. I'm putting it at all number the way two. up there. At number two. All the way up there. I thought, yeah. it would, wow. I, th- I thought it would be high for John, but I wasn't sure exactly. I didn't know it was that high. But you know yeah. what? What you're telling me about your family, your experience with your yes. family, yeah. and all Absolutely. your like kind of like and you were at- history with classic games and classic computers and stuff. All of that. All of that. Yep. And Jeremy had it at number 10, right? Was it 10, 10 right at the beginning? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it just. You know, it was that shock of like, okay, Ninja Turtles is the standard bear. Cowabunga Collection is going to be the standard bear for years to come now. And then like two months later, Atari just like blew that that already amazing collection out of the water. And yeah, I've, I've said enough about it. But uh, yeah, it's number two. It's what, a, what, a, what a package this Atari collection is. And what a nice little boost for Atari games that everyone keeps forgetting about. Right. And now what do they do? I mean, that's like the best thing they could ever put out. Like, what do they got left? Guess they're going to have to make some new games now. I hope people keep homebrewing them. I mean, they will. Because I, th- I feel like homebrews have a lot to do with why we have the bonus games on the... Like, if they did a sequel to this, and, you know, this was the the proof of concept to, uh, you know, if they went to Activision or whatever, it was like, hey, can we uh, do, like, Pitfall and stuff like that? You know what I mean? Like, let's do a part two and make it better. I mean, this is great, but it could be better. You could put more stuff. You could even just make like an update, do an Atari 50 first, and it'd be an update to this and add a bunch of new shit to it if they could. 
but I don't know if that's how they would handle it. But I think this some is DLC absolutely for this. Uh, just. This is absolutely. It. it could be. A, all right, I'm going. I'm going out on a limb here, and I'm maybe I'm being a little absurd, but it could almost be a, a pay to play kind of scenario where not pay to play, but you know what I mean, like games as a service. There service, we go. Yep. That's what I meant to say. Like just this pipeline into Atari, because there's a lot. There's got to be so much more that we don't know. Are we? At, we're at number one now, right? We're at number we're one. At number right? One. Did we do all our twos? So just remind me where everybody had Tunic at on their lists. I, I had, had Tunic at, at number six. You had it at six, and I had it at five. Where was it at for you, John? Eight. Eight. Okay. I'm trying to like uh, do these numbers quickly so we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on them at the end. Just trying to see like where we're at for uh, who has the most votes, that sort of thing. I think my prediction is still running true here. So I go first, right? Yep. Of course. So what is my number one game of the year? It's pretty Xenoblade Chronicles three. Three. There you go. Xenoblade Chronicles three, yeah. Uh yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles three was a goddamn good game. Like holy shit. I actually I same instance when I was at my sister's house, I talked Wait, to you my you beat it? No, I did not beat it. Oh, okay. I didn't beat it. You know what? Um I didn't beat it, and I, this actually kind of thought made me reminded me of when John first came on Nintendo Main, and we talked about Twilight Princess, and John talked about how he loved Twilight Princess so much that he did not want to beat it, and that's yep. kind of sort of how I feel about Xenoblade Chronicles Three. It's so good that I kind of don't want it to end ever. It's just it it it's like this. Uh, I don't know. It's like the rainy day game. It's like uh like my favorite my favorite comic book of all time is Fantastic Four. Uh, on uh, Marvel Unlimited, the app, I read a bunch of comics, but I save the Fantastic Four ones for when I'm in a bad mood or something, and I need to read something great. And that's kind of how I was on Xenoblade Chronicles Three. It's I, like a comfort food. I, for I you, save it right? for I save it for when I want to play something amazing. And actually, I wanted to because Xenoblade Chronicles Three is probably like 200 hours long, which is not a detriment to that. I think that they've made every part of it incredible, and I feel like I will probably play it for a full 200 hours because all the characters are very interesting and all the side missions are incredibly interesting as well. It's just the fact that I realize that if I just play that, I'm not going to be able to play these other ones that I want to have a place in the in the list. So that's why I went out of my way to try to finish Sonic Frontiers and Dragon Quest Treasures, and also I had loved the shit out of both those games. But yeah, no, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, like, there's just no... There's just no, there's no saying that, I mean, I could, there's, I could not say that anything was better than it. Like, no fucking way. It looks great. It's monolith, like, did a fucking badass job. This is the pinnacle of the series. Like, say whatever you say about, want to say about one, say whatever you want to say about two, but three had everything, and it all fucking came together. The stories were great, like, the battle mechanics were great. Just the fact that you could recruit people as classes, that you could, like, become them, I thought that was fucking brilliant. I was like, because there's too many RPGs where you, and and Final Fantasy VI does this as well, where you recruit too many fucking characters and you have to juggle all of them and you have to have them all at certain levels at certain times. This one is like, what if we recruited like 30 characters, but you could just become the characters as your four characters that you already have there? Like that was genius, I thought, for that sort of thing. And I said, it looks fucking gorgeous. Probably one of the best looking games on Switch. The soundtrack is amazing. Uh, you know, uh, Yasunori Mitsuda is on there from uh, from, uh, from Chrono Trigger and Mario Party 1 as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the soundtrack's incredible. The story is great. I was just, uh, yeah, I was just trying to explain it to my niece, like, uh, over lunch, like, while we were grabbing sandwiches or whatever. I was like, 
It's like it's like, I'm like it's like Blade Runner. It's just like you, you're just a you're a, you're a you're a character that's that's built for war, and you die after ten years, and basically your soul gets crushed so it can give life to a mech. And I'm trying to explain this ridiculous story, but it's so good. And yeah, she's like they get grown, right? And I'm like, yeah, they're not born real. It's like and yeah, there's a whole chapter about how uh, how babies are born, which they talk about it all the time on Axe of the Blood God, and I love it. But yeah, <laughs> I was watch I was listening to the Game of the Year episode. And Kat was really trying to rally everybody. She's like, "Just can we just not make this all a Xenoblade Chronicles three episode, please?" You know, because yeah, because it's a fucking great game. <laughs> and they just they kept talking about it. Yeah, no, it's so good. It was just it just hit that. I'm just saying, there's no way I could say anything was better than that this year. Like no fucking way. I was just like, this they they did it. Like Monolith, you did it. You made it. You and made they are the powerhouse. You made when the it comes you made the best Xenoblade game that has ever existed. Three dimensional maps on the Nintendo Switch. Console. Yeah. And but they, I mean, but they made like everything just everything fit together finally. Like incredible story, incredible characters, like incredible side missions. Like I, I gave a shit about everything in this game. I gave a shit all the clans. I gave a shit about all the different characters that you get and like your and your classes that you can do and all of this. And I want to max everything out. And I want to do everything in this fucking game. And when you come back to it, it's just like here are all your friends. Here are your best friends on the Switch right here. They're ready for you. They want to talk about how this. Battle wasn't meteor, meaty enough or whatever. You hear those same lines that you hear after every battle, but you still love it because the voice acting is so good and the characters are so good. And you what were some of the improvements from three over two and one? Okay, well, uh, well, all right. So um, there's that. I mean, this. So there's there's different things. Uh, one one thing that's really so. All right. So you have the. So you have a what like um you have like six different characters right in Xenoblade Chronicles three. Uh, three of them. The way their battle system works is based off of Xenoblade One, and the other three, their battle system is based off of Xenoblade Two. So, like you have, and you can f- and switch between the different classes have to do with two and three. Um, I think two. The problem with two was there were too many blades. They had this gotcha mechanic where you had to like you know it was like you have to randomly unlock these blades, and you didn't have to pay extra for it, but it was still really annoying because. When you went to every like side mission, your blade had to have this certain level of ability to go to the next thing, and that was really annoying. That was the problem with Xenoblade Two, but thankfully they took all of that out of there. Uh, and I, I mean, I loved I loved the shit out of One, but I feel like the battle system was a little too simple versus Two and Three. So Three took the complexity of Xenoblade Chronicles Two into Three and got rid of the blades, which were the bad things of Xenoblade Chronicles Two, and just made it like I said, bringing the new people into your party, which become classes that where you become like them. So you don't actually have to, they get into your party, but you, you just, you can attack the way that they attack. Does that, it's like you absorb their does abilities that explain rather it enough? than <laughs> add them as an additional party member. Is that a good enough, uh, rambling of Xenoblade? I don't know. Between the two Part of them. For someone who hasn't played it. Yeah. No, Xenoblade Chronicles. I mean, for me, I, I, this Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is so convoluted. Like I did sort of kind of figure out the battle system at a certain point, but like that game's just been sitting on on my switch. I and X. I never finished X and I think I also have the first one that was released on Switch. It's like these games just overwhelm me, but I know if I put my mind to it, I could probably really get into it. I think that I think that that three that you might get into three. I mean the reason that I would recommend three to everyone and anyone is just the fact that I think the story is really, really good. Like I said, and the missions are really, really good. And just the whole world, I found incredibly interesting. 
And just the fact that you're a flute player that releases the souls of dead people and you go around and you find dead bodies and you play your flute next to them and watch their soul rise up to the heavens or whatever. It's like, I'm like, yeah, this shit is good. You're like, like Grim Reaper Lizzo. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, you're the flautist that takes the. I mean, but it, but at the same time, it pulls your emotions out of yourself while you're watching it. I think I put it in my notes where uh, where uh, chapter four, and I said it before in this podcast, but I wanted to say it again. It's gonna kick your heart in the nuts, and then you're really <laughs> gonna feel it at the end of chapter four. Like I was like, I mean, I'm not one to cry on video games, so I was about to cry on this one. Like seriously, I was like, fuck, yeah, all right. I'm here with I'm here with all of you. And my and I was yeah I wanted to beat my plan was to beat uh beat Sonic Frontiers beat Dragon Quest Treasures beat Shin Chan and then once I get done with all of the editing and all of this at the end of the year I'm just gonna play Xenoblade Chronicles three that was my plan and I'll hopefully so beat you, it like, by the end of next year. Put yourself out to pasture <laughs> once you're done with all the editing and stuff. Yeah, and know. also my and also I was gonna buy myself uh buy uh, uh the uh, Biohazard Resident Evil seven was also a thing I was going to buy for myself after I, got through, after I got through all the editing. But that'll be something we talk about next week. But you know, yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, really fucking good-ass game. And it's a shame that the Game Awards didn't say anything about it. But you know what? The Game Awards are dumb. So who knows? I, what, thought, who they, knows they I thought it was nominated. Was it, it was nominated, nominated, but didn't win anything. But, so that, but that flute player really hit it when they were two in the... I don't know. If you listen to, if you listen to video game podcasts, people are going to talk about it because it's a very, very good game done very very well on the system monolith knows how to do shit and they will be work and they will be the ones who do uh tears of the kingdom as well so when you play zelda just remember that breath of the wild would not have been as good as it was if it wasn't for xenoblade chronicles x on wii u which is the truth xenoblade chronicles x means a lot more than you think sorry yeah number one i would have never thought that my number one game would be a game i played for the first time in the last few weeks of the year and i would have even said that a month and a half ago, I would have been like, is there going to be a game? And then I would have assumed it would have been Pokemon. But my number one game, and, and it's it came out last year, and I think it actually won a bunch of awards and stuff last year. But I, I kind of stayed you know, ignorant of it. I didn't really like look into it, and it didn't seem like my cup of tea. But thank you to John. See, a lot of these games like, oh, I know what your number due, one due is. Due to your y'all's <laughs> generosity, but inscription is my game of the year i forgot on about that one damn yeah inscription no, you, is you the best game i've game. played in a really long time and i and i know like i say that sometimes like it's 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 there's games that just like scratch different itches there's games that feel a certain way but for me inscription that it was like what i was saying earlier about um shredder's revenge which was my number two a game where i immediately want to start playing it again i have beat this game three times in a row 70, i just keep playing it 70, i just keep playing it hours. i can't stop playing it it's so fun yeah, it's you, so fun i love this game so much he put 70 hours into it like very quickly that's i can't I'm, stop playing it when did it's you buy so it? good like three weeks ago um i thought it was like two i mean maybe. it was closer to my birthday so it's been it's been a few weeks i've had it for a few weeks but um it's a card-based game and i don't know i don't want to like i could get into it i guess whatever who cares the game came out last year well, for, a, for, a, for like Steam, right? Well, it came out early last year. I think in like February or March, it came out for yeah. Steam. And then it came out for uh, like PS5 and other consoles. I think PS4 even. Like it came out for most consoles like fall of last year or whatever. It was almost a, a full year before the Switch version came out. So it, it kind of like fell off the radar. And I've, I had heard people talking about it on podcasts and stuff last year. But 
I don't know. It was one of those games kind of like Disco Elysium where it's like, I hear about it, but whenever it's available to me, then I'll actually start like paying attention to this. And knowing it was a card-based game, I was just like, well, you know, this is going to be like Slay the Spire. Like, I like Slay the Spire. I have it. And I put a few hours into it, but it never really just like gripped me, you know. And then going even further back, if I'm going to talk about card-based games, I got to go all the way back to Bite and Kaidos. <laughs> Bite and Kaidos, yeah. <laughs> I never would have thought I would have loved that game, but every once in a while, I God guess. God damn it, Monolith, do... bring it back, please. <laughs> I ha- It is. It's going back to Monolith, for real. Uh, if, there's something about card-based games that intimidate me, but this time around, like as I started playing it, and just the, between the presentation of it, you know, you're literally trapped in a game, and, and, and uh, you know, this was made by the same person who made Monk- uh, Monkey Island. Not Monkey Island. Uh, Pony Island. Pony Island. A game that I talked about real early on in the podcast. Just a, a total mindfuck of a, a video game that just, you know, like at the time, I just, I didn't know a game could be that way where and I think I mentioned it on the show where like at one point it had like, since I was playing it through steam, like it had my friend Dan texting me through steam, messaging me through steam. Well, I mean, doesn't like, uh, no spoilers. Just doesn't inscription kind of do that too. Cause, uh, inscription does a lot of that stuff. Friend, so I wasn't friend of the show, Hutch, surprised. like surprised. All of a sudden John and I were in inscription. Did you have that as well? Like where they pulled your friends. It wasn't like what, what Hutch did. Hutch made uh, custom cards to get it to where the battles would happen, which is part of the gameplay. But when it comes to like the actual, like infiltration of uh, people from the real world, so to speak, this game, like a big part of this game is it's an old floppy disk and the, 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 the evil force or whatever behind it wants to get this game back online to where it can access the internet. Cause then it's going to like fuck everybody up. And so you don't get the weird, mindfuck stuff as far as that's concerned until really close to the end of the game when you get the internet back but that's just part of the whole thing like this game is like a combination of um you know obviously a card game but it's also a horror game it's also a souls like at a certain point it's also like an adventure game and it's also in a lot of ways it's like an old um like snatcher or like you know those old uh video ga- based games like, why am i not a story game no, the games. The, it's like an the, FMV game too, right? Like graphical like FMV games. There we go. FMV yeah. games. Yeah, it's FMV game as well. Yes, there's a lot of FMV in this that's kind of woven into the story that you're kind of unlocking as you go, and it's unlocking the the guy who discovered the disc and like his he was a he was a YouTuber or VTuber, I guess they call it specifically because he doesn't mention YouTube for copyright reasons. Oh, because well, I, well, I, he's I a guy know. that busts packs open, busts trading card packs open that's just that's a whole genre that's on twitch and stuff like people do that and uh he finds these old packs of cards at a garage sale and he kind of sort of remembers them from way back in the day but they're super rare he opens them and it just it starts this whole process of the whole game is like super fourth wall breaking where you are trapped in the game and you're being held here but the initial villain ends up being your friend eventually kind of glados style because there's an even more vile villain that's trying to like take over. And so you end up finding out there's multiple vil- like multiple entities within this game that are all trying to vie for control of it. And they all like when you fight them, they all are card based and the rules are the same, but just slightly varied. Like 
and then their their cards will look completely different and their play fields will look different and the rules will just be slightly different for each of them and you sort of start to realize they're all like vying to be like the boss of the game and they're all like kind of competing with each other and they're all like enemies so you kind of end up kind of playing them against each other to an extent like i don't like it's not like super complicated but anyway it's just the game like at one point you're like you beat the first guy and then it like crashes you could never even select new game at the beginning you have to continue because you're like continuing from whoever died last in the game and uh all of a sudden like you beat the first boss which is totally a roguelike like you lose you start everything all over again like it's like a roguelite but the whole first section of the game is pretty hard to get through but once you get through that it turns into a whole other game where you're actually building a deck you're actually going to able to go out and like earn money and buy new cards and customize your deck and all this and it's super fun very reminiscent of like pokemon trading card game but you know within its own set of rules but it kind of has the same sort of overhead view and very old school like game boy color style graphics and stuff then it just i don't know i don't want to ruin too much but you eventually like find out who the real boss is and then that's where stuff gets really fucky and the end of the game is not great in the sense that it's not good it's not a happy ending but it's still a satisfying ending but i immediately was like what if i did this differently and this differently and so i immediately started playing it again and yeah you also unlock like a an, an almost like Hades style version of the game called casey's mod which is one of the people that died during the development of the game the original game she had like a mod that you unlock and it's like you can go in and you can like tweak the settings to make it harder and then you get higher rewards kind of like the way hades is like post game and so it just adds this whole element and i don't even know it's like i said like each of the bosses you fight is like they're a cheesier version of the boss before where they're trying to be better like they're trying to compete so they're adding these extra elements but in a way some there's a boss you fight where like the elements they add like just keep making you stronger where it's easier to defeat them and um, it's like they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot by trying to make a better game than the other one you know what i mean it's hard to explain otherwise like it's just a, a total mind fuck of a game but it's still ultimately a really solid card-based game that's a lot of fun and i think about it sometimes when i'm laying in bed or whatever I'm just like, <laughs> what if i put this card here and it moved here and each card has all these different sigils and or you can create custom cards it's all set up like a tabletop rpg but then it turns into something else but then it kind of turns back into that but it also turns into like a souls like at the end i don't know i i just want to keep playing it i actually wish it was a real card game to yeah be honest. like i want to play this card game with people so i guess between this and splatoon 3 i actually did get into some card games this year oh yeah this is my easily game i went here. through everything easily that my favorite game that came out on switch this year like I kind of wanted to start playing it as soon as we were done recording, you know. If you had to name the genre, what would you call this genre? I don't think it has one. It's a card. It's a card-based game. I mean, it's a card game with ele- like additional elements. I would say they just they they change up the way the card game works, but ultimately, it's fundamentally Still mostly the same from uh, from yeah thing to thing. It's just there's only one part of the game where you can actually customize your deck, like fully where you can actually build it and um i would love if there was an entire game just based off that part because that was where i had the most fun i've read some reviews after finishing it and a lot of people 
feel the opposite of me where they think that's a weaker part of it. But I really liked that section where you could go around, buy packs from the, the vendors and build your custom deck to like combat the weaknesses specifically because there's all these different card types that some are stronger against others. And one of the big things about this game is you have to sacrifice the cards you've already played to play new cards and they give you different denominations and there's different cards that use different types of energy to be able to activate. So you're it's always just kind of a, a give and take and it's fun. It's a good game. I highly recommend it. It's cheap. I think it's 20 bucks. Yeah. And it's the best game that came out on the Switch, in my opinion, this year. It's definitely on my list. Uh, it only, uh, speaking of earlier, like when you're talking about the releases, it only came out on uh, PC last year, but uh, it uh, PS4 and 5 was just a couple months before Switch. Oh, okay. And, uh, and Mac and Linux was a little bit before that as well. So it only released in one place last year. So it is very much a 2022 game and all that. So, yeah. No, I, I figured I, I, I figured it was going to be high on your list, but I didn't expect it to be this high on there. Honestly, I wasn't really sure on what, what, what your list would be. But, yeah, no, I definitely want to play it. It's just, like I said, this whole year, too many games. It would be a, it would be a fantastic podcast game. You just got to be careful because, like, it breaks the fourth wall at certain points where you kind of want the audio on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, sure, the yeah. guy will, like, talk or... Different things happen that kind of pull you out of the game where you're like, wait, what? Like, and that's what's kind of really charming about it. And the, um, whatever, the DM is a vlogger, not a VTuber, right? Like a video logger? Yeah, a vlogger. A VTuber is like someone who's like, um, VTuber like is has the, a is character the, is as the, their, yeah. <laughs> it's the CGI character. Yeah. They use like an avatar. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. It's a, it's a vlogger. I just, I was just looking at the release date on Wikipedia and it said vlogger. But yeah. No, I definitely want to check it out. It's just, I felt like December was just like, Let's just rain like 10 extra games on here that are really great. Like just at the very end, I'm like, ah, oh. and I bought a couple, I bought, bought a couple. I bought I this game it. on a whim and I just, I booted it up and I just couldn't stop playing it. That's all I wanted to play. Hopefully next week we'll talk about sports story. It wasn't on your list, but we'll talk about it next week. Well, I've barely played that, but I do. Oh. Own it. I heard it was bad or I heard it, whatever. It crashed a lot. What's your number one, John? Well, I've said it before and even throughout this episode that the switch is the best console for beat-em-ups and now you can throw an absolute masterpiece onto that pile this is sifu oh there you I, go wow cool mention it sifu. number one that's number one for me and this changed within the last couple of days i really dove into it you know i got i got it like a couple couple weeks ago now uh maybe f- three or four weeks ago but i really dove into it in the last two weeks and when i dove in I find I, it just clicked. I got it. Like this is an absolute reinvention of the beat 'em up, and I did not even know that the beat 'em up genre really needed one. You think beat 'em ups, you think like you know simple games. Uh, anybody can pick up and play, button mash, have a good time, and that's fine. This is like something uh, that I, I I just don't think has ever been been done in a beat 'em up before, where you have to actually learn the moves. You have to, and they're not like long, complicated, frustrating strings of buttons. Like sometimes fighting games, I think that's kind of what what doesn't appeal to me about fighting games. Yeah, the combos are too complicated. Yeah, like like the most complicated string of buttons is probably five five buttons or so. But they have, but out of that, uh, you know, possibility of you know two to five different button combinations, they just ring this like plethora of martial arts moves. And when you pull them off, you just know that 
that it worked because you pulled it off just right. You got the timing just right. It's it just the the controls feel so within your control that whenever you pull off this cool move, you know that you did it. And pair that with some of the best animation I, m I might have ever seen in a video game. You can't really look at this fight, the, the fight that you see and go, oh, that's the canned animation for the punch. That's the canned animation for the kick or the throw. It just all looks like a real fight. That's what it all adds up to. That's the, if I had to boil it down to one thing about this game, this game looks the most like a real fight uh, that I've ever seen in a video game. It's, it's like magic. They've pulled it all together. They've, They've pulled off this illusion. Is it like, you're a, just like, like a martial arts kind of like movie yes. fight? Okay. Well, it's like, also, a mar I, I, arts, like I mean, martial arts movie fight. I mean, it's actually about like blocking and stuff, right? And you have to like, yes. you can't just mm -hmm. like come in like fists blazing. Like you have to like wait for them to attack and then like, then block it and do another thing. Like you can't just like, you can't, can't blast you your can't. way through it because it, it won't yeah. work like that. It won't work. In fact, I tried uh, the first couple of times that I played, you know, like any other game. I'll always go in on you know, the normal mode and I don't want to go in on, on easy mode. I like a challenge. I go in on the normal mode. Sure, yeah. Well, I go in on the normal mode and I try it, you know, guns ablaze and button mashing. It doesn't work. I cannot get past the second level. Cannot, cannot do it. And so I reassess. All right. I can't, I can't button mash. Now let me just try, you know, I'll try hard. And to I'll get to, surely, surely I'll beat the second yeah. level. Can't do it. The game really opened up for me when I, went back and said, okay, I'll go to the easy mode. Well, I went to the easy mode, and the easy mode is not called easy mode. It's called student mode, and it's called that for a reason. Teach you. Because yeah. that's where you should start. You're a student. You're learning this game. Just as, like, as if you were learning martial arts. You're, you're, you're not going to come in and be you know, Bruce Lee. You're going to be a student. And so I played through on student mode, and student mode is plenty difficult. It is not easy. Don't confuse this with, e with easy mode. It's, it's just the place where you start. That's what it is. This quote unquote, you know, easy mode is actually like any other games, intermediate to difficult, somewhere in between their kind of mode. I died a lot of times on student mode, but I finally made it through and uh, I felt like, wow, I really, I earned it. And I felt like, okay, I can graduate now to, to the intermediate mode. And from there, you know, I, I did actually do better. I still haven't beat intermediate mode. Um, I think I'm about 75% of the way through. But it's it's really challenging and but not in a frustrating way at all in the way that like oh, i just want to come back i want to do better i want to learn the different combos i want to get it just right and every step along the way every move that you make it's like it's, it's really it's just fun to do you'll always see something new and novel and surprising because of the combination of the the ai which is you know really in, intelligent and you know they these characters almost feel like you know how real people would behave in a fight uh and the combination with with the animation like i'm i'm seeing new animations you know 15 hours in or so however long i've played it i think i played 15 hours uh, yes so at 15 i'm still seeing new animations and it's just oh whoa that's cool you know it's like watching a, you know yes it, it it's the same i think there's eight levels you'll play the same eight levels over and over again but don't Take that to say there's, you know, something like stayed and boring about it. There's something new and novel you're going to see every time, you know, with, you know, whether it's new animations or, you know, characters reacting in unexpected ways. And um, and there's the story. The story is, you know, simple but well told. It's almost the story is basically, basically Kill Bill. You know, you're, you've, you 
as a child, you witness the death of your father and you have a checklist. You want to kill this person, that person, that person, that person. Cool. I'm glad the story is simple because it puts the focus back on the fighting, which is what is awesome about this game. It's, it's just to reiterate, I think the best fighting I've ever seen in any video game and beat 'em ups are among my favorite genre. You mean the story is Lady Snowblood, right? Uh, I'm not I'm not totally familiar with that reference. I know like that that's where he, uh, Tarantino drew drew the Lucy Liu fight. Yeah. The reason I said that is a Kill Bill's remake of Lady Snowblood. That's why I said Okay. There's a direct I mean okay, even the, Kung yeah. Pao is uh the guy avenging his parents' death. So I mean that's No, no, uh, no, I, 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 if you look up Kill Bill on Wikipedia, Kill mm-hmm. Bill is a remake of Lady Snowblood. Also, go along has, with also that, has two movies. They're much better the, than both of those. Sifu, but, yeah. which I'm pretty sure is also drawing from Lady Snowblood. Lady Snowblood's really good. Like it was a seventies yep. Japanese movie. Uh Quentin Tarantino took everything from other movies. But yeah, that was the right. one that he took that from. Right. Regardless though, Sifu looks very, very good. And uh no, I was uh oh, it's I'm very, a must play. very interested in it. And it was uh, it was interesting because it it came out at the beginning of the year on other systems, but then came out towards the end of the year on Switch. Right. So they when did it came make out it, on the other systems. I was yeah. like, oh, I really want to play it, but it'll never come out on Switch. And then it did, and it was just oh, only yes. a few months later. And they're going to add more stuff to it, right? Like they're still updating Correct. it. Yeah, they just announced some DLC yeah. for um, the Xbox version. But then at the end of that little trailer for that uh, DLC. They did include the Switch logo, so sometime it's going to come. What they've created is like it's an arena mode. There's some so updates basically. coming for Switch as well, like a, a editor yep. and all that, where you can like record it and kind of Correct. make your own movie, right? Like that sort where of. We can make your own movie, uh, yep, edit your replays and all that. And, I mean, that's that's like the perfect game for that. It's already cinematic as it is. It just you know, I was wrapping presents the other day, and I was like, oh, I just need to put on something, you know, that I can kind of like check in on, and you know, don't have to follow a story or whatever. I just went to YouTube and I put on playthroughs of Sifu, and I watched those for like three hours. I heard the soundtrack was really good too. Like, yes, yeah, soundtrack is like, fantastic. On. Yeah, yeah, correct. Like yeah. traditional yep. Japanese yep. kind of music, or is it? Yeah, correct. So yeah, it's yeah, like traditional Asian music, and and like it's just very uh, well integrated with the gameplay. You know, it's I forget what the term is, but you know, it, it it drives up at the right moments. I mean, I think it's more Chinese uh, influence because the yep. game took takes oh, okay. place in China. Yep. It's more like a kung fu. Yeah, yeah, you're right. right. So it's like um, the the soundtrack kind of adapts to what the action is. You that's exactly right. Yep. Yeah, was it a the switch up? Like one of my favorite YouTube channels to follow. Like they, yeah, they they talk very highly of the game. I think they got a, gave it a nine out of ten. Like on the the switch version of it and yeah, yeah they talk very highly of the music and 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 they also yeah. they also said as well like how you can't just punch through it like and, they, and you will Cannot get killed do it. in the second chapter if you're not paying attention and that might be a turnoff for some people but you should actually learn the game and then you'll enjoy it much more if you, if you do even when you're right. failing you'll have fun with it though for anybody who's like oh that doesn't sound good to me just the 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 fighting is so satisfying even when you're getting your ass beat it's like it's, you, you wrecked every input that you give. It's it's going to give you something new and surprising and you'll go, oh, I want to learn. Wait, how did I do? If you're, if you're button mashing, you'll pull off some cool stuff. You'll, you'll go, how did I do that? And you'll want to learn how to do it. And you look at the moves and you'll figure out how to do it. Just to, you know, as we've quoted before, like, you know, Miyamoto said the first thing he, he didn't continue some of the long lines he didn't continue with developing super mario 64 until just moving mario around was fun and i can say that just moving your character around is fun just you know the basic thing 
getting into fights, even losing, even getting your ass beat and thrown across the room. It's all fun. You're going to feel like you're watching an amazing action movie and you're not only watching it, but participating in it. In it. Uh, yeah, I, I can cap it off by saying it's it's the best beat-em-up that I have ever played. And I love beat-em-ups. Dang. So We've had two people that. say they've played their best beat-em-up. So. Yep. Yeah. I need to try Sifu. You need to try Sifu. I want to. Like I said, too many games in 2023 is going to be even crazier. It's a $40 game, right? $40 game, I would be happy paying 60 for it. I felt the I same see, way. I can see why they, they priced it at 40 because some folks might be hesitant. Oh, it's only, I, I think there's eight levels. Well because, it's, well, because it's like a later release or something. I felt the same way about yeah. Frontiers. I was like, I got it for 30 but I pay, six, I pay 64 but, Okay, so, so another thing I want to say about it, though, is there's the, the roguelike element of it. The game absolutely encourages you to play through again and again, it's built into the the just the mechanics of the whole thing. You you when you die, um, you have this magic talisman that will you revive ages, you. Right. And when you get yeah. revived, you age. And you have like uh, there's like five medallions on this 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 uh, artifact that you have. I think you have like like four or five deaths every four or five deaths. Like. So, so you die, like you, you may age up a year, a year, a year, you do that five times. And, okay. Now you're aging up like two years. You, know, you die a couple of times. Okay. Now you're aging up four years and six all the way until you're 80 years old. And then at that point, if you die, you're, you're, you're gone. And is that game over? Essentially not, not officially it never says game over. I mean, if you are on level three and you're age 72 feasibly, you could play through and have a perfect game all the way From to that the end. Point on. Okay. Yeah, you just like you can't die anymore. It'll never say game over. You'll just have the option to to give up if you want to give up. Well, then you're always starting over at the beginning. Again. Then you start it over, and then you say, okay. But that's that. That's where it plays. It feeds back in and, and like makes you want to get better. Because mm-hmm. because you want to. It was get never game over. It was never I lost. That point. Yeah. Yeah, it was like you you said, okay, I have to give up. I've tried my best. I have to start over. I have to go back, and I have to play through the, these first couple of levels smarter mm-hmm. and more defensively. Yeah, you and be, then, you'll, be then you'll get you better. Gotta, then, gotta get good. And finally, you get there. Now you're going from level three to level four. You've progressed, and now you've seen something new. And because you've seen something new, now you're back into it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a fantastic design. Totally cool. unique to any beat 'em up that I've seen. Personally, I've never. I was played, really like, curious about the the age mechanic exactly how it worked. Yeah, that's how that that's yeah, no, how that I was, works. Yeah, I was really interested in it as well. So you're eventually your character, if you've if you've died too many times and keep being reborn, is just too weak. You have to give up, like you're saying, like yeah, and, and like you'll never like get slower. You know, you'll still be moving like lightning fast at seventy five or whatever. Are you hitting weaker? You'll you'll take more. I believe you take okay. more damage with with yeah. each hit. And I think Which that you can't. Sense. I think also, also you like can't <laughs> take yeah. as much when your body's older.
have like six minutes left on my recording thing, and I'm not going to stop it and put a different card in here sure. or whatever. So we need to wrap well, this up right now. Up. Let's add it up. I, I love this year's list. This is a great list. This is our longest yep, game agree. of the year ever. Uh, so Cowabunga Collection, uh, somebody had it at what? Number two? Number three? Both of you had it had on it your list. What, was, what were your numbers? John had, had it at number eight. three. Where did Jeremy have it? Eight. Eight. Okay. Because I've been taking notes here because I knew that we would have no time when we got to the end here. So I'm just trying to figure out where everything is. So, all right. So I think uh, I think the game that I predicted being the game is the game still. Let's yeah. read it down from 10 to 1. I mean, I, I don't have time to do all the numbers for that. You'll get maybe the top five. Let's just do the top five. Yeah, sorry. I don't have enough time for that. Sure. The number one game, which I figured was going to be the number one game because i knew that all three of us would have it at a high position is splatoon 3 it's number one splatoon number 3 one is the number one uh coming in, in at 20 year. 21 points yep. which has eight six and seven points from the three of us and i mm-hmm. and i me like thinking about what we we're going to do i was like well all of us are going to have splatoon 3 somewhat high in our list so that's going to be the highest one so that's what i thought so I uh, I don't know. Insider trading. Give me some money. I'm kidding. Don't send me to jail. But but yeah, <laughs> that's but, but yeah. I thought that fast. was gonna be it. So yeah, uh, 21 uh, Splatoon three is number one. I think number two is it's actually a tie, an exact tie between between Pokemon Scarlet and Violet and, po- <laughs> and Pokemon Arceus because Jeremy and I had him on the flip sides on both sides. Flippy floppy. And both of those were at 16 points. With uh, number three is a. Uh, Shredder's Revenge coming in at 15 points because John and Jeremy both had it at a high spot there. And uh, under that is, um, so what is that? Number four, uh, Tunic coming in at 14 points. That would be right, yeah. And then I was at number four. So under that for number five is a tie from uh, a few things, actually. Uh, A tie from the Atari collection coming in at 10 points and the tie from all of our number one games. So Sifu, Inscription, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3 all tying for number five. So there you go. That's a good list. Those are the numbers. It's a great there. list. But as far as six through ten, sorry, I'm not going to... I already have to edit this for the next five days, so uh, <laughs> that's... Uh, I, that's I think have. Splatoon 3 is the game of the year for Nintendo main. Makes sense. That's what Makes I sense. thought it was going to be, Well, because I realized that in order to predict these, you have to realize which... Think of which games we're all going to put on our list at a decent mm-hmm. place. Whereas like last year, we all had Metroid at two... And that's why it had the most points. Interesting so that you know none of us had it at number one. What was the highest position for Splatoon three? I put it at three. I think I put three. it the highest. You put the yeah, highest. And I didn't finish the single player. I put it I at three. But I love the multiplayer. I I I mean the single player was whatever. Actually, I like two and one better. But all of our number ones were unique to us, and I like that. Yeah, that's true. This is a great list. Yeah, it's a good list. Yeah, thanks everybody for listening for this long. I do want to. I think I have like two minutes left uh, before before our before our recording might disappear forever. But uh, we did get a comment on our Patreon from one of our new patrons from Australia, Simon Treese, commented on our last episode. Merry Christmas, everyone! I just wanted to say I look forward to the end of every week to listen to the podcast. Appreciate all the work and dedication to keep our ears entertained. Have a great holiday and new year. And I just want to say thanks, Simon. Thank, Thank you, Simon. Simon. We appreciate you. And thanks for commenting on it. And I'm. I'm glad that you enjoy the 
podcast. And yeah, that keeps us going. We hope to continue to entertain you and all that. And I commented on it as well, but I just wanted to mention it on the show. And uh, if you want to, you know, find us on whatever's left of Twitter, you can go to a JMAX stack and Nintendo underscore domain, twitch.tv slash Nintendo main podcast. Watch my stream of Sonic Frontiers and Dragon Quest Treasures on there. Actually, I had the most amount of viewers I've had in a long time on Dragon Quest Treasures, so there you go. And also, you can find us at youtube.com slash Nintendo main podcast. My video version of my favorite games will be up there at some point. And uh, patreon.com slash Nintendo main podcast. If you like the show, support the show. Um, you can hear our bonus episodes. You can see our beautiful faces on the uh, video, which uh, gets posted right after we record this. You can hear it earlier. You can hear like the 20 minutes or maybe 30 minutes of this episode that we cut before it goes on to the regular free feed and all that stuff. And of course, we have, uh, you know, Patreon episodes. Uh, we're going to do an anime episode in a couple of days and WRT radio. There's a lot of shit actually happening. I have to edit like five podcasts over the weekend. So <laughs> once I get through that, we're your hosts. I'm Trey Johnson. I'm Jerry McCaskey. John Nitter. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. Number one, we're so close. To I have to do done. number one before we do. <laughs> we're so close. Okay. I'll be right back.